warning. Pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 282. There's already like 7 million podcasts. It's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna take it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean it, race it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake, and we're the Leftovers. Yeah, I was drinking that time. I don't give a fuck. Um, let's see here. How you doing, Jake? I'm good. It's been a fun week. Yeah, you were saying we're the leftovers, and I had a had a mouth. I was swigging a mouthful of beer there. <laughs> you got to do what you got to do. I mean, <laughs> you knew you had you knew you had a space that you could get a drink in there. I didn't though. It was like one of those, you know, where I should have actually been. Yeah, I went. I I tried to get it in when you were saying I'm Jake, and I still had it in my mouth at that time. <laughs> Just bucket. Oh well, like, we all get a mulligan. Yeah. So hey, uh, we have a guest this week. Welcome back, Dan. How is everybody? Good, good. Yeah, Dan West back again. Dan West from Brute Force and Ignorance, a D&D podcast. Everybody check it out. Subscribe, give it a listen, and they can always go back to episode one and start from the beginning of the uh, of that uh, storyline that uh, Jake Harmon. It's an original storyline by Jacob Harmon. Yeah, it is. And yeah, if you don't start at the beginning, it might not make a lot of sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. It's one. Of, it's definitely one of those podcasts where you got to start at the beginning, and yeah, it's a quick listen through. If you just, I mean, if you got a lot of time to listen to podcasts, I mean, each episode's like an hour and a half to two hours. So, yeah, it's, it's like we normally sort of cap the actual story off about an hour, and then we do a Q and A from the listeners about Dungeons and Dragons or questions for the cast about the characters, basically anything they want to ask us, and then we answer one question a week. And we also have a competition where you can win a free book if you email in. There you go. Check it out, people. Brute Force and Ignorance of Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Uh, let's see. We are not going to have any Avengers Endgame spoilers until we hit Marvel News, which is going to be the last segment of this week. So don't worry about us uh, spoiling the movie if you have not seen it yet. Um, but I am going to ask you this question, guys. What did, uh, what did Avengers Infinity War, the movie, and our uh, last week's Avengers Endgame podcast have in common? you don't know i will be happy to tell you uh we lost half our audience that's part of it yes 
<laughs> there's there yes it just like thanos snapped i mean we lost 50 percent of our listeners but everything in that review was growing great just like everything in infinity war was going great until peter quill blew up at thanos and started punching him in the face and just like everything was going great in our review until i blew up at dan and that's <laughs> when everybody – I became the biggest villain on the fucking internet, man. Like it's crazy. Like some people love it. Some people hate it. And th- the thing is it's like – I don't know, man. For me – and I've said this to a few people throughout the week. People get passionate over sports. If you've ever watched – been to a fucking sports bar or just had a conversation about sports – People get passionate and they fucking yell and all that shit about sports. And I do it over a fucking movie and time travel and I'm the biggest asshole on the fucking planet. It's, it's insane. <laughs> it's like, have you ever watched Around the Horn or any of these sports talk shows? I mean, it, and part of this is just entertainment. It's like, I don't get it, man. Whatever. I guess it's not, I guess it's, it, it's an episode for people that have been listening for a while and kind of get like what we do on here. If you're, I don't know, everybody just in this, in this, in this day and age that, uh, when I, uh, people that express themselves in that way and everybody's like, oh, it just took me out of it. It took me out of it. I, I can't, uh, I can't listen to it. It took me out of it. Well, too fucking bad. I'm sorry that I invaded your little yell free safe deep safe bubble or whatever the fuck you got going on i you know, seriously go rake your little zen garden pet your fucking emotional pet uh put on some tori amos or whatever the fuck it is that you fuckers do um it's no it's ridiculous man i've been physically i've been threatened physically over email this week um, oh my yeah i had a listener want to punch not only me but you jake for agreeing with me in the last episode said if they ever saw us out in public that they would punch us in the face it's like <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's it's I don't know. People are just ridiculous. Oh man, I I can't believe it because we even like go on because obviously Sean was with us and he hasn't experienced Darth Brian before, and you know I even said to him like you know welcome to PCL for real and we went on to explain that it's just us having a good time and fucking you can hear me and Rebecca laughing really hard in the background. And like we said, like none of us take this personally. We've got differing opinions and you know, me and me and Brian and Jake and Beck are all really good friends. So you know, we've done this face to face. We've yelled at each other face to face and we never have any we don't harbour any grudges about it. No, I just find it strange that someone will get so offended about it and threaten you guys. It's oh man. Insane. Oh man, I can't even read like there's like a few iTunes reviews that I can't read. Some of them are very pleasant and nice, but they've got in game spoilers in them so I can't read them. But some of them are just like, you know, I hate the main guy and too much yelling and my safety bubble. Ooh, you know, just I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I love the irony of hating that you yelled and got angry of Dan making someone so angry they want to punch us. The thing is, <laughs> what I kind of love about it, though, is like I'm able to not only just like uh, – I just I brought that reaction out of people. That's that's power, Jake. That's power. <laughs> oh yeah, you're in the heads, Brian. <laughs> oh man. Well, the thing you're is, winning. It, well, see, it's like guys, nothing's going to change, and it's not like that happens every week. That was just like it, it used to happen a lot more often, but it doesn't really happen that much anymore. It was just like one of those things where I had my feet dug in, and I'm like, no. 
And uh, then me and Dan just started going. And I'd been drinking. I was like five or six beers in at the time. Give me a fucking break. You know, it's like you ever gone to a sports bar? You ever talk sports with somebody? I'm, I mean, I uh, – Jake, and you know the guy. Uh, years ago, uh, Bulls were in a uh, seven-game series with the Pacers. This is back in 98. And um, – one, uh, a mutual friend of ours was over at the uh, over at my house, and we were all watching the game. And the Bulls got beat, and I was crushed. Oh, it was a Utah Jazz game, and he was rooting for the Jazz. And when the Jazz won, I started yelling, "I did get out of my house, get out!" You know, and I started flipping out everybody. And they're laughing on the way out because they know it's fun and they know me. So I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where. Uh, some people get it, some people don't. And it's, Dan, like you said in a chat this week, like it's a good way to kind of weed out the listeners that we don't want anyway, that we were probably going to offend in the future somewhere down the line. So it's a good way to weed them out. Yeah, most definitely, dude. I mean, there's not many sort of arguments that you see in public or listen to on other podcasts where both of the people that are participating in the argument both say, I love you at the end of it. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so if, if that was anything to go by, maybe they should have realized that we're just like getting our viewpoints across, but it doesn't fucking affect us as friends at all. One of the funniest stories that I heard this week, uh, Jake, you read this as well, is uh, our uh, listener and friend, um, June, uh, she was listening to the episode and it was the part where we're yelling at each other, Dan, or I'm yelling at you and you're calmly trying to interject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, So she's listening to that part and she's in her car and people are looking at her and then she realizes that she has her sunroof down and everybody is hearing me flip out on oh, you. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I love that she noticed all the people looking and not knowing why. At first. Yeah. That's absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Uh, let's see. I gotta, I gotta thank you this week. I wanna thank, um, uh, I, I, a lot of people sent me emails getting, wanting to be able to watch that movie I talked about a couple weeks ago, One Cut of the Dead. And, uh, I, of course I wanna thank Ty Purvis for hooking me up. But, uh, we got that through, uh, Mike Cadaver and Shane over at the Corpse Cast Horror Podcast. So give those guys a listen and I wanna thank them and then again, thank Ty Purvis. Uh, for One Cut of the Dead. Fantastic movie, guys. It is it is a 100% Tupperware, in my opinion. I absolutely loved it. So thank you very much, uh, Mike Cadaver and Shane, over at the Corpse Cast Horror Podcast. And guys, it has been a tough week. This week we lost uh, both John Singleton and Peter Mayhew. Mm. Yeah, it's been rough. Yeah. Um... I don't know, man. It's been, it, it has, it's been a, a couple, for me, it's been a couple weeks of loss. I, uh, I lost my only living grandparent. Um, so my grand, my grandpa died and then, um, that was about a week and a half ago and, and, uh, the service was wonderful. I got to hear a lot of great stories about my grandpa that I never knew before from people that, you know, knew him and, and a lot of great stories. And, um, it was the hardest part for me was just seeing my, my dad and my aunt, um, how it affected them and then you know thinking about you know one day it'll be it'll be my father there and and um so while you have your parents and stuff like that um just let them know how much you love them jake that's that's you know i know you let your mom know how much you cared for her and your your grandmother and i mean it's just it's one of those things where we need to remember family and and uh and love them because one day they're with you and the next day they aren't so 
Yeah, I mean, I very much had the same experience where you definitely start just thinking about your own mortality and everyone else's yeah. when you kind of go through an incident like that. And it really does kind of kick you in the ass and make you realize that, you know, life is super precious and mm-hmm. not to waste those moments, especially with your loved ones and family. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, um, I was going to say this on the Avengers Endgame episode, but um, I didn't want to. But I was, I was, I was too busy yelling at you. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was during that, it was during that moment where I was yelling at you incessantly, (laughs) and I wouldn't shut up. Yeah, Brian, um, please let let me let me say something here. I'm sorry. Go ahead. And I'm doing it again, Dan. Yeah, Yeah, I just wanted to say that I, I said to the guys like off air and everything that um, I've had like a pretty rough like last six months uh we also had a death in the family and um we've been going through some some stuff as well um some health things and uh i just wanted to give a huge shout out to chris fallon jason privet and uh basil tarabrisi as well because uh you guys messaged me personally and i really appreciate the talks we had so huge shout out to those guys for uh yeah letting me talk to them it was uh seriously helpful so you know this one goes out to you guys thanks very much that's awesome that's that's what this uh podcast is all about is like people trying to be there for each other and also me yelling profusely at dan (laughs) Um, but you know i wouldn't have it any other way i love how dan thanks people for like emotionally being his uh like security blanket his emotional security blanket and i'm just thanking people for letting me watch a movie about zombies <laughs> it's nice you couldn't know. have seen it any other way i know hey thanks for letting me watch this funny movie about zombies where the dead rise from the grave and then you know dan's actually having people console him i don't know but i jake it feels like everything i do is unimportant I don't know. Unimpor- don't know unimportant and controversial. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you can't let it, you can't let it sweat you, and I know you don't. Uh, they just call me Shallow B. Is what they call me. <laughs> Shallow B. That's my uh, that's my rap name, and uh, my rap is is a lot like DMX because all I do is fucking yell. <laughs> uh, I'd like to. I'd, I'd listen uh, to that album. Oh God, yeah. Well, it's here every week, people. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it sucks that we lost. You know, I John Singleton only fifty one. Yeah, I was really shocked by that. I mean, and he was still in the prime of his career and still getting mm-hmm. you know very big franchise movies here and there. So, yeah, yeah it was kind of a shocking blow. Yeah, well, I mean, he had been hospitalized for like I think it was like two to three weeks or something like that. It felt like last month he was in a in the hospital, but I, I never thought that it would be life ending or anything so it was it was a yeah same like i when they first like the news blurbs hit it was just you know he'd suffered a stroke Mm -hmm. and then you kind of just didn't hear about it for a few weeks so you just assumed everything was for the better and then it was not at all (laughs) it's kind of like the luke perry thing all over again yeah yeah very much very much even that even kind of carrie fisher went down like that if i remember yeah well yeah carrie uh we, everybody thought that there was like the quote, wasn't there like something from her son or somebody said something like, you know, like it sounded positive. Like there's a, there was, there was hope there. Right. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so, and then of course, Peter Mayhew. Wow. He's been having health problems for a long time. So. Yeah. And that one, I don't know. I, I was actually a little bit shocked at how much that one hit me. And I was just kind of trying to like think about it and dissect that and why that one hurt so much. And, you know, I think Chewie is just like, 
was basically all of you know anyone our age bracket like their first pet in in a lot of ways you know like their first companion you know yeah like that that star wars generation man i just i love chewy i had my chewy stuffed animal and just yeah it's just and peter mayhew just behind the scenes always seemed like such a warm and generous to the fans type of actor so right yeah it's a shame he helped he uh would help out at a lot of like charities and stuff like that dressing up as chewbacca and and um very very giving guy so yeah it's a yeah it's rough no, it sucks, man. It's just like coming from a guy that has been called Wookie for like a number of years now since I had like the long hair and the beard and stuff. And Chewie's always been one of my favorite characters in Star Wars. And yeah, when I found out, it's just, you know, like you said, it's just like this very kind, warm-hearted human being, which is no longer with us, that has touched our lives in such a like hugely positive way. It's um, It's rough. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad he got to see this, you know, current resurgence of Star Wars, you know, especially with his character being a little bit more front and center than maybe so in the earlier prequels. So, you know, that, that's pretty cool. Well, I'm sure he definitely enjoyed that. I got a Star Wars related question for you. Yeah, I'm ready. Hit me. Do you think that Ryan Johnson, when he was uh, creating The Last Jedi, do you think that he intentionally made Porgs? one letter off from the word porn i do not what what would be the intention of doing that i don't know just kind of like uh like that that first day when uh porgs hit the internet like the name was released and they were called porgs like those first you know searches for porg on the internet were probably coming up as did you mean porn and I mean, it probably got a lot of people on their work computers in trouble. Yeah, I can see that. A lot of, of the main search engines, like, you know, your Google and your Firefox and all that stuff, don't even like that. The word porn and all those kind of triple X words don't even come up on the search engines a lot of times these days. Well, the, th- the reason I asked, and yeah, this is different, but I was trying to type in porg on my phone and my phone autocorrected to porn, which is apparently a word I use a lot on my phone. So I didn't know. Yeah. yeah, that's a different scenario. That's been personalized towards you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's just more about you than it does about the search engine. Okay. All right. <laughs> you, think, you, you think porgs are going to be a thing in the next movie? Movie? You think we're going to get any porgs in it? Except I know they've got some on the on the Falcon. Do you think that those are going to that we're going to have like porg nests in the Falcon from now on going forward? I assume we'll never see a porg again. Really. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't think we're gonna go to um, Octu anytime. No, no, no. The the porgs. There's but some the, porgs know, on the, the Falcon. Falcon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, I guess I reckon they'll be on there. Okay, you think they'll be there as a nod to the canon um, of it all? I reckon that there will be some sort of a shot of a porg or some sort of a comic relief at some point. But from what I understand, they weren't exactly well loved by a lot of the other fans. Yeah, oh, but see, that's the thing. It's like. When, uh, what was it? Um, when, uh, Jar Jar came out, uh, all the adult fans that grew up with the original movies hated Jar Jar, except for a few. I know, Jake, you love Jar Jar, but a lot of fans didn't like Jar But, like, the kids that grew up on those movies loved Jar Jar Banks. And so I think, like, the kids that grew up with all the Porg, uh, you know, plush, plush dolls and stuff like that coming out in the, 
you know, I don't know. I think they kind of love the Porgs. I don't know, though. It's not like I'm hanging out with a bunch of kids that love Porgs. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It's kind of the same <laughs> metaphor for what happened even in Return of the Jedi with the Ewoks, honestly. Yeah, yeah. A lot of adults hated the Ewoks in that t- at that time. And yeah. it was, uh, so it's hard saying. Yeah. And, and, and back then, George Lucas really didn't heed that complaint. But I guess he didn't have the internet and Twitter bombarding him with it. Yeah. You know, he continued to do the two Ewok movies and the Ewok cartoon. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, those Ewok movies are terrible. It's some of the worst child actors I've ever seen in any production. Oh, they're movies. horrible. I don't like if you go to their IMDb. I don't even know if they're working, doing anything now. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I would think not. Yeah. <laughs> I ripped up their actor card as soon as that yeah. shit was done. All right, guys. I am. Uh, I, let's see here. I guess. I guess we could. I could read a couple of iTunes reviews here. I don't know. What do we got here? <laughs> Yeah, I'll read one. Here we go. Uh, iTunes reviews. All right. First one comes from uh, Katie Tron, and uh, she says... Uh, you guys are great. It's a five star, and it goes on to say the rambling rabbit trails are what makes this podcast different from all the others. You won't get talks about Walt Disney's Ice Cube ride in your standard "We Talk About Movies" podcast, which is why we listen to you guys. Keep it up. You do good work. Seven out of seven meatloafs, and that comes from Katie Tron. Mm, I thought that was a really good review until we brought back the meatloaf thing. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's like that meat. Well, I think. Uh, we keep bringing it up, and so I think people keep bringing it up. I don't know, man. It's not going to die is it, anytime soon, is it? No, we don't bring it up in a very loving manner, though. It's not like, oh, yeah. I can't wait to hear more of these meatloaf references. Yeah, but people keep doing it. Yeah, it's really it's really caught on. That that guy knew what he was talking about yeah. with that meatloaf review. Yeah, I give this review six out of seven meatloafs. They, they didn't quite yeah. stick the landing. You're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> you're, part of the, you're part of the fucking problem, Jake. Ah, oh, shit. I'm bad at that. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Cap it off with, I give it six out of seven meatloafs. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's hear the next one. How many meatloafs is it going to get? Uh, let's see. We got one here from uh, JMH85. JMH, it's uh, titled A Consistently Pleasurable Listen. It's a uh, five-star. Uh, these guys have been turning out incredible podcasts for over five years. The episodes are long, and that's a good thing. P.S. I have now deleted Now Playing Podcast because, you, uh, because while you guys – are spending time diving into the minutia. They are wasting time being confused about surface-level plot points. Seriously, listen to the first five minutes of their Captain Marvel review and drink every time they say they are confused. And that comes from JMH85JMH. Wow, I see. I like this review. I like shitting on other podcasts as you rate us high. That's good stuff. Yeah, and then naming said podcast. <laughs> yeah, the naming the same right. pie. Yeah, it's, it's, I like how you suggest we listen to it. It's not it's not tactful at all. It's it's just like yeah, these guys. I don't know. I've never listened to them. I have no, I have nothing, uh, no ill will towards them. I've never listened to it, and I I don't know. I don't think I want to go out and listen to their Captain Marvel review after that review. So yeah, no, they they sold it good enough for me. They're confused. Yeah. I get it. I don't need to hear it. Yeah. All right, guys. Let's uh, let's move on into our uh, good pop, bad pop for this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Mm. 
Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, real quick, two things I want to talk about real quick. The Hobbs and Shaw trailers, this looks like the best movie ever fucking made. That's oh, all. dear God. <laughs> yeah, it looks pretty fantastic. I, I will not disagree with that. This this is just high-octane f- action, fun banter between these two actors they couldn't be it's like uh oil and water i i love it i, I think it's it, it looks so much fun i think this is going to be um one of the surprise box office uh movies this year i not really surprised because it is part of the fast and furious franchise and those movies tend to do well and it's got the rock but i think that people are doing some of these like box office uh you know, uh, you know, these box office bets, these wagers where they have different movies, like who's going to come in top. Of course, everybody's picking Avengers Endgame to be the movie of the summer. But I think that Hobbs and Shaw is going to be climbing up this list. And I don't know, uh, Jake, do you think Hobbs and Shaw can beat out Toy Story 4? And I'm not just saying because we're not the biggest fans of the trailer of Toy Story 4. Um, it doesn't matter if we're the biggest fans of that trailer or not, Jake. Kids are kids. And parents are parents. And when you take, when, when you're getting a Toy Story 4 ticket, it's not one ticket. You, 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 most of those tickets are coming with, uh, multiple. I mean, it's like you've already got the upsell, which is your children. I mean, you're not going in alone typically. That's a tough bet between those two. Um, one part of me says, you know, it's not been as big of a gap between two and three as three and four on the toy story front here it doesn't feel like it's as feverishly wanted by the audiences people are excited but there was just such a level of anticipation for three if i remember correctly because one and two were kind of back to back and Mm -hmm. you thought they were never going to do another one and it was kind of it was kind of like the phantom menace and force awakens fever where you have these big long gaps and you're surprised another thing is even coming. Yeah. And I think that's kind of working against this movie a little bit, but man, I still like, it's still a tough bet. I, I kind of feel like fast and the furious or Hobbs and Shaw. I mean, is going to take the win here. I yeah, Dan, what are you thinking, man? Uh, it's tough saying, man. It really is because I mean, the last sort of, what was it? The last two fast mov- movies made over like a billion dollars yeah. like worldwide. Yeah. You know, they were huge and they were just, I mean, I saw them both and they are fun. They are fucking dumb, but <laughs> it's, uh, but they're fun, man. You can't argue with that. The spectacle's always awesome. So, and just like you guys, I, I wasn't a big fan of the Toy Story 4 trailer. I, I just didn't, it didn't interest me. I don't know what it was about it that didn't sell me on it, but I just wasn't, you know, that interested. And I'm a huge Disney nut as well. And it's, so it's not like I'm, you know, saying, oh, I'm too old to go see this. Cause I go see Disney films in the cinema all the time, but mm. it, this one just didn't, it didn't grab me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like it's a story that doesn't need to be told. It's a you know this this girl and then Forky, this little and like the whole. Um, but I hear they've actually. I think it was at was it at CinemaCon they they debuted like the first twenty minutes of the movie and people coming out of CinemaCon say that the first twenty minutes look incredible. So 
We'll see. I mean, I, I'm hearing good things about it. I, I At the end of the day, this could get a high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a Pixar movie. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of a weird thing to pit these two movies against each other, but I'm I'm curious. I, I hope Hobbs and Shaw takes it, though. It's the same weekend opening, too? No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, over the... I'm just saying, like... Over the summer. Over the summer. Like, you know, for all those people that have, like, those uh, box office wagers, the summer wagers, you know, where they pick, like, their top ten of, like, what's going to be, like, the biggest... I wonder if people are taking Hobbs and Shaw higher or if they're taking Toy Story 4 higher. And that's kind of, like, my question here is, like, which one's going to, you know, basically pull in the box office? I bet it's split. I I bet it's not universally agreed upon which of those movies is going to make the most money. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about here real quick is, um, but yeah, Hobbs and Shaw looks awesome. Looks awesome. Like these trailers have sold me and I'm probably going to watch these, uh, Fast and Furious movies before this movie comes out. Um, and then I want to talk about, uh, real quick, the Crawl trailer. Have you guys seen the Crawl trailer? <laughs> yes. No, I, I, not. It's a new Sam Raimi film. Oh Jesus! Now I'm out of the loop. Uh, Sam Raimi, if you, I, I can pause if you want to watch it, Jake. It's a new Sam yeah. Raimi film, and uh, it looks like it stars uh, character actor Barry Pepper. I love Barry Pepper. Barry Pepper seems like he's not gotten uh, a good. I don't know. It's, it seems like he hasn't been on the good end uh, of movies here recently. He was doing like last thing I remember seeing him in was like the Maze Runner sequel, and that movie was terrible in my opinion. So. But, uh, yeah, Jake, we'll take a pause here real quick if you want to watch Crawl. Yeah, I'll watch it. All right, Jake, so you've watched Crawl. Yes, I have seen it now. Yeah. It, crawl informed. It's, uh, it's, uh, Sam Raimi produced. Yeah, the, I forget the director's name already, but it's the same guy that did, uh, The Hills Have Eyes and Piranha 3DD and Alexander uh, Ajar. There you go. Did Horns as well. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, it looks fun. It does look fun. I mean, you know, it looks incredibly stupid, but that's kind of the point. And I don't think I think the movie's well aware of their kind of ridiculous storyline they have going on, uh, kind of evident by the trailer and some of the cheese they already show you just in this two minutes, you know. So, yeah, it did look fun, like Lake yeah. Placid in a house. Yeah, Lake Placid in a house. It's like, you know, like we had, uh, what was it, uh, the Meg that did really well last year. And, uh, you know, these prehistoric, uh, it's, this was like, uh, giant alligators. Yeah. Well, I was trying to figure that out. It, was it just one giant alligator or is there a bunch of them? I don't know. Yeah, I guess there probably will end up being a bunch of them. That'll be like the happy reveal when they you, find a nest. You went very robotic there. Did I? Yeah. Uh, I was saying that maybe that'll probably be the end of the movie reveal when they find the uh, alligator nest. Do alligators have nests? I I don't know. That was part of the the joke. Do they? Was that legit? Yeah, because they have eggs, so they have little nests. They build nests. Yeah. Listen to you. Like, like, like we're stupid for asking the question if alligators have nests. No. I, I'm not vague. saying you're stupid. No, let's get a let's get a let's I'm get a big going, yeah. Let's get a big fight about alligators and nests now. <laughs> let's do that. Let's yeah. like the next forty five minutes. Let's just berate each other on alligators and their nesting habits. Yeah, I vaguely thought that was true based on an old Ren and Stimpy episode. Do uh, do penguins have nests, or do they just like uh, stick the eggs between their legs and waddle around and shit? Right. Hmm. 
they they definitely do that. They do that, just... but do, but like in between, do they have? Do they? <laughs> do they nest? <laughs> Welcome to Discovery Channel. <laughs> I know. With idiots. Like morons. <laughs> yeah. No shit about animals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, this film, um, I, I sent you a message in O'Brien about it should be called, uh, Crococaine. And you came up with a much, much better name, which was, cause I was basing it on the Sharknado thing. Yeah. We got water and crocodiles and, uh, what was it you said? No, I said, uh, this is a conversation between, uh, me and Dan, Jake, that we were having through, uh, Facebook Messenger, and he said it should be called Crococaine, like after, uh, what was it, uh, Sharknado. Yeah. And I said, no, I said, I like a (laughs) Crocolypse. But I said, that's much better. (laughs) And then, and then Dan and I can, you know, continued to fight and yell over, in all caps, over Facebook Messenger for 45 minutes. Yeah, that definitely happened. Yeah, that totally happened. <laughs> That's fucking people. funny. Yeah, I, if they would have named it a Crocolypse, then obviously they're completely aware of what they're trying to do. I guess the name Crawl still has some little, a little bit of tone of seriousness to it. Yeah, Crawl. It just looks like is just people like are trapped under their houses <laughs> in the crawl space. Yeah. yeah, in the crawl space. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Hey, I, I saw a movie this week. Uh, it was. Uh, it's called Stockholm. And uh, it's based on the absurd but true 1973 bank heist and hostage crisis in Stockholm, Sweden, that was documented in the New Yorker as the origins of the Stockholm Syndrome. Uh, this is written and directed by Robert Boudreau. He made uh, another film, uh, Born to be Blue, uh, which starred Ethan Hawke. And this movie also stars Ethan Hawke. He plays the main character here. Uh, also starring in this is uh, Mark Strong, uh, Numi Rapace. You'll remember her from uh, Alien uh, was it Prometheus? Yeah, she was in Prometheus. And then Christopher Heyerdahl. Um, this is a, uh, I, what I, what I knew that this was a, uh, uh, kind of like, uh, explaining the origins of Stockholm Syndrome, where you, uh, you're being held captive and then you start to, uh, over time, uh, acquire feelings for your captor. And, um, I did, what I didn't know about this is, how much of a black comedy it was going to be like there is there is comedy in this one it's it's taken very seriously when it needs to be but the events that actually play out in the movie and the characters that you know ethan hawk plays in this are actually very funny at times just some of the events that happen are very funny at times and and the movie kind of knows this and leans into it i I really enjoyed this movie uh i i thought it was fantastic i'm going to give it a tupperware i would if you can see this one in the theaters, please do. It's uh, it was a movie that uh, everybody else is going to see Avengers Endgame, and so it was like me and like three other people watching this movie. But I really, I really enjoyed it quite a bit. It's uh, it's pretty funny, and just the character that Ethan Hawke plays in this is just a bizarre character. And Numi Rapace is so good in this movie. Uh, I thought she was fantastic, and there's kind of a weird uh, romance that kind of brews in this, and. It makes me want to like look up the real story and like how the movie differs from the actual real story. But I thought it was very good. I, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. That's really cool when you go to a movie and you're not quite sure what the genre is going to be, especially when it ends up being a black comedy. Yeah, that's always kind of a fun experience. You, you're like, oh crap, am I supposed to be laughing here? Right. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. That's that's a really strong cast as well, man. That's really good. Ethan Hawke, Mark Strong, Naomi Rapace. That's 
a good triple threat lineup. And you're basically the whole movie. You're, you're spending it with them and like you know some of the police and things like that that they that they come in contact with. But mostly, most of this movie takes place in this bank that they're trying to rob and in the vault that they're staying in. And um, you know, so you get a lot of really good character moments and, and things like that. And uh, it's it's it is kind of wild how in the movie where they feel as if like their safety is not of the utmost importance to the Swedish government. And it feels like the people that are holding them hostage have more, um, are taking more care of them than the people that are supposed to actually be rescuing them. So then they start playing along with the, with their captors and, and it, they, and, and, you know, these were people that were like scared to death of being kidnapped and, and, and now, now the hostages are actually working with their captors to try to help these guys get free. It's, it's very, and I'm not spoiling anything. The movie's called Stockholm for crying out loud, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's very fun to kind of see like the flip in these characters and to kind of see them uh, enjoy playing the bad guy. You know, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was very, uh, and it had elements of, uh, you know, uh, a little bit of Catch Me If You Can, uh, that Steven Spielberg movie with Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio, where it's like, I love that movie. Yeah. It's a little bit of like Ethan Hawke versus this Christopher Hyadol who plays Chief Matson in this movie. And I, I, it's very, very good. This is definitely one that you'll want to at least red box or watch it when it's available on HBO or Cinemax or something like that. Um, and then before I pass it off, I've been watching uh, Bonding on Netflix. Have either of you guys seen this or started this one? I saw the trailer for it, and it didn't look like it was for me, so I passed on it. Okay. It, it, this Jake, have you seen or heard about no, this? No, no. Okay. It's, it's a New York City grad student moonlighting as a dominatrix enlists her gay BFF from high school to be her assistant. It stars Zoe Levin. She plays Tiff. She's also uh, Miss May, I believe. Yeah, it's Miss May uh, is her dominatrix name. And then Brendan Scannell, he plays Pete, her assistant. And he was the male Heather in that Heathers series that got canceled on Paramount Network. But, um, Dan, I honestly, when I started watching this, I was like, yeah, this is definitely not for me. This is a little too out there. Um it really throws you into this world of of Miss May and being a dominatrix and her clientele. But it also she, there's a side story of her like trying to get she's going to um, uh, uh, psychiatric. She's taking psychiatric courses, on the other hand. And it's kind of crazy, though, being a dominatrix, what she learns about the human psyche. And like it gives her a little bit of that life experience that, you know, even her. You know, even her professor doesn't know everything that she's kind of experienced with people. And her professor and her kind of like battle back and forth that he says role play is not good um, when it comes to, you know, our, our psychology. And that's basically her job is like fulfilling role play for people. Um, but it, this this show really. Oh my God. Does it really uh, dive into this? And is it really gross at times? Yes. Like there are parts of this show that are just really. Um, you get a character that gets peed on. Um, you get, uh, uh, people masturbating. Uh, there's one point in this show where Pete, the assistant, basically gets, uh, 
splashed with a bunch of jizz in his face. There is, Aww. yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a character that has a small penis, but he gets off on being told that he has a small penis. Um, <laughs> Ms. May, like, she's turned this into a career, and she even has, like, a guy dressed up in, like, a leather bondage outfit that just cleans her apartment for free. He actually pays her to clean her apartment because he likes to be a sub. So, you know, he's very submissive. And uh, you, you meet her different clients, and, and they, they range from, like, guys that want to be humiliated, guys that want to be controlled, to soccer moms that want to fulfill their husband's fantasies. And um, But on the other side, but the character of Pete, her gay friend, he's kind of cool because, like, he wants to be a stand-up comic, but he's too scared to go on. But here he is being this assistant and doing things that he would never leave, never do before. And uh, I'm three episodes in. Each episode's only about 15 to 17 minutes long, and there's only six or seven episodes. I believe seven episodes. And I'm three episodes in, and I absolutely adore this show. I think it's great. It's very crude. Um, but I think, like, that's part of its weird, sadistic charm. I kind of, at first, was grossed out by it, but then I, I kind of laughed at it as I kept watching the show. I'm, I'm going to give this one a Tupperware. I, I absolutely love this show. I c- hope they continue with it. Um, this is really good. Yeah, it's really good stuff. Jake, you got to go past that first episode. If you just watch the first episode, you're going to be like, I'm out. I think you have to get through at least three episodes on this one. And I think if you do, and if you can stomach three episodes of this, the comedy and everything, uh, I, if it works for you, it works for you. I loved it. Yeah, I, I'm, that sounds pretty interesting. What platform did you say Bonding was on? This is Netflix. Netflix, okay. Yeah, yeah. And each episode's only 15 to 17 minutes. So it, like, they're really quick watches. That's crazy, man, because we're seeing a lot more of that sort of short form, like series storytelling on Netflix at the moment. It seems to be popping up. Yeah. And I know we're going to be talking about one a little bit later on, but that, I didn't even realize that that was uh, the same with this as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, each episode's not like 30, 34 minutes or whatever that they have, but um, yeah, just 15 to 17. And uh, yeah, it's called Bonding, and it's on Netflix, and um, it's it's a lot of fun. I'm going to pass it off to one of you guys. Jake. Yeah, I got a chance to see an early release of Booksmart in the theaters a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to talk about that. This is Olivia Wilde's directorial debut. Um, It stars Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldston in the leads, Um, also a big supporting role by Billy Lord in this movie. Um, Brief description. Uh, academic overachievers Amy and Molly thought keeping their noses to the grindstone gave them a leg up on their high school peers. But on the eve of graduation, the best friends suddenly realized that they may have missed out on the special moments of their teenage years. Determined to make up for lost time, the girls decide to cram four years of not-to-be-missed fun into one night, a chaotic adventure that no amount of book smarts could prepare them for. So, yeah, I was really excited to go see this. Um, I've seen the trailer about half a dozen times almost before any movie in this genre that i've seen in the last few months so i got excited to see an early release of this and i you know what i'm gonna give this a tupperware i thought this was a fantastic movie but one thing i will tell our listeners i do think the trailers are kind of misleading i kind of thought this was going to be a much more of a slapstick comedy type of movie and it's really not that as much as I expected it to be. It's much more of a, you know, coming of age story between two really best friends and you got all the emotions of how their peers think of them. And I was surprised that 
it was able to keep this delicate balance between them being in all these very outrageous situations, but still being very grounded in real human emotion that was really affecting me as the viewer. And I just thought that was an incredibly like talented feat for this kind of movie, like to compare it to other like kind of slapstick comedies, like, you know, like the hangover sequels or whatever, just all become more about the spectacle and the comedy. And I was really impressed that, no matter how outrageous some of the scenarios got, it never took me out of the movie. I thought the actors and the actresses were just so strong in their roles and the screenplay was so convincing. And I just absolutely loved this. And a real big shout out to Billy Lord, who was absolutely hilarious in this movie. I I really hadn't seen her in anything other than her brief, you know, Star Wars appearances in the last two movies. Wasn't she and doing was, was she doing the was she doing the Scream show or was she doing the Scream Queens? Was it Scream Queens? Uh, it was one of those two. And, you know, Scream Queens I only watched in maybe the first two episodes and I never even bothered with the uh MTV Scream series, I think, is where oh, that was at. She was in Scream Queens, and then she also did um, episodes of American Horror Story. Okay, okay, yeah, she was fantastic in this. I mean, I I consider myself a fan, and hope she, you know, gets more comedic roles like she had in this one. Nice. I thought, go ahead. I just said nice. That's very cool. Because yeah, like, I because Carrie, I her mother, it. her mother's hilarious. You know. So, oh yeah, Carrie yeah. Fisher is fantastic. And I mean, she would have loved to see Billy in this role. She is definitely channeling her mother and her mother's spirit in this role. She's kind of just the all over the place, you know, free thinking kind of hippie back in the past student that, you know, gets into some really crazy situations. And it's awesome. Wow. And I, I, I keep saying generic things like crazy situations. And, and I'm doing that because I, I saw this movie early. I think a lot of the fun is in finding out like, the breadcrumb trail they take to, you know, figure out if they can cram these four years of partying in one night. And I just don't want to really give away any of the like circumstances they get into. Cause I, this movie has some really good cause and effect moments and everything kind of gets tied together by the uh, end. And I just, every beat of the story just really worked so well from scene to scene in this movie for me. I, I was really blown away by it, but like I said, I, I, I do think some people may see this movie and not Tupperware it just based on thinking it's going to be more of a Fairly Brothers slapstick comedy type of movie where it's really not that at all. It looks like A24, like an A24 film trying to be super bad. Yeah, yeah. The super bad comparison is very apt. It definitely did a little bit kind of feel like a gender swapped super bad, but, you know, in all the best ways. Yeah. Um, Jason Sudeikis is the director's husband, and he has a brief appearance in this movie, too. And uh, Will Forte is also in this movie. Um, he's married to Lisa Kudrow, and they both have brief appearances, but they're like the extremely religious parents. And they do feature them in the trailer where you see the two friends pretending to be gay to freak out the extremely Christian parents. And Will Forte is just great in that, you know, deadpan, oblivious to what's really going on kind of role. <laughs> yeah, me and Dan, we're both big fans of him on uh, Last Man on Earth, which got canceled, unfortunately. Yeah, don't remind me. Did you, Dan, did you read the article? There was an article that came out maybe three, four months ago saying where the fourth season would have gone. No, I don't think I did. Yeah, I'll try to find it for you, but yeah. Um, yeah, Jake, uh, the... This movie looks fantastic to me. I've been dying to see this one. I was so jealous that you get to see this early, and I can't wait to watch it when it comes out. But I, Beanie Feldstein, I love her. She's recently been in, uh, of course, like 
what was it a couple years ago? She was in Lady Bird, and then she's most recently been in What We Do in the Shadows, that new series on FX. Yeah, she was just fantastic and just really like, you know, I thought put herself out there emotionally in this movie and just, wow, you know, even though I don't relate to, you know, what a girl's high school experience is, I do relate to kind of being wanted and to be accepted by your peers and, you know, just all the, the kind of trying to fit in moments of high school. And I think Molly and Beanie really captured like just the awkwardness of trying to fit in with all these different groups in high school. This was an incredible movie. Awesome. Yeah, book smart. If I had to guess, and I could be wrong, don't tell me if I'm right, but since they are very book smart and they want to cram four years of that high school party experience, it sounds like they've organized it, like what they have to cross off their high school bucket list, and so they have to go down a list maybe. But we'll- yeah, like I said, I don't want I don't want to spoil any of the beats of this movie because I just yeah. thought it was very cleverly paced. Have you seen the trailer for was it Good Boys? I have not. Really? I, I, maybe I have, and I'm just blanking on the title. I'm frantically googling it it's right now. The three boys that want to find they got it. They're going to like a makeout party, and they want to find out how to kiss girls. No, I, I'm looking at it now. I have not seen this. Oh movie. my god! It, uh, the Red Band trailer for Good Boys is fucking hysterical dan have you seen this nope oh my god i almost want to pause so you guys can watch this one <laughs> it sounds like the best use of a drone i've seen in the movie in the last two years it's got jacob tremblay in it and then um what's the what's the name of the little uh uh from uh, last man on earth um the little black kid that uh the one dude kind of adopts keith l williams yeah he's in it as well dan oh my god <laughs> well, I've got to watch this now. All right, I'm going to pause and let you guys watch the uh, trailer for Good Boys. Okay. I'd like to take a minute real quick to mention our sponsors for this week over at Impact 3 Comics. They're a new independent publisher, and they're releasing their first comic, Neon Future. It's actually out now. It came out March 20th. This comic is a collaboration with world-famous DJ producer Steve Aoki, and it's written by the Eisner Award-winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger. This is a science fiction comic book you do not want to miss. It's got artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Rapak. The artwork and the story are absolutely mind-blowing. You've got a world in the grips of an economic crisis. Due to mass unemployment, advanced technology has been outlawed. The world is now divided between those implanted with technology and those without. When the world's most famous anti-tech crusader dies and is resurrected using the illegal technology he has sworn to eliminate, he must decide who to fight with his terrifying new powers. I'm telling you, this is an amazing comic, and the coolest thing about it is you can actually read the first issue for free. All you need to do is follow at IT Comics on Instagram. Instagram, and then follow the link and they will send you a free comic, a digital issue of this comic. And it is incredible. The world building in this is absolutely amazing. I love this book. Please put this comic book on your poll list at your local comic book shop um, and uh, start reading the on future. Impact Theory Comics came out with like guns blazing with this book. It is absolutely fantastic. So please check out Neon Future from Impact Theory Comics. All right, back to the show. All right. Yeah, so did you guys get a chance to watch that? We did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we watched the Red Band trailer as well. Nice. Nice. What did you think? Man, I absolutely <laughs> loved it. That's I, I I try not to Tupperware trailers very often and really give them a high bar and I will Tupperware this trailer. I was it was very very funny and really sold beyond this movie. I Yeah, these kids look 
just outrageous in this movie. And wow, I can't wait to see this. I love how they like nickname the one kid Sippy Cup, and he's like, "This is not a fucking Sippy Cup; it's a fucking juice box." <laughs> just say to Jake that there's nothing funnier than kids say the word "fuck." It is uh, absolutely hilarious. And the, did you see the the beginning? Like, just saying, Jake, the Seth Rogen bit at the beginning. Did you see that, Brian? No. It's hilarious. It's like him telling the kids that they can't watch their own Red Band trailer. Oh, I have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what? They're all like, what the fuck? And he's like, yeah, I know, it's fucked up. (laughs) You can say that, but you can't watch yourself saying that. (laughs) You did it in a movie, but you can't watch yourself saying that. (laughs) I love the beginning of the trailer that I, uh, the the kid where he's, uh, he's like anal beads and he starts swinging them, (laughs) swinging them around like nunchucks and they hit him in the face. He's like, oh, they smell like shit. (laughs) <laughs> oh man yeah that was that was a great trailer yeah. oh my gosh everybody <sighs> get out there and watch the red band trailer for good boys if you have not seen it this is one that i am highly anticipating there's some great comedies coming out i'm going to talk about another comedy that i watched recently uh with seth rogan here in a little bit but yeah watch the red band trailer uh for good boys do you guys want to talk a little bit about uh, game? Uh, yeah, so uh, Booksmart. Looking forward to it. That gets a May seventeenth release, I believe, Jake. May twenty fourth. May twenty fourth. Okay, so yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, let's talk Game of Thrones. Yes. Oh, really? Da, 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 da. <laughs> yes, we will talk about Game of Thrones. Oh my God, um, Dan, I want to know your thoughts. Are we going to do the spoiler warning first? Spoiler warning. We're going to spoil the fuck out of the Game of Thrones uh, Season 8, Episode 3. <laughs> There's your spoiler warning. That was it. That's it. That's my spoiler warning. <laughs> do you, I can... <laughs> I can play the bumper. I, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll play the bumper. Here we go. This is a pop culture leftovers spoiler warning. Today's forecast calls for spoilers straight in your dick hole. You have been warned... Spoiler pussies. All right, there you go. Uh, yeah, I fucking hate this episode. All right, we want to dive into that a little bit more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I certainly will. Um, I have a list here of pros and cons, and I'm just going to shoot through them real quick. Um, pros: the beginning tension that was that was really good. The long shots, which is the dragon fight. And the battlefield, I thought was great. Uh, the thing I called the Resident Evil scene, which had like Arya and the Hound and, um, oh god, what's his name? Dondarian. The guy with flying sword. Yeah, like that, and they were running through the corridors, so that was great. The dragons flying in and burning shit, I thought was awesome. Um, and Theon being awesome and badass at the end as well, I thought was really cool. Uh, the cons, it was too dark. Too much shaky cam, too many close shots, a fucking stupid military plan, Bran doing nothing, <laughs> Melisandre riding in out of the dark past all of the fucking White Walkers. Um, <laughs> crap continuity. Um, so, like, fake shots of where people would get rushed with whites, and then the next time we see them, they're absolutely fine. Where the fuck is Ghost? Convenient storm powers from the Night King. Uh, what was it? Oh, why are they flying when they can't see? So why are the dragons flying above? 
in just shit they can't see yet later on in the episode they go down to the castle and they can see fine uh god what else Oh, why doesn't Snow? Why doesn't Jon Snow jump on Drogon when uh, Daenerys saves him? Where were the fuck? Where was fucking Drogon when Daenerys was in trouble? Um, and Davos should have killed Melisandre. And that's just what I noted down. I absolutely hated this episode. It was the dumbest writing I've ever seen in Game of Thrones. And pretty much all of the plot points and most of the character moments were terrible and goes against everything that we've already previously seen. All right. Toss it. Wow, toss it from, from Dan there. Jake, what, what did you think about the episode? Man, I love this episode. This episode was a Tupperware <laughs> for me. I, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I, I you know, to piggyback off of one of Dan's two pros, I thought the, uh, <laughs> the anxiety just really hit and really worked for me, and I was just on the edge of my seat the whole episode. And, yeah, I mean, granted, I, you know, it was definitely dark and hard to see at parts, but watching it a second time on the streaming service instead of on the cable feed definitely really changed the game for me. And, you know, I'm not going to fault the guys for just filming it in, in, you know, such high-quality cameras and doing it that dark like that. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't really see all the crazy out of character moments that happened in this episode at all. And I thought everyone was pretty great. I loved, um, Aria being the one to do the deed. I was very much shocked by that. Honestly, I thought they were getting ready to lose at the end of the episode. So uh, the turn really surprised me. And yeah, I, I thought this was fantastic. It wasn't my favorite of the battle episodes. Um, that's still always going to be Blackwater for me, but, um, yeah, I thought this was a great episode. And, you know, I was not the biggest fan of the previous season. I thought the previous season did a lot of lazy writing techniques, kind of getting everything from here to there. And to me, all of these three episodes in the new season have been kind of a return return to form of Game of Thrones to me. So, yeah, I thought this was fantastic. Yeah, I, uh, I I loved the episode as well. I I, I thought it was great. I it, it was very dark. I heard that there was some... Uh, compression issues and stuff like that and by the time it's released on like dvd and blu-ray it'll it'll look better um i haven't watched it a second time but when i do watch it a second time i am going to brighten it on my on my on my tv so i can kind of like follow some of the action more but i think that's what they were going for and that's like what the the director has come out and said is like that's kind of like what they were going for in this episode and whether you liked it or didn't like it i mean that's that's that was his vision for this so they're sticking to that but um yeah uh aria scene was awesome uh did she do the black panther that's my big question like is that how she killed him did she do the black panther move at the end of that movie with the killmonger and dropping the blade and then uh pretty much she actually did she does that against brienne uh in the previous season uh season was it the previous season or this season i forget but it was a it was a few seasons ago yeah, she's like sparring with Brienne, and she actually does that to Brienne. Like Brienne's oh, okay. basically got her dead to rights, and then she drops the, drops the dagger, and then you know they're both sort of like facing off, which was, that was cool. It was like you notice on my cons list, I didn't have any problem with Arya yeah, yeah. killing the night the Night King. I had a problem with how she got there, which is from a circle of whites, uh, completely absolutely everything in that courtyard and her just magically appearing out of thin air and stabbing him that was dumb as fuck i can't see why people aren't seeing this it is weird did you not think 
Well, how does she get there? Don't, don't you hear John yelling to kind of distract them, and they go for John, and then that's when she gets through? No, you hear John acting like a little bitch and yelling at a dragon and accepting his fate, and then her just materializing out of the mist and stabbing the Night King. That's what happens in there. I've watched it a few times because the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't know how I need to, how I feel about this, and I need to watch it again. So I went to sleep and then watched it a couple more times. And I wish I hadn't because it just brought up so many more fucking glaring issues with it. It was, oh, it was awful. Um, not not like it's only too dark for me at the beginning. Um, a lot of the shots were like really good. Uh, like the like I said, like the dragon fight, and when the camera pulls back over the whole battlefield, and you see the Dothraki like charging in, and all the lights, that was that was pretty fucking amazing. But um, the thing that <laughs> what why why did they have the barrier behind all of their troops and not in front of them, and and why why were the artillery so the tribuches why were they in front of all the troops and not behind the barrier and the troops to protect them and why did they send the Dothraki in to die when they just had normal weapons which weren't going to do anything until Melisandre materialised past all the whites to set them all on fire why, why did all of this happen why didn't they just fucking sit in the castle and have two dragons on the walls blowing fucking fire at all the whites until the Night King turned up It's you've got like all of these so-called like master tacticians like Tyrion and Jon and like Daenerys that have like fought in wars and their plan to defeat them was the dumbest shit they could have come up with I wouldn't consider any of those Tyrion maybe the closest but they, I mean the wars they fought in have not been traditional wars they're hardly Tywin level you know war military you know strategist I you know, I think fear motivated a lot of the bad decisions, and I think the episode kind of made that point, right? I, you know, it's they're fighting an army of the undead for the very first time. It's the most of these people have never even seen these things. In fact, like all but like Sam and John and the people that were with John, right? Like, it's true, so. but don't you think that John would have actually told them what the hell they had to do? That's why they were prepping with all the dragon glass. They were using as much Valerian steel as possible. He knows that the Night King can raise the dead. We found that in Hardholm. So why the fuck would you send your entire cavalry forward to then be immediately turned? It, it, like, everything they did was so stupid. Yeah, I don't know. I don't fault John. I, I just think he's got so much on his mind at that point. There's just all the stuff going on. You know, what's going on between him and Danny? What's going on with his heritage in his head? The dead marching? I mean, that's it's a lot on his shoulders, and I, I would almost think it more ridiculous for him to have made all the correct decisions and won this war perfectly. Like, to me, that would have been the ridiculous TV. Well, you're never going to, like, win it perfectly because, like you said, there's such kind of like a, you know, the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're an unconventional enemy. You're not, you're not going to be able to guess what they're going to do. So, But he's seen the fact that they do just kind of hoard. Like, they just hoard in, and then, like, we do get an awesome shot, which is just that wave of whites coming in and like slamming into the um the unsullied that was like i was like oh shit and then you know then we got more darkness and shaky cam we couldn't see what was going on apart from like one guy's head getting chopped off but it's it, it's like if this is the battle to 
you know, save humanity and save all of the people of like all of the islands, then why didn't they have a better plan? That was one. That was just one of the things. Like military-wise, it was so fucking annoying. And you guys know me. I like to. I can suspend my disbelief a hell of a lot. And it's not until things start racking up and all these decisions don't make any damn sense and continuity suffers because of it. That's when I start getting annoyed. And this episode had so much of that. Also, what the hell did the Night King want? We never got to hear him talk. We never got to hear him pull that fucking amazing, like, frost sword out. That guy was a goddamn fart in the wind. Ten years of waiting for him to do something. The whites appear on the very first scene in the very first episode. And nothing happens. He's just like this. He just disappears. And now it's all okay. Uh, he, was bring, just, he was just yeah. trying to. He, I felt like it was. He was. I mean, I don't think that we really need anything more with his story. Like the White Walkers, as far as like, and I don't, guys. I haven't read the book, so if I get some of the lore wrong here, please feel free to correct me. I, I'm just going based off of like you know stuff that I've picked up through the show and stuff that I've picked up through, you know the through the pop culture uh, in a phenomenon, which is Game of Thrones and like what I've picked up online. But um, the the White Walkers, like the Night King, isn't isn't even in the books to my knowledge. Um, it's yeah, I'm just sure it's correct with that. White Walkers, and then there are like I guess like maybe like higher higher general whites in 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 the White Walker army, and there was the Children of the Forest, and then humans, and they the Children of the Forest created um, took took a man and and turned him into the Night King. And they created him to kill mankind so that they could have their forest back because the humans were tearing down the forest and killing the forest, the enchanted forest or whatever. And so they created the Night King and he had different plans and just started killing everybody. And so they had a battle with him and then took him down and now, now he's come back and, um, his whole thing was just to get to Bran and Bran was basically like the, the keeper of mankind. So like, if you kill Bran, there's no way to restart mankind. He he carries all of mankind's knowledge. And I felt like that's what this whole thing was about, was just, it was basically the Night King getting within a proximity of Bran, the fear of losing everything from mankind, and then Arya is the one that saves mankind by doing what she did and killing the Night King. I felt like that was his motivation. That's what we got to see here. And there was really nothing. I didn't need to have him monologue like a villain from like a, you know, a James Bond movie to tell us, his, yeah. to tell it, to tell us his plan. I felt like it would, this is stuff that we should know going into this episode. And if you don't know that going into this episode, then, you know, it's one of those things that you can probably read in an article somewhere online. So that, that's just my thoughts on it. Yeah. I've always thought the whole White Walker stuff and the Night King stuff, as far as the overall scope of Game of Thrones, was more of a plot device than the plot, too. And, you know, nothing made my heart more happy than finding out in the first episode that Cersei is going to be the main event of the season and not so much the Night King and the White Walkers. And to me, that's where the best moments and best drama of the show have come from, when you get less away from the fantastical stuff and more to the actual, you know, politics and people and emotions and relationships and i think we've got you know a i don't think you can 
count out the Night King completely yet. I don't think we've necessarily heard the last of his story. I mean, there's three fucking spinoff series coming to this show, and that seems like a very topical place to go. And B, I think there's an even bigger war episode yet to come that we haven't seen yet. So. Oh yeah, I mean, there's uh, that's the thing. If the Night King, you know, however they like continue his story, if they do, then at least like we may get some payoff. But the main problem with him disappearing is like in the in the in the first sort of few seasons, the uh, and basically like Melisandre's entire arc is all about Azora Ahai, like the prince that would be promised. And from all accounts, it's supposed to be John, and then later on. Um, uh, Masande says to Daenerys that, you know, in some like versions of that sort of prophecy, it can mean prince, but it can also mean princess. And I was like, oh shit, we're gonna fucking see, like, either Daenerys or Jon, like, pull the Lightbringer sword. Like, the Lightbringer sword is gonna get made somehow. And one of the, like, Valerian steel sword is gonna be Lightbringer. However, they were gonna bring that about. And then we were gonna see the moment where Azor Ahai actually comes back as either Daenerys or Jon and they pull the sword and it's all fucking lit up and covered in fire and then the dead are going to turn away and run and then they're going to have this epic fucking sword fight with the with the Night King and we got none of that they literally discounted one of the prophecies which is in the fucking beginning and it is one of the reasons why Jon is such an amazing character and why Daenerys is such an amazing character it's it's fucking nuts they're like just discounting shit there's been built up for 10 years. Yeah, but it's all, you're all basing that off of Melisandre prophecies. I mean, Melisandre got a child burned a few seasons ago. Like, her prophecies have been proven to be anything but, like, factual throughout the no, entire series, right? No we're, no, we're basing it on the books that are in, like, where Sam goes to study. And they have a whole conversation about, like, how Azora Ahai sort of comes back, like, in the first long night and like turns turns the whites away and destroys the you know destroys the darkness and everything so you have this like amazing thing which we've been waiting for a payoff for for years which is just been snuffed out it's just gone i mean oh god so i mean aside from that what the fuck was brand doing <laughs> yeah i don't know, you know I, enjoy, I, I enjoyed brand. i'm going to go now and then his eyes roll over white and he controls some ravens and they fly around and we get a reasonably good shot of some CGI ravens going around, they find the Night King, and then he's just doing fucking nothing he, the entire time. He was watching Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think the brand stuff is possibly a way you could bring the Night King back, or that maybe somehow the Night King and Brand have done their warg thing, and maybe the Night King is within Brand now, or, or who fucking knows, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. To me, that was just all supernatural, yada yada, mumbo jumbo, and I'm glad we're done with that part. And but I enjoyed that part too. I yeah, I didn't need like I, the prophecy stuff. It's just like Harry Potter. Like you you have the prophecies, and if you do them exactly the way you spell out the prophecies, then what's the point of even having the story in the first place? Like, well, what, what's the point of having a prophecy if we're never going to see Azora High? Because like, that's that what think the fans have been looking forward to. I didn't know fans were just clamoring for clamoring for that. I mean, I'm sure those people are out there, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, Game of Thrones from the beginning has been about breaking expectations and having the things you don't want to happen happen. So I, to me, this is just more of that. Well, aside from the Night King thing, this episode was the complete opposite of that. It was like this ridiculous 
Twitter fan service of uh, none of the main characters died. Everyone was okay. Sam was rolling around on the floor, fucking crying. He's not dead. Jamie, Pod, Brienne were all pinned up against a wall with like a hundred fucking whites in front of them. They're not dead. Tormen and fucking um, Grey Worm were attacked by hundreds of whites. They were literally standing on an entire like corpse pile of whites, just hacking them down. None of them died. It's it's not subverting expectations. It's fucking terrible, terrible fan service from start to finish. It was awful. Hated it. My second favorite character of the series died that episode. Ugh, poor Theon. R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Running in like a dumb bitch. <laughs> what the fuck was that about? And if Bran is the, th- the, the three-eyed raven who can see past, present, and future, why didn't he just say to Theon, I'll just climb up that tree for a minute. Arya's going to be here in a minute. And then he would have been fine. But no, he let him die. Uh, that would have been a, an emotional scene for everybody to, <laughs> to really yeah, get look, it. Yeah. Hey, man, yeah, take a climb in that tree, buddy. Man, I, my heart would have just been racing. Yeah, or say, like, stand your ground. And if he fucking stands there, the Night King slowly walks up to him like he's been doing in the entire fucking episode, and he has a little bit of a clash with him, and then, boom, we get Magic Arya killing him. Fucking- and also, I saw on the HBO mm. behind the episode thing, the Double Ds said, oh, yeah, Arya had to, like, stab him in the exact same place that he had the dragon glass pushed into his, into his chest. She didn't. She stabbed him in the fucking stomach. And that is, that is just, it's just, everything that they said in that bloody behind the scenes thing was bullshit. They're like retconning stuff now. It's, it's like, it, now they don't have the books to go off, they don't know how to write the characters, especially Bran, because they don't know how to deal with a character that can see the future. They just don't know how to do it. So they're like, I oh, will just have him walk into some ravens and get a fuck off. It was dumb as shit. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I like the, yeah, we got a, like, we've, we've created a new rating. It's uh, called the dumbest shit rating. I love it. Dumb as shit rating. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad, Dan, that you hated it so much. I don't. I love. Out, I, guess. I don't. I love hearing Dan talk shit about this episode. Like, cause I, I can't get on board with what he's like, like with like how much you hate the episode. Cause I did enjoy it. I guess I'm not like that. Um, uh, deep into the, the, the lore of Game of Thrones. I just, I, I watch it. I'm a, I guess I, I'm not like a diehard. I'm more of a casual fan, uh, than a diehard fan, I guess, of this show. I, I've watched, you know, each episode, uh, some of them twice, but every episode at least once. But, uh, hearing you shit on it is kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That's the thing, man. It's from what I've sort of experienced, like online and watching reviews and things like that. It seems to be that like half the people like it, half the people absolutely fucking despise yeah. it. So, you know, and I've I, uh, there's a, a show on the Leftover Army podcast um, that uh, Michael and Melissa do, and it, they do like a Game of Thrones recap, and they both love this episode. I listened to that episode, and I'm really glad they enjoyed it. But I'm speaking for the people that absolutely hated it for whatever reason oh, I mean, yeah, this was the episode that i understand that they spent the most money on and the most time shooting and what one of the things that they just missed is they had ghost the giant direwolf charging into battle and we've heard in previous episodes of the tv show that like rob stark's 
wolf would like tear 30 men apart and I wanted to see fucking ghosts go down on some whites and like protecting Jorah and and it just never happened he ran into battle and we never saw him again and you know brand warging I wanted him to warg into a dragon and that never fucking happened and there was, there was just so much stuff that like they could have done to make it better but they didn't they just bitched out and just wrote what they thought that everybody would like it was fucking terrible <laughs> they thought everyone would like really dark stuff that they wouldn't be able to see very well <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah, well, got a white wolf tearing at something <laughs> oh, really, yeah. really pandering to the crowds yeah, it was just it, I just don't I don't get it man it's like it's like they don't know how to write shit. It, they just don't. I don't know. It's it's dumb. It's like they put everyone in the crypt. Yet John knows that the fucking Night King can bring corpses back to life. And oh look, there's like twenty corpses down there of all the Stark people. Also calling bullshit on that. There's no way a fucking squishy corpse can knock through stone or marble. That's crap as well. It's yeah. just, it was like with the Aria thing, I loved the scene in what was like the kind of library bit, that the thing I would refer to as like the Resident Evil scene. That was awesome. Really like, you know, like tense and you're like, oh shit. And then she ducks under the table and then they hear her blood dropping off of her forehead and they start going a little bit crazy. Yet none of those fuckers could hear her running from the back gate through the courtyard past them all through the snow through the grass with the leaves from the tree to jump in the air to kill their boss go fuck yourself <laughs> oh man yeah that's crazy yeah I, I, I don't even know how to respond to that I love this episode <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's the thing it's just, there's just so many problems like and I know they always talk about like subverting expectations and things like that the last thing that anybody wanted that I know they didn't they wanted to see some deaths we just didn't know how they were going to happen and you can't have like all these characters die you know these main characters like biting the bullet and just like fucking dying in these strange situations and then have hundreds of thousands of fucking zombies running at them and they're all okay it's it's bullshit. Everyone had the thickest fucking plot armor I have ever seen in any show, and this has absolutely killed Game of Thrones for me. It was like it's it's amounted to essentially nothing. It's, oh god. All right. So yeah, Dan did not like it. Um, no. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, it's like these are things that like. I don't know, Jake. Like, he's, he's not, it's not like he's bringing up points that aren't valid. It's just like, these are things that, like, didn't go through my mind as I'm watching the episode. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm 50 50 on that statement. Some of them, I, I don't want to sit here and nitpick about Game of Thrones with, with Dan on it. Cause, I mean, you know, cause it's just to each their own. But yeah, I don't, like, all the war strategy stuff didn't really bother me. And it still doesn't, even hearing Dan, Dan describe it. Like, sure. I, well, the one thing that did kind of bother me that did bother Dan, too, is, like, it did feel like a lot of the characters were swarmed and were dead, and then they come back and they're fine. Like, I thought uh, Grey Worm was dead, and I thought Sam was dead, and I thought Brienne was dead, and then, like, they're fine, which, you know, I didn't see anybody come to their rescue. It just, it looked like they were going to die, like they are going to, they're going to be overtaken there, so... 
Yeah, I don't know. Once I once I kind of plot realized that this had nothing to do with the final battle of Game of Thrones, I, I kind of really wasn't expecting just everyone to die. I am surprised, like, a Grey Worm or a Melisandre, you know, both them – not Melisandre, but I, Masande. Their names are so close. Surprised both of them made it out unscathed, yeah. I guess. And I guess I did think Brienne was going to die. But on, on the other hand, I didn't want these characters to die right. or need them to die yeah. to, like, enhance my enjoyment of this episode. And I thought the thinking they were dead stuff, to me, just added more anxiety and suspense to the episode itself. Uh, you know what gives me anxiety? Listening to Dan shit on this episode. Like, oh, my God. Wow. No, I'm kidding. That's because uh, yeah. you know I'm right, Brian. That's why. <laughs> I, well, I can't really. I'm not, I'm not as deep. Like, I'm not into the show and in, into the mythology. I, I don't really have any way to combat you and, and what you're saying because, like, I'm not that rooted in, in Game of Thrones. Yeah, I know, dude. But also, like, the, like, the choices that they made. Like, I was – I'm totally agree with you, Jake. Seeing, like, thinking that they're going to die. I don't want any of the characters to die, obviously. You know, I love them all. You know, you can tell by my voice that I'm very passionate about this show. But playing the same cheap trick over and over again of seeing everyone get swarmed and then the next time we come back to them, they're absolutely fine. I was like, oh, fuck no. Like, at least, like, someone needs to get killed because as the episode went on, all I thought was, well, they're going to be all right. Because they got swarmed, but, you know, it doesn't matter because we've seen fucking Jorah and John and everybody else be absolutely fine in a second. And it just, it lost all suspense because it just became this shit show of fan service. It was, it was terrible. Yeah, speak, speaking of fan service, I loved when uh, Liliana Mormont went out like a fucking badass. Uh, I was just, also one I of my favorite <laughs> I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, Lady Mormont, when she went out, dude, that was awesome. Oh man, yeah, that was crazy. I I thought she was just going to get killed right there, but yeah. for her to actually, you know, do the deed while she was dying, I was just like, ah, oh, till the very end is just such a badass. Yeah, and from what I understand, she was actually she was only supposed to be in one scene the very first time we saw her that this little girl was heading up the like the like the Mormon like the bear bear isle people, and uh, because she had such a like big sort of uh, like uh, fuck fuck. What's the word I'm looking for? Appreciation. Break, breakout role. Yeah, exactly. They put her in it more, which oh, I really yeah. appreciate because it's awesome seeing that like super tough little girl who's like born of warriors leading a whole goddamn like island of people. And I've seen some people in other reviews say, oh yeah, the giant like conveniently like pulled her up to his face so she could stab him. Motherfucker was going to eat her. You know, he, <laughs> he opened his mouth. And I, I sort of, you know, I mean, I'm not a fucking psychopath. Like, you see that, and you go, oh, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see a fucking kid get, like, their face chewed off by a giant zombie. And then she pulls out the dragon glass and sticks him. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. That was so fucking cool. And, you know, she, she did die. But that was a brilliant moment, and she fucking, like, ah, oh, that was so good. I totally agree with you. Yeah, that was an awesome moment. Just not enough carnage for you. Little girls dying isn't quite enough carnage. No. <laughs> like I said, like, just like narratively, especially, like John has been built up. Like John's entire arc has been him going to the wall, putting his, not even putting his life on hold, like stopping his life so he could serve the rest of the country, so he could protect the wall from the whites. 
He goes into the north. He fucking frees like the wild folk. They all come back. They become like you know his one of part of his army and everything. He faces off against the Night King um, in the last series when they're stuck in the middle of that lake, and the Night King is there. And John is so fucking pissed. He's like slashing down whites and he's walking towards him as Daenerys is waiting for him to get on the back of Drogon. And they have this like stare off, and that amounted to absolutely nothing. Nothing. He doesn't. He doesn't get a. You know. He doesn't get like a final hurrah. He doesn't get to fight the guy that has been plaguing him for ten fucking years of a show. I don't understand. He's like the most obvious choice. And what I would have loved was to see him get there, them have you know like a, a solid fucking fight, something cool, so we can see what the Nike can actually do, and then have Arya probably use the you know like the the mask of many faces technique like as a white whether or not that's canon or not i don't know but she could you know impersonate one of those fucking shitloads of people around bran and then as like john's about to bite the dust then she could fucking stick him and then she could protect like both of her brothers and it'll be even more of a fuck yeah so if, you know, if they were going to go down that road of having Arya kill him uh, instead of a they should have Arya show up as another Night King, confuse <laughs> confuse the audience, and then confuse the Night King himself, and then kill him, and then pull the Scooby Doo mask off, and then oh my god, it's Arya! <laughs> it's a, it's another Melisandre under here. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. To me, the to me the advantage of the way they did it was me, it conveying to me that I really did think that the bad guys were going to win for a moment there. And I yeah. think if you do all the telegraphing type of stuff you describe, it takes away all the suspense of the drama of me knowing which side is getting ready to pull out of this by the end of the Jake, episode. Jake, you've, 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 this whole time you've been championing, like, subverting people's expectations, and that's what this show is about. And that's kind of like what this episode did. It subverted it so much that Dan hated the episode. It subverted it so much into a fucking 180. That's what it did. The whole damn point of Game of Thrones is to take the fantasy genre and change it so all of your heroes don't survive. That was what he did in the beginning. That's what the first four series was about. And now the Double Ds don't have any fucking books to go off. They don't understand how to write characters. And they don't understand... They've lost the fucking meaning of what the show was in the first place. It's bullshit. This episode. I think John not doing what's laid out in a prophecy three seasons ago is exactly diverting expectations. Like, thank God he didn't do what we just thought he was going to do for three seasons because that's always a very boring plot narrative to me. I usually always hate characters that can see the future, can tell prophecies, and good fiction always kills those characters off or gets rid of them very quickly because writers know the kind of conundrums that you get into with those characters. So, yeah, I I was fine with the way they handled that stuff here. I'm glad it wasn't exactly what Dan expected. Well, and clearly, <laughs> and clearly David and Dan agree with you because they fucking keep Bran around because they don't know how the fuck to use him. But the, like, what's the point of having Jon Snow do all of this stuff it, as uh, literally as a writer, as like a narrative, as a fucking story? What's the point of all these moments where he has with the Night King if he doesn't fucking have anything to do with his death? It's stupid. It's just bad writing, bad storytelling. I don't. I don't. I disagree with that. Never once did I expect or want a final Jon Snow versus Night King showdown. Like I just. I don't know. I didn't think that would necessarily happen. 
Why why didn't you want that? That was what they were leading towards. I mean, Did you not want to see it? No, I told you my favorite part of the show are like the politics and the characters and the scheming and like Varys is one of my favorite characters, Cersei is one of my favorite characters, Littlefinger is one of my favorite characters. The, I mean, I like the fantastical stuff, but it's like the least important thing to me. Jon Snow versus Night King Street Fighter 2 style was the least <laughs> of my concerns this final season. Wow. You're, round, you're insane. Round one. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Round one. Fight. <laughs> <laughs> and then you hear the Street Fighter 2 version of the Game of Thrones Steve. And when, when, once, once the Night King loses the first round, you hear and then they show they show they show they show him with bruises on his face and then the little counter and then you gotta start um yeah so I'm, let's not talk about game of thrones anymore we're done <laughs> no i i enjoyed the episode but dan i do think you have a lot of valid points uh i i didn't look at the battle at that in that way i mean you you definitely look at this from a different angle and and you do have valid points, but I, I, I do side a lot with what Jake has said as well. Like, I, I didn't necessarily need to see Night King versus Jon Snow there at the end. And, uh, I, I thought, I thought the moment was very tense when, uh, Night King is standing in front of Bran and there's, there's literally no protection in that moment. And I'm like, okay, this is, this could be the end of mankind here. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm gonna have to watch the episode again clearly. Maybe with the knowledge of, you know, some of the things that Dan has uh, brought to the table. But overall, on first watch, I, I enjoyed the episode. So let's let's move on into something else. No, let's, it's going to be interesting to see where they go for definite. Yeah, I want to see this whole Cersei thing. This is going to be this is going to be oh, fun. Can't wait for it. I'm so glad she's the main event. It just oh, so good. I'm with you there, Jake. I'm absolutely with you there. This is going to be because, this you know, this is I want to see. uh it, it, how it all plays out with her and Jamie and uh I you know she's got the the was it the iron fleet at her disposal the gold, the gold, uh, was it the golden, the golden company? company golden company yeah but no elephants sadly no elephants <laughs> <laughs> oh man i saw a great meme where they took dumbo and they had fire coming out of his nose and it was the shot from last season where the dragon is burning the armies it was fantastic oh it was the what could have been if cersei would have got her elephants oh my god <laughs> amazing uh let's see i watched on netflix it's a uh new uh comedy that they released it's called uh i think you should leave with tim robinson dan did you get a chance to watch this I think I watched the whole thing. I watched the whole thing as well. Uh, in this new sketch show, Tim Robinson and guests spend each segment driving someone to the point of needing or desperately wanting to leave. Uh, Tim Robinson, Jake, did you watch this at all? I did not. Uh, J Tim Robinson is, uh, he's a writer for SNL. He's actually a cast member. Um, but, uh, this is one of those things that just kind of like popped up on my front page of Netflix and I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot. Each episode is about 15, 13 to 15 minutes long. There's only six episodes and, um, got a lot of, uh, fantastic kind of like guests and cameos in this one. I know Steven Yun from, uh, The Walking Dead and, uh, Vanessa Bayer from SNL is in this. Fred Willard. Uh, was in an episode. Um, uh, Will Forte as well. Yeah, Will Forte. I, I Tupperware this. I, I, this is such a bizarre sketch comedy show. Like, the only thing I can kind of compare it to is 
maybe Tim and Eric's awesome show, great job. Like, it's very Tim and Eric. It's just there, there, there's like from the beginning sketch, like the first sketch when he's doing, he just got, he's uh, playing a character that just got done with a job interview. Uh, it it kind of like a, a place like Panera Bread, you know, he's sitting down with this guy who's interviewing him and uh, he goes to uh, open the door and he opens the door the wrong way um, to, to leave. It, it's a push and he starts pulling it. And then the guy goes, oh, it's a, it's a push. And he's like, no, I was here yesterday. It, it goes both ways. And they show him pulling on this door and his face and he's struggling. And part of the like part of like the door starts breaking, the hinges start snapping and then he just rips it open and he's got drool coming out of his mouth and he's like see i told you i was here yesterday it goes both ways and he walks out and that's like the first segment and it's just a weird fucking show dan it's so weird but i fucking loved it i tupperware this fucking show i thought it was hilarious <laughs> yeah that that scene is one of my favorite skits in the entire thing yeah. i thought it was absolutely genius um and obviously like you know comedy is very very divisive I probably I, I love probably about twenty five percent of the skits in this, and then I thought the other another twenty five would were fine, and then the others I wasn't very keen on. Um, they didn't actually make me laugh, but I mean I'm gonna give it a taste it because there were three points in this show where I was crying yeah. with laughter, which was um, actually it was it was that it was that scene which I just called door, and yeah. then nachos as well. That fucking killed me where he goes on a date and the lady's taking all the loaded nachos. Oh god, yes. That was amazing. Yeah. Um Oh God, when he's he meets that celebrity and I don't want to say too much because I don't want to ruin the scene, but like he meets a celebrity <laughs> at a friend's lunch and then something happens and he won't like let his friend help him. Oh god, yes. Oh my god, yes. that was funny. That I was crying, and then the last one that I wrote down was uh, just it just says band, which was where it's like the guys in the recording studio, and then they're saying like, oh, you know, we don't really want this sort of music, like we don't want gospel, we want something newer. So like the lead singer starts doing this bit, and then the other band member, which is which is Tim, um, starts doing something else, and I was fucking dying i had to leave the room to go and get a drink to calm down whilst it was playing because i was just like hyperventilating in tears like so i mean it's it's crazy man because for me it was so hit and miss but yeah i'll give it a taste here but fuck me when when they when they got me they really got me uh this is a tupperware for me because like these are just quick bite episodes 15 minutes and i'd say like most of them just had me just rolling. Like, I loved it. I lo the baby pageant was fucking hilarious for me. Like, <laughs> they, they have this baby pageant. It's for baby of the year, and they're down to the three cutest babies. And they get down to, like, the last baby that they introduce. And it's kind of like a show, kind of like American Idol, where, like, they're competing for, like, baby of the year. And they just basically just show these babies, and these adults are just talking about these cute babies. These babies are doing nothing. They're just sitting there. And they get to this biker-looking baby. He's got, like, a, a bandana on his head, and his name's Harley Jarvis. And you hear, like, audience members say, fuck you, Harley Jarvis. I hope you die. It's, it's a fucking baby. And, 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 then, and, and then they start going, like, over this in-memoriam section for, like, past pageant winners you know past pageant uh baby pageant uh 
winners and stuff like that and like yeah. the ones that have died over the past year or whatever like that and like all their deaths are ridiculous like they got smashed by a truck like a pancake and like and like this one judge is like in memoriams do we do they usually tell you how the people die and he goes he, he basically the host is just like shut the fuck up you're stupid you know and it's just <laughs> it's really i don't know it's just so bizarre and funny i think it's i love this show i love the stephen yun sketch with the gift receipt yeah that was great actually i do i did enjoy the party I yeah thought that was awesome i don't know I, it's called i think you should leave with tim robinson talking about comedy doesn't do it justice you just have to watch it it's very subjective and if you love it you love it and if you don't you don't but just yeah, give it- I hundred percent agree, man. And because there's such there's such short episodes as well, you know, give yourself that, that like one hour fifteen minutes if you've got the time, and just like sit down, just blaze through them. And I mean, like with Brian, you might find it all fucking hilarious because, like, like you just said, it is a subjective thing. Yeah, but yeah. If oh, man, some of those things in there, they were just they were gold absolute fucking gold i just wish i could have said the same about all the skits but my god yeah it was fun it yeah. was really fun i like them like the beginning of the motorcycle one had me dying see i didn't like that oh, i thought it was, he like this guy sees a motorcycle jake he's he's dressed like a biker and he's like nice bike yeah and then he walks by and sees like a harley hog or whatever he's like a beautiful motorcycle, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then he sees a, and then he sees a bicycle, and he goes, "A motorcycle without a motor? What? Oh, okay." <laughs> and then, and, and and then he sees a car, and he's like, two motorcycles pushed together with a house in the middle? What? And I'm t- I'm dying. I'm thinking like, this is... This is <laughs> What's so- he going to see next? Yes, yes. I thought it was so funny. I was just dying. But yeah, it's called I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. It's on Netflix. Please watch it. If you're a fan of Tim and Eric, you'll love this. So definitely check or Eric Andre, you'll love this. Um, uh, I watched, I've uh, been watching a couple of new animes. Uh, these are both, uh, well, one is on Hulu. Uh, you can watch it. It's Wise Man's Grandchild. You can watch it subbed on Hulu, but if you want to watch it dubbed and you have a Funimation account, watch it on Funimation dubbed if you'd like. Uh, a young, it's called A Wise Man's Grandchild, a young man who had surely died. He he is on the table knocking his tail into the mic. I apologize. Guys. Um, it's called Wise Man's Grandchild. A young man who had surely died in an accident was reborn in another world as a baby. After that, he was picked up by the patriot hero Sage Merlin Wolford and given the name Shin. He was raised as a grandson by Merlin and soaked up Merlin's teachings, earning him some shocking powers. However, when he became 15, his grandfather Merlin said, I forgot to teach him common sense. An abnormal boy's unconventional otherworld fantasy life starts here. So, yes, um, basically, the, mo- the, the show, excuse me, it's four episodes in, and I've seen all four episodes of this. It starts off with a guy who's in Japan, and he works a boring office job. Doesn't work, over, overworks, doesn't have friends. Friends go out after work, and he doesn't join them. And, um, so, and then he gets hit by a car and dies, gets reincarnated as a baby on another world, a completely different world where they can use magic. And he does have some sort of memories, I guess, from his past life. And it's it's weird, though, how 
uh, how adept he is at magic and how the other characters have to work very, very hard at using their magic. They're very limited in uh, their magical abilities, and it just comes easy to Shin. And that's part of the fun here about this series. Um, he's been raised and just taught magic 100%. And his master, well, his grandfather hasn't taught him common sense. Like, he doesn't know how to survive in the world as far as, like, you know, buying groceries. He's never bought food for himself. He's never really had to take care of himself, like, you know, financially and, and just other things. He's just kind of doesn't have that common sense about the world. But he's great and very adept at magic. And uh, he goes to it kind of turns into a little bit of Harry Potter. He gets enrolled into a magic school and we start to see him go through like these magic classes and these kids, when they're doing magic, like they're the one in one class, they're supposed to hit a target and, you know, try to destroy the target. And they're doing all these chants and, and doing like this whole like uh, production when they're trying to like conjure their magic and they end up hitting it with like maybe like like uh, rocks or wind or fire and it really doesn't do any damage at all and in his head you get his inner monologue like oh my god i'm embarrassed for them i can't believe that they're this do they think that this is good like they like he's just he's he's flabbergasted like and it's kind of funny in that way because you know that he is just going to step up there and just like destroy this this target like and that's exactly what happens here he actually has to hold back on his magic because his magic is that powerful it's almost like part of it is like his imagination he's got like he just visualizes it in his head he doesn't even have to do a chant out loud and um he killed a demon when he was i think 10 or 12 years old out in the forest with his uh, grandfather and like that's usually something that's reserved for very high up magicians to kill a demon. It's it's unheard of for a, a young child or a student to to do that. So he's kind of getting a name for himself in the school already. Um, and uh, I I it's very Harry Potter. And then some of the humor is very One Punch Man, where you have like an overpowered character who, you know can do a lot of different things. So it's 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 a combination of Harry Potter because he's in the school environment and One Punch Man. I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm going to give it a Tupperware four episodes in. I, I'm having a lot of fun with this with this series. Um, so I would highly recommend it. It's called uh, Wise Man's Grandchild. You can watch it on Hulu or you can watch it on Funimation. Um, it might also be on Crunchyroll. I'm also watching Demon Slayer. Uh, Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba. And, um, this is a, I'm only two episodes in on this one. The animation on this one is absolutely gorgeous. Um, and, um, uh, let's see here. I'll read a, uh, I'll read a summary here about this one. Uh, since ancient times, rumors have abounded of man eating demons lurking in the woods. Because of this, the local townsfolk never venture, uh, never venture outside at night. Legend has it that a demon slayer also roams the night, hunting down these bloodthirsty demons. For young Tanjiru, these rumors will soon become his harsh reality. Um, his uh, family is uh, killed uh, by demons one night when he is out in town trying to sell charcoal. That's what he does. He he sells charcoal out in town, comes back to uh, his family, and they have been slain by these demons. 
and his sister Nezuko has turned into a demon. But um, what's wild about this is it's almost kind of like they kind of treat these uh, human demons like zombies in a way um, where they can become infected by the blood. But Nezuko, his sister, still shows signs of human emotion and thought. So it's kind of a twist on this where she's fighting her bloodthirst but also still remembers who she is and fights for him. And I, I, I'm really, I'm only two episodes in, but I'm really kind of invested in this series. I think it's really good. I'm, so far I'm gonna give it a high taste it, and I think, I think this is also four episodes in, and this could very well be a Tupperware. I give the animation itself a Tupperware. It's beautiful. But, um. Yeah, there's been a lot of hype for this series. I'm losing you, Jake. Alright, you're back. Dang. All right. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, I, this just came out. And I know it's been heavily anticipated because people are huge fans of the original manga. Um, so, yeah, I'm glad to hear that it was good. Um, the animation does look pretty stunning. I was kind of watching a trailer for it while you were talking about it. And, yeah, it's not just the animation, but it's got a really different color palette, like a lot thicker than most of these animes. It looks really nice. Yeah, it's a really good show. I, I, I need I, I need to watch a couple more episodes. I haven't. I mean, I've watched four of the other one, and I'm only two into this one. I, I am I am enjoying it quite a bit, but um, it's, I need to watch the other couple. This definitely could be a Tupperware at the end of the day. These are these are two shows that I'm definitely going to stick with. So yeah, um, that, that's called Demon Slayer, and you can watch that one on Funimation and. Oh, it's on Funimation and on Crunchyroll. Okay, yeah, it'll be dubbed on Funimation and subbed on Crunchyroll. There you go. Uh, let's see here. I'll talk about one more thing, and then I'll pass it off to Dan. I saw a long shot in the theaters. This is okay. new, uh Seth Rogen, Charlize Theron comedy. Uh, Fled Flarsky is a gifted and free-spirited journalist with an affinity for trouble. Charlotte Field is one of the most influential women in the world, smart, sophisticated, and accomplished. She's a powerhouse diplomat with a talent for mostly everything. The two have nothing in common except that she was his babysitter and childhood crush. When Fred unexpectedly reconnects with Charlotte, he charms her with his self-deprecating humor, and his memories of her youthful idealism. As she prepares to make a run for the presidency, Charlotte impulsively hires Fred as her speechwriter, much to the dismay of her trusted advisors. A fish out of water on Charlotte's elite's team, Fred is unprepared for her glamorous lifestyle in the limelight. However, sparks fly as their unmistakable chemistry leads to a round-the-world romance and a series of unexpected and dangerous incidents. Uh, this one's directed by Jonathan Levine. Uh, he directed 50-50, which is another Seth Rogen film. That's with, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, J- Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he also directed uh, Snatched with Amy Schumer, which I liked, contrary to most people. That was Amy Schumer. And Goldie Hawn. A lot of people did not like that movie. I actually kind of enjoyed that one. Um, this one stars Charlize Theron, Seth Rogen, uh, June Diane, Raphael, O'Shea Jackson Jr., so Ice Cube's son, uh, Ravi Patel. Bob Odenkirk plays the president in this movie. Andy Serkis is in this movie as a uh, character, Parker Wembley, and he's unrecognizable in this movie. It's pretty cool. And it's not CG. It looks like makeup. Uh, and then Alexander Skarsgård plays uh the prime minister of canada um this might not be the funniest film that i'll see all year i mean i still have yet to see book smart and and good boys 
But this is a really good blend of uh, comedy. It's got a lot of nostalgia in it. Um, as far as like stuff that that we like, there's you know they talk about like when they were kids, and of course you know the, the boys to men is in this movie, it, and um, you know they talk about a lot of stuff from their childhood, and, and uh, but it's also got a great story. And there's a really good message in this one. The movie starts with Seth Rogen. He's this undercover writer, kind of, um, kind of like a vice journalist or something like that. But he's at a white power rally, and uh, and, and and Seth Rogen, if you know anything, he's Jewish. So it's it's you know it, he's there at this white power rally, and they're all doing like the what's that 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 where they put their arm up that Heil Hitler thing or whatever that they do. And he's barely putting his hand up. He's like, he, he's very out of place in this. And he's just doing it to get the undercover story. And they're ba- basically kind of like trying to get him to get a swastika tattooed on his body. And he's, oh yeah, he's halfway through getting the swastika when they do like an internet search and find out that he's a journalist. Some comedy ensues there. Um, I, I, this, I don't know. I give, I'm gonna give this a Tupperware. I really like this movie. I thought it was, it, it kind of leans into being, a, into being like a gender swapped pretty woman. And, um, so much so that they actually play that rock set song, Must Have Been Love, which was from Pretty Woman. <laughs> In the movie, it's, it's Charlie's Throne's favorite song from when, like, when she was a kid. And that, that song comes up multiple times in this movie. Uh, there is a scene in this movie, like, she's a presidential candidate. She's the secretary of state in this film. And, uh, you know, she just really ha- hasn't been able to cut loose and, like, reconnecting with somebody from her childhood and then getting feelings for him. They kind of cut loose and have, like, this night out on the town where Seth Rogen scores some Molly and they drop Molly. And it's a fucking hilarious scene of Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen on Molly. And I was dying that whole time. It is so fucking funny. There's a scene later in the movie where O'Shea Jackson, out of nowhere, for no reason, just yells Wakanda forever, and I fucking died laughing. <laughs> I I really like this. And I think, like, it's nice to see um, comedians uh, that, that, uh, that are doing these rom-coms. I feel like the right way. I feel like a lot of these rom-coms that come out with some of these comedians aren't done correctly. And I feel like, and I'm, I, this might be a bold statement, but I, I feel like Seth Rogen, this, I feel like Seth Rogen's the first leading man comedian since Billy Crystal that has kind of taken the, like Billy Crystal came out with a slew of like romance comedies in the late eighties, early nineties that were just, in my opinion, just hits like forget Paris and, and when Harry met Sally, I think like when Harry met Sally is my favorite romance comedy of all time. And, uh, I, I, I'm not, I'm not saying Seth Rogen is Billy Crystal. I'm saying Seth Rogen has taken his comedy and blended it with a rom-com. I, and I think he's done it very, very well. Yeah, good, great casting too. I, I can imagine that him and Charlize have really good chemistry together. Like they're just both such you know good actors. Yeah, she's got great comedy chops, man. She's really funny. Yeah, you don't really see her in too much where she's yeah. you know being comedic. She's always very like I, the first thing I think of is mobster when I think of her movies. Yeah, she did a million. <laughs> she did a million ways to die in the West, which was the the seventh. Oh yeah, I avoided oh. that like the plague. Yeah, so I saw that one. In the theater, so it oh, and, did you? Wow. yes, and Woof. and it stars Dennis Haskins. 
Dennis Haskins has a cameo role in that movie. And if you're saying to yourself, I've heard that name, but I can't place who Dennis Haskins is. Let me just throw this name out at you. Mr. Belding. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So Saved by the Bell, Mr. Belding, Dennis Haskins has a role in A Million Ways to Die in the West. That movie is a toss. It's absolutely terrible. Oh, the Million da- Ways to Die in the West? Is that what it's called? Oh, God. Yeah, it's horrible, dude. It's a fucking oh. terrible movie. I saw that in the theater. It's god-awful. I used Movie Pass on it. Movie Pass still in existence, people. Still around. Wow. How's that work now? You get two movies a year, and they <laughs> they have to be Bruce Willis movies? <laughs> I don't know. I think it's... I, what is it? It's like, a, yeah, Bruce Willis has that deal with them. I think it's like... Is it like a movie a week or something like that? I don't know. Cinemia went out of business, though. <laughs> Yeah, I heard that. I, I saw a few people yeah. complaining about that. It, it sounds like they did not handle their refunding policy very well when they went out of business for their customers. Yeah, they didn't, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. exactly what it sounds like happened. Exactly. Dan, what do you got for Good Pop, Bad Pop? Uh, I have uh, the last two episodes of the second series of The Orville to talk about, which um, actually uh, Joe Vitale sort of messaged me the other day because he knows I'm a big fan. And said, what did you think? And I was like, I haven't seen the last part yet. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I have seen it now. And uh, I'm just going to Tupperware the last two for definite. But I'm also going to Tupperware like, the entire second season of this show. I would say the second season is actually better than the first, which I didn't see coming at all um i don't want to i don't want to do spoilers for this because i think it's um i think it'll be good if people are going fresh but the very last episode is called the road not taken and it has i mean as we know the orville is a love letter to sci-fi and especially star trek and the road not taken is a love letter to sci-fi and sci-fantasy like star wars there's so many points in this episode where you see Seth MacFarlane's love of Star Wars coming through. And like I said, I don't want to sort of like get too much into it because I, I want people to sort of watch it and see, uh, see what happens and see how, what I mean by these references. But, um, yeah, it was, it's an absolute amazing end to series two. And I just, oh, this show, dude, it, it is, it's so damn good from start to finish um one of the episodes called home which is where we say goodbye to a particular character not going to say who it is but um that episode was absolutely brilliant and i swear to god there was moments in that episode where they went off script and they and seth mcfarlane in particular said some things to this particular character that weren't in the script because their reaction was so damn genuine it is oh, it's just heartfelt and the effects are awesome it's just it's just like a perfect sci-fi show for me it's awesome wow yeah it's crazy that we went from a total piece of seth mcfarlane crap to uh just absolute praise there <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah we... he's not so good in wild west but put him in space he does his shit well, that's the thing. I felt like he was really, for a while there, trying to tackle like this leading man role in Hollywood as far as the films are concerned. And it, and it bombed. And it's nice to see him on a, on a series. I think he's better suited for television. I'm not saying he can't write movies because I feel like the first Ted movie was great. 
and then the sequel yeah. was garbage. That first Ted movie, I don't care what anybody says. I think that first Ted movie was was hilarious. It's um, hilarious. <laughs> the Flash Gordon scene yeah. is worth watching the whole film just for that. And it was it was kind of like for me watching Ted and seeing like Giovanni Ribisi as the villain in that was kind of like redemption for like his shitty role in Avatar. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's good. I love that actor too. Oh, I love him. Sneaky Pete people on Amazon Prime. If you have Amazon Prime, watch Sneaky Pete. He is so good. I love him. Yes. What was- 100% check that show out because it is fucking amazing. It's- Start to finish. Brilliant. Second season got kind of wacky though, right? It did get a bit crazy, but I, I just, I just love that show, man. I yeah. can't get enough of it. I think it's awesome. It's really good. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're waiting to hear whether or not the Oval comes back for yeah, season three. Yeah. Um, I just hope that it does. I hope but, it does uh, too. Mm, I'm, it was, uh, I ha- you haven't watched all of it, have you yet? I have right? not. I, I watched uh, most of the first season and I loved it. It's one of... Doing this show every week, I've got to keep up on the newest and latest stuff, and sometimes things get lost in the mix. And unfortunately, the Orville is one of those things that still is on my list on Hulu, but it's one of those things that I need to get back and and, and keep watching because I I loved most of the episodes that I saw from season one, like uh, the episode uh, that dealt with um, uh, the one alien and having the the baby and all yeah. that. that was incredible incredible i can't remember the name of the episode but it was incredible um but i love the orville i it's it's this is not i mean it it has humor and comedy but it has a lot of the same kind of like uh the episodic feel and some of the same messages that you would get from watching like uh next generation and deep space nine and just star trek in general so yeah, 100%. That episode is called About a Girl. About a Girl, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a fantastic episode. And that, it, the reason I think that season two is better mm-hmm. is because we're, we're actually getting into a point where um, the kind of the politics of, of the, you know, the actual planets and the races, they're really coming into play. And especially just after the mid-season, um, there's a two-parter called Identity Part 1 and 2. That is – it's a huge turning point for the story of the show, and it is it's absolutely brilliant. There's just stuff in there that you – one, you didn't see coming, but two, you just done absolutely amazingly well. Uh, yeah, love I'm, it. I'm going to start it. I'm going to start it. i got to get back on it because I do, I do love the show, and I want to get back to these characters. Um but I was telling Jake the other day, like, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons because these shows came out around the same time. But, like, the Orville versus Star Trek Discovery. Mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery is one of the shows that I think I'm going to have to jump back on, too, after hearing what happens at the end of season two. And I don't know if you've heard about that, Dan. No, no, I haven't. I think I watched the first three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then I kind of dropped off. Uh, spoilers for the end of season two. And if you don't want to hear it, like, fast forward, like, 30 seconds to a minute. But I hear at the end of season two, they time jump, I think, 963 years into the future, which is the furthest that they've ever been in the Star Trek universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, like, that's where season three is going to start off, is, like, 953 or 63 years in the future. Jesus. (laughs) That's a big jump. Yeah, it's interesting, because one of the things that I've been clamoring for, and I think other people, too, is to actually see you know the prime universe continued a little bit and this is maybe the closest we're going to get to that for a while with this time jump yeah so 
Uh, let's see. Dan, anything else? So, yeah, everybody check out the Orville Season 2. Uh, nope, I'm done. Guys, let's talk about the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Oh, God, no. Let's. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I'll be honest with you. The trailer looks like absolute garbage to me. I think the movie looks terrible, but, like, the movie's not for us. It's for the kids, right? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess they want the adults to go, too. I, I don't know. I just didn't think it looked good. I thought, like, Jim Carrey was doing, like, Dr. Evil jokes from 20 years ago. It just doesn't look good. Yeah, it was yeah. embarrassing to watch. Yeah, it, you know, the graphics aside, it looks like just paint-by-numbers tropey bullshit of a plot. It's, yeah. like, it's every single animated character in the real-world movie you've ever fucking seen. Like, there, there's nothing inventive or nothing new to the table. And yeah, I get that it's it's a movie geared for kids, but man, you can do both things. You can have a movie geared towards kids and not completely insult everyone else's intelligence. I'll tell you one thing. I grew up with Sonic the Hedgehog. I grew up playing Sonic the Hedgehog. I remember the cartoon with you, Lil White. I grew up. I did not grow up with Pokemon people. Like Pokemon came out when I was older. I was not into Pokemon, but I t- I, I, I want to see the Pokemon movie. Yeah, that's it's hard to not compare the two, right? The Detective Pikachu and the Sonic trailer. Yeah. And yeah, Detect- Detective Pikachu is exactly what I'm saying. It's the animated characters in the real world, but we've done a complete twist on that idea and on that plot. You know, there's yes, there's familiar aspects to the story, but it's not just this, you know, God, the Sonic just looks so like say it could be the Easter Bunny movie, it could be the Smurfs, it, it you know, it's just all the same shit. Yeah. And then on top of that, the character design is just god awful. Oh god, he's got like instead of the white gloves, he's just got like white fur, and then he's got his long legs, and he's got human-like teeth. He looks like a nightmare. Yeah, it's like angry orange-looking shit. Yes, like, the teeth are the scariest part. The to me. teeth are just freaking me the fuck out, dude. <laughs> now, now here's the thing: on the PCL page, you put up a, a link to an article that said that the people that have made this film yes jeff fowler the director of the movie yes come out and said um he said thank you for the support and the criticism the message is loud and clear you aren't happy with the design and you want changes it's going to happen everyone at paramount and sega are fully committed to making this character the best he can be yeah now one of my friends because i was talking to my, my friends about this one of them thinks that they have released this trailer with him looking shit with a whole other version of him on the back burner and that this was just a drum up publicity for the film. What do you think of that? I call bullshit. Yeah. I, I also you, call bullshit. I think it's insane. I tell you what will prove if that's the case or not is if the Happy Meal toys look on brand. And like oh, no. Nice. And like the toys and stuff. Like, because if that's the case, because those things are made already, like that kind of shit, you know? So yeah, 100%. If that, if that stuff looks like the new design, then it's a maybe. But I, I also call bullshit. That's just the only way I can think to actually, like, prove that that's the tactic they did is that kind of stuff. Like, if the merch and the other stuff is in form, you know? Yeah, definitely. It was, you know, it was a crazy theory, and I hadn't heard anybody say it before. But, yeah, I – oh, my God. It I believe any – yeah. It's just that shot of him where, like, James Marsden finds him – and he turns around, he has his mouth open, and you just think, what have they done? It's, he's a fucking nightmare brought to life. It's so horrible. Mm. Yeah. It's like the island of Dr. Monroe meets Yes! 
That's exactly right. Oh my god. <laughs> the only thing, if I had to dig for something to compliment in this trailer, I did appreciate the sound effects. I thought the sound effects were on point and were one of the only like high points of the whole the whole oh, experiment. The uh, the song choice was terrible. Gangsters Paradise, really? Yeah, what the fuck oh, was yeah. that about? It was embarrassing. Some of the why did they use that? One of the best uh, Twitter reactions that I saw was from uh, it was from Asan DTT, and he writes uh, a quote from Coolio about that song. Uh, so I wrote "Gangsters Paradise" as a commentary on how gang life provides a false safe haven for minorities, but also leads them into more misery due to often resulting in more turmoil. Movie producers from Sonic's quote. Sonic is going to go really fast. So this so, Sonic is going to go really fast too. This is because he's a gangster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean they just went for the most like, you know, <clears throat> low-hanging fruit of a song that everyone was already a fan of and yeah. oh, it like had the adverse effect and it it just comes off as kind of disgusting. Some of the best here's some other Sonic reactions on Twitter. Um at pixelated boat said Sonic the Hedgehog, the movie. What if we were back in the 90s, but also simultaneously in hell? (laughs) (laughs) Crazy. Um, At Darth Meticulous says, calling it now, Detective Pikachu is the new MCU, and the the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is the new DCEU. (laughs) Oh, ouch. Shady. (laughs) Wow, that's the fucking shade right there. Jesus. man. Oh man, I saw a face swap between um, Detective Pikachu and the new Sonic the Hedgehog, which was even more frightening than Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh god, that's that's horrifying. <laughs> and I remember Frank sent us. A, I think it was Frank sent us something in chat, which was like people have been putting together all of these different versions of Sonic, and there was one that had like tails done, but in the same kind of form as Sonic, and that was even more fucked up than the actual Sonic. It is so fucking disturbing. Oh, God. Yeah. What are they? What have they done? What have they done? I, I thought that this was a good idea to yeah. make him look that way. I... I don't know. I, I feel like the, 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 like, films have not been able to get the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles correct. They haven't been able to get you know, of course, Sonic correct. I mean, but you look at Pikachu and like they nailed it. You look at Marvel and what they've done with their costumes and they've nailed it. It's like, give us something that looks familiar to what we yeah. know, you know, like that's, that's like comfort food, right? Like you want to come home to something that looks familiar. You don't want to like, I, I understand that, like, okay, this is live action. We want to give it this more realistic look. But at the end of the day, whatever realistic look you gave us does not look realistic at all. It looks like a fucking nightmare come to life. (laughs) (laughs) And the thing is, for me, it's like it it takes the fans like and these are just people that just have like basic Photoshop skills or whatever to come up with something like a hundred percent better than what they've done. Right. Yeah. It's I just think it's crazy. And that's what made me say, like, what the hell were they thinking? Because they clearly had a group of people in this movie and they were holding up these fucking character designs and this group of morons pointed at what we've got and they've gone yeah that's the one we want and so they don't even they don't uh, I don't understand how they don't understand how eyes work or how brain yeah. <laughs> yeah like we didn't have like the 
I mean, I wanted to see like the, the the anime eyes that we had like from the original Sonic, like those big eyes. You know what I mean? And oh yeah, I meant how human eyes work. Like how like everyone else right. is going to see that thing and go, "That's disgusting." Whereas yeah. all these people in this room thought, "Oh yeah, that's perfect." Yeah, Dan's right. That that's that's the thing that keeps crossing my mind. It's so fucked up that it took us like all of the internet to see this for the director to go okay i've heard you loud and clear like not a single one of your yes men had the balls to tell you that this looked exactly like garbage and you didn't see that either yeah it's fucking weird how much and also how much is this movie going to cost at the end of the day now that they like now you've got all your animators like who thought that they were done with their job now you've either got these animators coming back or like new animators coming in to like redo the entire movie yeah. of which none of is going to fix this thing because the first thing all three of us complained about was how shitey the story and plot yes yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man a, a mutual friend of ours brian uh, greg kinman was talking to me about the sonic movie and he said something that just cracked me up he um he said actually it feels very authentic to the sonic brand because it's a new release that mostly brings confusion and horror to longtime fans <laughs> Oh That's pretty buff. <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah. I was like, you have a point, Sonic 3D Blast. I think they should have just cast uh, David Cross as Tobias Funke and play, painted him blue and had him be Sonic. <laughs> I mean, movie. I would have revolted less at that. Yeah, I, I think, dude. I. But here's the thing. Like, here's the question: that is this a good thing? Where outcry from the internet can affect the final product now like like is this going to start a trend in hollywood where we don't like the way something looks and remember going back to like um what what year was it 2014 or whatever i can't remember jake when uh uh, x-men uh days of future past first came out uh, and we started getting, well, before it came out, we started getting pictures of Quicksilver and how much we hated those pictures, how we, how we, how we said we hated it and like, oh, this, this movie looks terrible and Quicksilver looks terrible. And by the time we get the movie, we absolutely loved it. Um, they, they, like, they didn't change anything. They didn't change anything with Evan Peters' character. Um, you know, I mean, we were all making fun of the marketing for that movie, that Evan Peters' Hardy's commercial. Uh, the, you know, oh, for sure, yeah. They didn't change anything, and then we get the movie, Jake, and then we love it. Then we absolutely love it. Is this a bad thing where the internet can have this outcry of what they expect to see? We don't see what we want, and so there's this outcry, and then they and then they basically they cave in and they say, "We've heard what you want, and we're going to give you what you want now." Is this a bad thing? I don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think it's a little bit of – I mean I think it's a perfect comparison, but I think wherein lies the difference is that one filmmaker was completely confident in what he had, right? He knew that the look and the Hardy's commercial didn't matter because when you saw the performance and you saw the scene – you were going to be won over by those things. And I think therein lies the difference, right? If you look at the like psychology of the sonic director, like he, he's probably worried about the whole thing. Cause if you already don't like the way he looks, fuck behind that, I have a terrible movie. So I better at least fix this one <laughs> fucking thing. 
You know, it's like if he knew that yeah, but he was here's, sitting behind here's, here's a great th- movie, yeah. he wouldn't give a shit what anyone said. Okay, that's. I mean, that's yeah. Maybe this is a like kind of like a very very bit very big indicator that this is not going to be a good movie because here's the thing: it's like uh, you know we. I think everybody didn't care about what Quicksilver looked like in that film as soon as we got that that one scene, right? Like exactly, yeah. And like, if I was thinking to myself, like, if this was a good movie and we had like that one Sonic scene that sold us on the character design and the look that we didn't care anymore, that we kind of like threw that out the window. Uh, I don't know. I it makes me wonder. Like, Paramount's is Paramount doing good as a studio now? I mean. See, I wonder to go back to Dan's like. Is it Sega? Is it who did this? Who made this call? Was it because it's not yes. just Jeff Fowler? Like, was it Sega or was it Paramount? I feel like it was probably Paramount, and they're making Fowler kind of the face of this decision since he's the director, the director of the movie. I would like to hope that. I mean, it goes back to what Dan was saying about how fucking blind can you be? But I guess. At one point, Fowler was confident in this. I got to. I can't imagine that any director with half a sense of credibility would say, "Ah, I hear what the fans have said, and I'm going to change my vision." How in the fuck was anybody at Sega saying this is okay to do this to our character? Yeah, I feel like this had to be Paramount slash Sega. Like, I I would like to hope either that or Fowler's a complete idiot. I would like to think that Sega was like, "Hey guys, um, what you're doing is wrong, but you guys have the film rights. If that's the where you want to take it, go for it. All right, have at it." And I I would like to think that like once this trailer came came out and they saw. You know, the backlash that Sega was sitting back and saying, we told you so, but who knows? I could be completely wrong. Sega could have been all on board with this fucking clusterfuck of a design, character design. Yeah, that goes back to what Greg was saying, where look at some of the horrendous artistic decisions they've made in the last 15 years of Sonic yeah, video what was history that, already. What, what was that 3D Sonic game that they came out with? That was terrible. Like where they tried to do like the Nintendo 64 route. Yeah, yeah, the, like the Sonic Adventure stuff. And even that isn't the worst of the bunch. Like, those are playable compared to what comes next. Like, wow. once the Dreamcast is gone and they start putting out games for the other systems, it got yeah. very, very bad. I mean, I think, like, my favorite Sonic game to this day is still Sonic's, uh, Sega, uh, the Sonic CD is still my favorite. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's, this, it, this is a crazy story, but I don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing because it, it's going to prove what it proves, right? Like, let's imagine a scenario where we bitch so much about mm-hmm. the way Apocalypse looks in X-Men Apocalypse, yes. or we bitch so much about how Jared Leto Joker looks in Suicide Squad, where they do the same thing that Fowler does and, you know, they change those two characters. At the end of the day, all they're doing is changing what those characters look like, and it's still the same movie. It changes nothing. We right. still – the majority of the people hate those characters. It, it, You know, the look is only so much. Apocalypse looking cool, that movie is still a fucking F-. minus. So, yeah, this is very experimental. Let's see what they have. Let's see, let's see what the – they've got to change everything now, Jake. They've got to change the posters, everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the posters are easy. Like the we've seen stuff like this before. Where we were all confused for- when we first saw that first poster of Sonic 
and his legs hanging over the Golden Gate Bridge or whatever it was, you know? Dude, like, that thing is fucked up. I, I wanted to bring that up. I've seen that as not just a poster, but like one of those like things that you build at the movie theater, you know, those big cardboard yeah, yeah. 3D displays. That I have to take a picture of that and send it to you. Uh, it is the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. It's His weird. legs are so long and weirdly shaped. And well, like they saw almost- that. They saw that Ready Player One poster, and they're like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, I like that. That's cool." Yeah, hold, hold my beer. Wait till you see these legs. <laughs> Fuck, dude, it's it's fucking freaky. Yeah. Like, it's more of the Doctor Monroe shit we were talking about. Like, what have they done to poor Sonic? You keep like, calling him Doctor Monroe. It's Doctor. It's Doctor Doctor Monroe. You keep calling him Doctor Monroe. I don't know where I'm getting that from. <laughs> I know the difference, too. I'm I, just being an idiot. That's funny. I, Dr. Min- the island of Dr. Monroe is like the porn version, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shit gets real freaky. Yeah, he just has like a bunch of models that look like Marilyn Monroe that he goes around having sex on an island with. <laughs> yeah. God, I just imagine what poor fucking tails and knuckles look like in this universe. Dude, they probably just want to take a shotgun to the head. <laughs> Remember that South Park episode where it's the island of Dr. Moreau parody and like they're like you see all these fucked up like animals and they're just like, kill me, kill yeah. me. <laughs> That's how I imagine Knuckles in this universe. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Did you see the article that Tommy Wiseau wants to play? Was it Shadow oh, or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all for that. That This movie needs that more than fucking anything. Oh, I love Tommy Wiseau. I fucking love that. Embrace the bad. You're already terrible. Just put Tommy Wiseau in this and save this and make it just epically bad. I want to get Tommy Wiseau on this show, Jake. That doesn't seem like it'd be that hard, right? I got 20 bucks. Well, uh, Riff Tracks, when they had the, uh, when they premiered The Room and they did the Riff Tracks version, um, Riff Tracks followed my personal, uh, Twitter and uh, I said, hey, I'd like to, if I could, I'd like to interview, like, you know, Kevin Murphy and, and Mike Nelson and, and the guys from Rift Tracks. They're like, oh, those guys are busy. They're not available. But Tommy Wiseau is available. And I had not seen the room at that time, knew nothing about him. So I didn't follow up with it. But there was a time where we could have interviewed Tommy Wiseau. And now, now I regret not interviewing Tommy Wiseau, Jake. Yeah, we were ignorant. We didn't know any better. <laughs> I had not seen the room yet. And like, oh my God. Now I'm, dude, that's like, guys, let's, let's do this. Let's make this happen. Let's, let's, uh, I want all of our listeners to tweet Tommy Wiseau so we can get Tommy Wiseau on pop culture leftovers. Yeah. Let's get it done. Help us out, people. Yeah. Blow I, him up. Blow him up and let, let them, let everybody know that you want Tommy Wiseau. On PCL, I'll do a whole bonus episode where we just pick his fucking brain. I would love to talk to Tommy Wiseau. Give me fucking forty minutes with Tommy Wiseau, Jake. That would be fucking awesome. Oh my god, that would be incredible. Dan, you want to be on that one? No. <laughs> do I? Be awkward as shit. I'd be incredible. I would love it. I, I, I would shut the fuck up. I would just let the guy talk. And I would, yeah, just let him ramble on. Let him ramble on. I would, I would probably egg him on. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you definitely would want to encourage him. Yeah. Do the Rift Tracks guy uh, guys do movies opening night ever? <laughs> oh, like, uh, like, like movies that just come out. Yeah. Is it always just like old? I know they've done some yeah, newer movies. They, like they did. They have to purchase like kind of like a, a a licensing right to do those the movies. Now, when they do. Um, 
to, 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 to show them like on a, if you go to the movie theater and they have like a riff tracks live event, they have to purchase the rights to, to riff it. Now, if it's a brand new movie, I don't believe they have to pay a dime because what they do is they just, they watch the movie. You do not hear any of the movie. So I have uh, a few of the riff tracks movies that I've actually, um, uh, downloaded, uh, like when they did like the first Transformers with Shia LaBeouf, <laughs> all you get is the audio. You do not hear, um, of them. You do not hear the audio of like the Transformers movie. The audio tells you when to hit, hit play on your DVD player or Blu-ray player. Oh, uh, so, that's a good workaround. Yes. So they're, they're just selling you an audio track yes. that's the exact same length. Basically a, a different commentary for the movie that you're buying. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Cause I was thinking, but how great would it be if you could get Rift Track Sonic opening night? Yeah. They'll, they, they will, they will probably do like a Rift Track Sonic, but as far as like Rift Tracks live Sonic, they probably don't have enough money to get the rights. They tried to do Twilight and they couldn't like they 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 did a, a Kickstarter so they could riff on on Twilight. Yeah. And they earned a bunch of money but it was not enough to get Twilight. It ended up turning into Starship Troopers. Yeah, I don't think they ever really got enough money to get Twilight honestly. Those people still take themselves too seriously yeah. to um let someone pay them for that ride, I think. Yeah. So, uh let's see here. We got to finish uh Good pop, bad pop out here. I want to talk about real quick. I uh, went and saw Jake the Snake live. He had a performance in Champaign, Illinois. He did a uh, stand-up comedy, kind of like a stand-up comedy act. It's, it's really not stand-up. It's more of kind of like what uh, Henry Rollins does where he just gets up and monologues and talks. And, uh, anecdotes. Anecdotes. So Jake the Snake was talking about like wrestling and, and some great wrestling stories from back in the day and, and some personal stories and things like that. And it was a cool venue. It was at the art theater in Champaign. And, um, I, I, I had a great time. If he is in your area, I 100% want you to go out and see him and support him if you were a fan of wrestling or, or just a fan of Jake the Snake Roberts in general. Um, it was really cool. He had some great stories about Haku, Jake, like stories I had never heard, some crazy stories about Mr. Fuji that I do not want to believe but are probably true. Oh, um, no. Yeah, Mr. Fuji was not a good dude. Um, but the stories about Haku were absolutely insane. I'm not going to spoil them here because, the, I, you know, like he – Jake the Snake, like, you know, it's, this is like, uh, this, he, he wants you to go out and see him to hear these stories. So I don't feel like it's my place to, like, spoil these stories on our podcast. Yeah, I've heard he's actually made a point to ask people not to do that kind of yeah. stuff as well during the show. So yeah. that, I, you know, that's good respect. That, that's, that's cool though. He was here in Peoria and I ended up having to work and not being able to go. I was, I was pretty sad I missed it. I'm glad you got to go though. I yeah. love seeing the picture of you and Jake the Snake together. Yeah, um, tickets were 25 bucks, but I, I thought to myself like some of that is going to go to the venue, and I said, you know what, I want more money to go to the J- to go to Jake, and so I spent 30 bucks for a picture of me and Jake the Snake. And, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a great picture. I. I Man, he's so much bulkier than I expected. Anytime I see a wrestler in real yeah. life next to someone I know, I'm always just shocked. Yeah, he's huge, dude. <laughs> yeah, is, big old thick say, neck. Is he still doing the DDP yoga? Yes. Is that, is that how he's keeping in shape? Yeah, he's th- he was talking about that on stage as well. And there was yeah. like there was like a moment, dude. It was really cool. Like 
in the middle of the whole thing, like, and I'm not spoiling anything because, like, this was just like a, I felt like a, like a real moment with him. Like, he's telling all these funny stories and he just kind of stops and he's like, I want to thank everybody who came out here tonight. You know, like, he's like, you know, there's, there, he's like talking about how, like, there wasn't, there, you know, it wasn't always a thing where he thought he'd be around. He thought, like, you know, going down the path of like doing all the drugs that he did and what he was mm-hmm. doing to himself. Like he, he, he didn't always think he was going to be around. Yeah. Cause and, I mean, you have to watch, what was it beyond the mat? Yeah. Documentary about him and Mick Foley. Yeah. Just to see like what he did like in his past and everything. And you know, guys come a, a long, long way since then. Yeah. And he just kind of stopped in the middle of like telling us all these stories. And he said, Hey, I'm going to get back to telling these fun stories, but I just want to stop and, and thank you all for this. And like, we all just kind of like gave him a round of applause in that moment. And it was just an emotional moment where he kind of like tore down that wall and got really real with this. Cause it was a very intimate setting like this. It's the art theater in Champaign and it doesn't sit like so many people. It's not a huge theater at all by any means. And like, it was a last minute change of venues and, and, um, I just happened to be like a subscriber to the art theater's newsletter and they sent me an email saying that Jake the Snake was going to be there. So like two days before, I just purchased tickets and god damn it, I'm so glad that I went there. I'm so glad that I got a chance to meet him and, and, um, you know, I, uh, I, I just, all I really said was, um, I said, like, after we got the picture done, I said, uh, thank you, Jake. And I shook his hand and he's just a real nice guy. Like, you know, of course, there's like so many things that I wanted to say to him, but I mean, you you only get a, a limited amount of time and, but it was, it was, it was a really cool experience. And, um, so if he's ever in your area, I highly recommend, uh, that you go see him. He's got some great stories about Macho Man, some great stories about, uh, uh, some funny stuff that he has to say about Ric Flair. And his Haku stories are just insane. Just fucking insane, dude. <laughs> I always remember Haku still. Anytime I hear Haku, I still think King Haku. King Haku, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, some oh, I, I, Like, Jake, one of these days I'll tell you. I'll tell you off Yeah, there. yeah, but like, you don't want to put it on the podcast. I'm not putting you, it on. You the, want people to yes, see. Yes, yes. And yeah. because it's it's one of those things where, like, I don't. I First off. I don't want to spoil it for the people that will go see him live. And secondly, I want to respect Jake the Snake as far as like, you know, him he, him putting that out there that he doesn't want to, to this this kind of stuff spoiled. They wanted no recording and and stuff like that in there and they are great stories and 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 they're best told by the man himself Jake the Snake. So yeah, cuz I mean I mean even like obviously being over the pond and everything, we still had WWF over here and I remember like, Jake the Snake is is a legend over here, and I remember being about like probably about eight years old and seeing him get like the python out of the bag yeah. and he tied up Macho Man in the ropes and got the snake <laughs> to actually bite his fucking arm. And I was sitting there and I was talking to my cousin. I was like, "Is is that real? Is that real? Is that real?" Because you saw like the blood coming out of his arm, <laughs> and it was fucking real. Yeah. <laughs> she like let a snake bite the guy 
and that I, I remember it so damn clearly because I was a huge wrestling fan when I was a kid. So the fact you got to actually like meet the guy and like I was saying earlier, like the the journey that he's been on and the mm. way that like he's improved his life. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. And he must have so many incredible stories to tell everybody. He really does. And if you want to, he's he did a Joe Rogan episode, maybe. Uh, within the past year so go back and flip through joe rogan's podcast and like he tells like that's the thing like i thought when i when i went to the show he's just going to tell all these joe the same stories that he told on joe rogan not true completely different macho man story like and brand new haku stories i had never heard before it's all new stuff it's all new material so I, I highly and his Ric Flair like his Ric Flair shit was fucking hilarious. <laughs> oh man, that brings a smile to my face. I mean, Dan brought up Beyond the Mat, and as much as I like that movie, it's a hard one for me to revisit. It's yes. just so dark and depressing. Yeah, yeah. And most of that is with the stuff you you know learn about Jake the Snake. And if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. But it's just one mm-hmm. of those things that. I got the information. I never need to see that again. And to hear you say just, you know, what he's doing now and how much everything has changed, it just it really brings a smile to my face. He's doing, yeah, I mean, he's doing really good. If you're going to watch Beyond the Mat, then definitely follow it up by watching the DDP yoga story. Do you remember what that film was called? I don't. No, I don't That's, either. Ah, damn it. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up while you guys are talking. Yeah, um... But I, I was happy to get the picture and spend thirty bucks on the picture. I wanted all that cash to go to Jake the Snake. Yeah, it, it was a great picture. When you sent it to me, it, I just instantly smiled seeing it, and That's you could awesome. just tell on your face, Brian, that you had had a great time. So, you know, yeah. photos really show a lot. And dude, that he was, was a, a great one. He was a WWF superstar. Like I grew up, dude. Like I know I don't watch wrestling now, and I know like I, I kind of like rag on wrestling now. But like, if you knew me as like a fucking like. Uh, I'm talking like from six years old to I'd say about 13. I was a huge fan of all the WWF superstars. Jake, I would like, I still have some, some of my WWF magazines from when I was a kid. Uh, like, that's whoa. awesome. I've got like, uh, like the Ultimate Warrior on the cover. I've got George the Animal Steel. Um, I've got, uh, hell, I, dude, I had a Miss Elizabeth poster. I, I mean, I was a huge, I was a Hulkamaniac through and through when I was a kid. And, um, I loved watching wrestling. I saw, I went and saw, uh, Hulk, I, I went and saw like a ton of the wrestling matches at the Peoria Civic Center. I talked to some of the referees that used to do some of the matches out in like in the late seventies, early eighties. There was a, a referee, Ken Gerber, that lived in Peoria and he would tell me story after story about all these old wrestlers and stuff like that. This is a liquor store that I used to go to, um, where I lived near and Ken Gerber was one of the refs when they used to have matches out at Richwoods, Jake. And, uh, That's awesome. when I'd go get like my cigarettes in the morning and shit, Ken would be out there. And, uh, every time I'd see Ken, we'd talk about like different, uh, stories he had he had some great andre the giant stories and stuff like that from from like back in the day before like you know vince mcmahon really like uh put the wwf on the map and uh so you know i I grew up being a huge wrestling fan when i was a kid so i got to meet one of those legends like i remember watching jake the rise of jake the snake when i was a kid i remember like that first match where he brought out like the fucking snake and the snake wrapped around the guy's neck and shit. And I was just like, Oh my God. You know, (laughs) (laughs) a moment that really sticks out to me is the, uh, 
angle they did between Jake the Snake and Andre and how afraid of the snake Andre's character yeah. was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That always cracked me up as a kid. That big old Andre the Giant was running around like a scaredy pants from the snake. He talked. He talks <laughs> about Andre in a match that they had that night. And it was really cool to hear him talk about Andre. Anytime I can hear any story about Andre, I'm kind of, like, intrigued. I think Andre the Giant was just, uh, I don't know. Of course, like, he's a larger-than-life human being, but it's a larger-than-life story. Like, nobody else has had that life, right? Yeah, and just for a guy like that of his stature, you always read about how he was always so willing to help get the other guys over and make the other yeah. guys look better. Even in the Jake the Snake thing I'm talking about, I, I'm almost fairly certain that was probably Andre's idea to help make Jake the Snake look like you know an actual threat against him. Oh my! And God. A lot of that stuff came from Andre himself. Jake the Snake's impersonation uh, impression of uh, the Macho Man is like on point. It's so. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's just, so. Did good. Jake the Snake do a flare? Did he do a flare impersonation? Uh, he did go. You know, but, oh, but, yeah. oh my god, the flare shit is really funny. Um, he talked a little <laughs> bit about Piper, but man, yeah, if Jake the Snake, I think he's calling it the Dirty Deeds Tour. So if Jake the Snake is in your area, please support this dude. Um, very fucking cool. And I think like it was like sixty bucks. You could get, um, you could get a t-shirt, a picture, and a and a signature. I only brought forty bucks with me, so I could only get like. A picture, but if man, I would have done all three if I uh, if I would have known that I could have got. It's like you pay for two, but you get the third for free. Mm. Nice, yeah. The documentary that you should watch after Beyond the Mat is is just called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. And nice. That sort of, so you you know, like Jake was saying, it will be Beyond the Mat is quite a sort of like dark look into his life. Yeah. But then the resurrection is about him becoming a better human being and it is it's really uplifting and awesome and seeing his his journey and yeah go out and see him because uh brian clearly had a really good time i really did i had a great time it was definitely worth the price of admission um is there is there a lot of scott hall in the resurrection like is yes there yes there is yep there's a lot of scott in there like he's uh i think he's actually bound to a wheelchair at the beginning of it and the the physiotherapy and stuff that they go through uh to try and like build up his muscle strength and fix his back and everything it's it's incredible and the way that they transform throughout the course of the uh the film is amazing absolutely amazing i would love to get jake i would love to get back into wrestling it's just one of those things where like i have a it's it's changed so much and, I, and like my i've changed so much and there's so much with it now and it it seems just like another thing to get into it's hard so yeah don't i i'm doing my best to try to get back out again so yeah it's it's just too much <laughs> they just demand you to watch so much television yeah. and it's it's just not worth it i miss the old man oh. i grew up i grew up on the old days of like you know you would i miss saturday night main events on nbc uh I, I miss uh, I miss Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan. Like that's my wrestling growing up is watching like USA when it was Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan, and I remember waiting to see like when the WWF was going to come into town, and they had that that graphic of that plane flying across the screen, and whenever it said Peoria. Uh, I'd always freak out like, oh, my God, they're coming. And like, you know, I've seen I, I watched Nikolai Volkov and the Iron Sheik fight in person. I saw Hulk fight the Hulk Hogan fight, the one man gang. And mm-hmm. I, I, I was at that show myself. <laughs> my my uncle, rest in peace, my uncle Bob, uh, who passed away, 
we were at a match. Uh, and, uh, Macho Man's brother, before he was the genius, was Leaping Lanny Poffo. You remember this, Jake, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Frisbee Le- guy. Frisbee guy. This is a true story. Leaping Lanny Poffo threw out a Frisbee. He was fighting outlaw Ron Bass. And, uh, <laughs> he threw out three, uh, three, uh, two or three Frisbees. And the last Frisbee was the Frisbee with the poem that he would read before the match. And uh, my uncle caught that Frisbee and gave it to wow. me. Wow. That's, that's amazing. That's so, fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, at, oh, at, so, uh, my parents somewhere in storage have that. Uh, it's a WF po- uh, yellow Frisbee. And on the back, it's uh, it's got the poem written by Leaping Lanny Poffo, and it talks about uh, how he's going to kick Outlaw Ram Bass's ass. He, it, so it, it rhymes it Bass, <laughs> and it and it rhymes with ass. It, it says something like, uh, "It's it's really cool." So yeah, my uncle my uncle was a like six foot three dude and stood up and grabbed that, and he caught it, and then he gave it to me, and I was just like, "Oh my god." So, that's fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, a little goes a long way, Brian. You, like the Saturday Night Made Event stuff was special because it was so when it when it came on, it was like once yes. every three years. Yes. You know? It was and, and yeah, like the Hulk Hogan's and the Warriors and the Macho Man's would be would rarely be on the TV shows that you could right. watch for free. And so yeah. it built mystique and intrigue and excitement. And now you're just so like everything is just you see all the champions and the top guys for five hours every week uh, why do you give a shit about watching the pay-per-view my favorite saturday night main event guys we're gonna i'm sorry we're talking about the rest. <laughs> my saturday my favorite saturday night main event was uh um it was uh paul orndorff versus hulk hogan and it was a cage match and um what, what he was mr wonderful correct correct yeah mr wonderful paul orndorff and it was a cage match and they both jumped out of the cage at the same time, and they landed on the ground at the same time, and they're like watching the tape. Who landed oh, yeah. first? Who won? <laughs> and it, it, it was a it was a big deal, man. It was a big no, fucking a deal. I'm I freaking out. I remember the exact episode. Yes, me and my grandfather were just freaking me out. And my, what were they gonna yes. do? Ah, oh. oh my god, Jake, you got to give me that Twitter account that has uh, the. They, they, it, um, that Twitter account that acts like it's still like the uh, Bobby Heen and Gorilla Monsoon. Oh, yeah, that is so great. I believe it's just primetime wrestling, but I'll verify that and make sure for you. Guys, we're going to move on. I'm sorry. I I apologize. Like, I could go down the road of, like, all my favorite things that I loved about wrestling. I mean, uh, Million Dollar Man, I used to love all those sketches. Like, (laughs) like him him getting... I went to the Twitter account right now and just see, you know, will you stop from Gorilla Monsoon? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon's one of those guys I wish I would have been able to meet. Same with Bobby the Brain. I love Jimmy the Mouth of the South Heart. Uh, God, I grew up on the Heart Foundation. Uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart was like one of my favorite fucking wrestlers. Um, yeah, I loved Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Brutus the Barber oh, Beefcake. I yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I that, remember when he cut Outlaw Ron Bass's hair off on a yeah. Saturday Night event. Well, I remember when he was just Brutus Beefcake. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Before he fucking took the barber angle, you know? So. <laughs> yeah. Fuck. All right. All right. Cobra Kai. Let's talk, let's talk about well, snakes some more. Can we take a break? Let's take a break for Dan. <laughs> Dan. Whoa. <laughs> Just before we get into that. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's take a break and we'll be right back. 
All right, hey, we are back. I've got two cats hanging out with me right now. Two two cool cats, Jake and Dan. But I <laughs> literally have two cats hanging out with me right now. Hee hee and Cake. Hi, Cake. How you doing there, buddy? If you hear something tapping on the table, that's my cat slapping his tail on the fucking table. I love you, dude. Uh, <laughs> Cobra Kai season two. Uh, I uh, Dan, did you get a chance to watch both seasons? I did. Okay, I. I absolutely loved Cobra Kai season one. I thought it was a brilliant season. Uh, Tupperware that whole season. I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was in the vein of the original Karate Kid series. I think Cobra Kai season two was a little too over the top for me. I think it took, I think it went down. I don't know, man. It, it, it did not work for me. I liked parts of it. I, I loved seeing, uh, Crease back. Uh, in, in the series, I thought it was cool seeing him and seeing like what they did with that character throughout the season. But man, uh, spoilers here. Um, that high school brawl was the yeah. dumbest fucking thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> I'm telling you, like all the adult shit was great in season two. I thought like the stuff between, uh, you know, Daniel and, uh, and Johnny was fantastic. I, I love seeing that, um, that dynamic that they have. But I thought like all the kids in season two, Hawk, Miguel, um, you know, I, man, it, it went over the top and it, it just got stupid at times. It was like, part of it was like, uh, mighty Morphin power Rangers without the Zords. <laughs> and, yeah. and it was like high school musical with Kung Fu fighting in that high school fight scene. It was the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I'm going to give season two a taste. It. I thought it was, it did not live up to the spirit of season one. I'm more invested in Daniel and Johnny's story in season two. And I feel like season three is setting up for, um, I feel like Daniel and his wife could once, I feel like they could end up not being together. And I feel like season three could be setting up this whole Daniel versus Johnny as far as like who's going to get with, uh, Allie, who is played by Elizabeth Shue in the, in the first movie. I feel like she might come back into the series and it might be kind of like, uh, who's, you know, them vying for her. I don't know. I just did not like season two as much as I like season one. Yeah. So you Tupperware season one. Yeah. Season one was a Tupperware and season two is a, was a taste it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely a Tupperware for season one. Season two, I will I'm gonna high taste. Um, I honestly thought that bringing being, uh, bringing back Creeks was a bit of a problem because the way he comes in, you you know he's like at the end of series one, he's his old self, and you think oh shit, you know he's back, and he starts off that way, and then we get a bit more told about his story, and I thought we were going to see a bit of a change in the character, you know, so it's not like quite so ridiculous as the old movies, but he reverted back to his old character, which then, you know, his teachings like spread throughout the kids, which made them into arseholes as well, Yeah, and it, it just feels like that, like, character-wise, especially with Hawkman, because I fucking loved Hawk in the first series. You know, he's a kid that, like, he gets bullied, horribly bullied, and then Cobra Kai in the way that Johnny teaches him, teaches him confidence and to be a badass, and he, like, changes himself 
and you know he becomes a way more confident person and then in this they make him out to be this absolute fucking asshole. and speaking of someone that you know has been bullied at school like for many many years having having a character go through that and then essentially turn into the thing that he hated and the thing that tormented him the most it just seemed like a really backward step for that particular character yeah yeah it the, a lot of the, the 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 child actors and their storylines and and what played out in the season was very just it felt very CW nine hundred two one zero and I like that kind of stuff but it just didn't work here for me I don't know <sighs> no it, it's it's weird man I mean <laughs> to give you a quick example I have hated Daniel Larusso's daughter throughout the entire thing both series. I've absolutely despised her, and it culminated in her whining about why nobody like, likes her and why everyone's going against her. And Kat was watching it with me, and she shouted out, That's because you fucking blocked everyone, you stupid bitch! <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, getting a female perspective on that character was interesting, because I thought I was being an asshole, and I didn't understand, like, what was happening yeah but you know my wife turned to me and she said no she's a bitch like immediately and yeah I, it's like i can't feel any kind of um you know empathy for that character because she's horrible to basically everybody you know she like she like blocks miguel so he can't get in touch with her even though like you know she knows that he really likes her and she brings fucking robbie to the party to, to this, this hot dude she brings with her to the party where her boyfriend is and then he's like oh shit what the hell's going on and then lo and behold she gets with the hot guy instead of uh, her, her current boyfriend and I was supposed to feel sorry for that character yeah. and understand why she's doing all those asshole things it was weird but I mean those sorts of little things aside um, the Johnny Danny stuff is just yeah. Oh, it's so good, man. It's so fucking good. Um, there were some classic lines, like one-liners in this that Johnny said, like, um, put one of the, put one of those hash browns on that video. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's talking about hash, he's talking about hashtags. And he, yeah, and he calls them hash send browns. It, send it to the internet. Yes. <laughs> fucking oh, he's just, so damn funny. He's like a man trapped in time. He's like trapped in the 80s and like, you know, he he never really been on the internet before, and seeing like Johnny navigate the internet was pretty fucking hilarious. So yeah, it was yeah. great, and I, I particularly liked the um. It, well, it says it's called Take a Right. Well, uh, that's what the episode is called. But I, oh, Take a Right, yeah, uh, the Take a Right episode, which was where the old Cobra Kai guys come back, yeah, and they go out on the bike ride. Fuck me, that was the absolute shit it was, was so damn good that was great i really enjoyed that episode i thought that that and that's that's the kind of stuff that i wanted to get back to i wanted to like like in the first season it was all about like what they were doing with like the younger generation and then in the second season this felt like a i don't know it it felt like a disney channel show with cursing it was fucking weird i didn't like it yeah, it was it was strange. And I was like, "Am I watching the Sweet Life with Zach and Cody with f bombs? What the <laughs> fuck is going on here? I don't know. It just didn't feel right. It didn't feel 
but I loved all the Daniel LaRusso stuff and the, and the Johnny stuff. I thought it was great. And I, yeah, like that episode where they were like, uh, out on their little biking trip and stuff. I thought was just one of the highlights of the whole season. Yeah, hundred percent, man. It, yeah, it's, you know, it, like, like we both said, it's not as good as the first series, but you know, there's, there's just points in it where I just, you, you, you are. Yeah. Like cheering out loud and laughing and crying in some of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, it is that story between Johnny and Dan that, 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 like their character growth is what is most important to me. Yeah. And I just, it, it just blows my mind that there's this 30 year legacy and it hits you every time they cut back to footage from the original Karate Kid. So there's a scene like very late, like very late on in the series where, um, they face off in Johnny's apartment and like it's almost shot for shot the same as like the final match that they fight each other. Yep. And that, that just gives me goosebumps every time. And it, you know, it's, it, it's, I think it's a really good show because you have the adults nostalgia and everything but like we have those little shots of nostalgia but we also get like the development of the characters and I also think it's great for kids because you know you get to follow all the young the young up and comers and everything so I do think that, that dynamic's really good but I, I'm way less interested in all the high school relationship bullshit than, than I am with what's going on with like Daniel and his marriage and, and Johnny and him trying to find love and things like that. So I just think it was a little bit skewed as far as the priorities of the story were going. Yeah, I agree. I 100% agree. So yeah, check it out. It's got, it just got renewed for season three. Uh, why we have not gotten a Wayne season two announcement from YouTube is beyond me. That needs to happen. So just throwing that out there for all for all you Wayne fans and fans of Sean Simmons who's been on our podcast. So that needs to happen. We need to get a Wayne season two announcement. Yeah, I've only managed to watch the first episode of that, the free one. But now I have the, the YouTube premium. I will be watching all of Wayne because I love the pilot so damn much. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think it's like when you guys were talking about the numbers and everything that Sean was saying – it's nuts that they haven't announced that yet because I thought that was like a dead cert that we were going to get the rest of the story. Well, I was, I, you know, like Sean messaged me this week and, you know, we we talked a little bit about a couple things and he didn't bring up uh, the Wayne season two announcement. So I was, that's one thing that I'm hoping to hear him bring up to me very shortly is that we're going to get a season two of Wayne. So as soon as I know, I will let people know. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, Fingers uh, crossed, man, because yeah. he is the best, that guy. <laughs> yeah, Sean's amazing, awesome dude. So, um, you know, he talked last week on our Avengers Endgame about having a meeting with Marvel. <laughs> Go ahead, Jake. You're, like, cutting out, bro. Oh, I'm just you're, you're going robot, Dr. Roboto. Am I okay now? No, you're not okay now. Hold on. Talk, yeah, you're good now. Talk now. No, I, I was just kidding. Sean was really. Domo Ericato, Mr. Rapato, Domo. Domo. Domo Ericato, Mr. Rapato, Domo. Domo. Take me to your leader. My name is Jake. I don't know. I'm having some kind of malfunction. <laughs> I know. We need to. Hey, 
Dan, did Remember? you did you update Jake? We got that update. Oh no! Oh, I forgot. Sorry. They told us that we were ready for the new twelve point two update on Jake. Did you do that? I told you to. I forgot. I was watching Cobra Kai. You were watching Cobra. You forgot. Now, now we got to put up with the Domo Arigato, Mister Jake Bato, Domo. Meet Mark. Meet Mark. We got. We got. Uh, Jake is like. A, what was the? What was the Jetsons made? Was that Susie? What was her name? Rosie. Rosie. Did it just get bad, or has it been really bad the whole time? No, you're back now. You sound okay now. You sound okay, okay I... now. But, like, for a moment there, I felt like I was in Westworld. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, don't fucking shoot me or something worse. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You guys want to move on into news? Yeah, sure. Yes. All right, news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. Uh, we got news from Slash Film here. Willow sequel series confirmed to be in talks for Disney Plus. Jake, this is something that we've talked about before. We talked about like with the acquisition of Lucasfilm by Disney, if they were ever going to uh, revisit uh, Willow. And then when Ron Howard took over the duties for Phil Lord and Chris Miller for. Uh, uh, the uh, solo movie, we then brought it up again. Like, okay, Ron Howard's back in the Disney camp. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's back in the Lucasfilm camp. Are, are they going to have discussions about doing something with Willow? So apparently in an interview with MTV's Happy, Sad, Confused podcast, Howard confirmed that solo writer John Kasdan is in the midst of a serious, uh, in the midst of serious discussions to bring Willow to Disney Plus as a sequel series. Uh, quote, there are some really serious discussions going on with John Kasdan, who was one of the writers of Solo, who kept hounding me about Willow the whole time we were shooting, and also hounding Kathy Kennedy. We're in discussions about developing a Willow television show for Disney+, and I think it'd be a great way to go. In fact, George always talked about the possibilities of a Willow series, and it'd be great and more intimate and built around the character and some of the others. And John Kasdan has, I think, an inspired take and uh, an inspired take on it. And it could be really, really cool. So this sounds like they're saying it's a sequel series. So it will most likely take a uh, place 30 years after the events of the 1988 film, which, Jake, we recently watched because uh, I bought the, what was it, the Blu-ray that had the digital code, and we finally got to see it in uh, 1080p, in HD, and I think the movie holds up. I had a great time watching the film. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, too. I honestly think that might be the first time I've seen it in widescreen since seeing it in the theater as a child, and it, it just looked so remarkably different than I remembered it, and the clarity of the remaster was really good, too. And yeah, it was good, and I, I couldn't help but while watching it kind of like thinking about the expanded universe of it all and like you know what would we do if we started before or started after and everything and i feel like there is material here i yeah. definitely want to see more willow and what what happens next uh slash film goes on to say davis has confirmed a return by howard who hints that the series will explore a quote more mature willow he added warwick will be in it warwick is so cool and so good and he's such a good actor that i really hope we get the chance to see the mature willow in action now i do know like when we get the series to come back uh if the series does happen uh the actor that played Burglecut has passed away so Burglecut, one of my favorite characters from the original film probably won't be making it into this movie 
Yeah, I, I don't want recastings. I hate that kind of shit. So, yeah, and the actor that played Willow's wife in that movie, that was her first gig. As far as acting, from what I can remember, she was not like an actor. They just kind of like pulled her into that role. I think she did a good job. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder if she did more work afterwards or that it was just a one and done type I of thing. I think she, I remember looking at her IMDb and it feels like she had a few more roles. Dan, were you a fan of Willow? I fucking love Willow. <laughs> it's so, uh, it's a classic, man. It's an absolute classic. And to hear this news is, it fills my heart with joy. Yeah. And the fact that Warwick is coming back as well is awesome. I managed to meet him at a Comic Con in London. He is the nicest guy ever. He is, I just wish nothing but the best for him. He's absolute legend. He just gives everything to the fans and he's, he's amazing in everything he does. I absolutely love him. Except for the leprechaun. That's obviously terrible. But, you know, it's still, it's still pretty funny. Leprechaun. Yeah, no, I, Jennifer, I Jennifer Aniston's first movie, Leprechaun. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that's insane. Yeah, Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> star of the Leprechaun. Uh, do you think that Val Kilmer will be coming back as a uh, Mad Martigan? Sure hope so. I sure hope so. Yeah. I think he would, too. I think that would be a no-brainer. I don't know what he looks like now. I seem yeah. to remember him putting on a lot of weight the last time I saw him. So do you think we're going to get kind of like a very similar kind of fat Thor, fat Mad Martigan thing going on? Where he's like all washed up. Yeah, I think so. I don't think he's, you know, I don't think he's going to lose the weight for the role or, you know, power diet or anything. So, <laughs> yeah, so. Well, I, I can't wait to see what they come up with. It well, for this. we have seen what Lucasfilm did with uh, Carrie Fisher and um, Mark Hamill. They they both got on a training regimen before their roles in their respective films uh, in these new Star Wars movies. So he, he could get into shape they could put him on a, a diet and training regimen for the role that could happen yeah that is true but it almost doesn't it's not it almost doesn't deviate from the character and where i think he would go if he did just kind of lean back and just kick it after it will after willow you know yeah that's very true but i the point being is like i really want to see val kilmer back and i think it would be a kind of like a nice resurgence for him as an actor to be in something uh, on a Disney Plus series. We've recently seen Brendan Fraser on the Doom Patrol, and that's kind of like been his kind of like welcome back. You know, we hadn't seen that guy do a lot uh, recently, and like th this is a guy that headlined Mummy films, you know what I mean? I mean, he was a big actor, so yeah, I'd love to see uh, Val Kilmer star in this. Yeah, that'd be great. Val's great. I can't remember the last time I saw him in anything that was worth the shit. Uh, the, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I would say the last thing I saw him in that was good was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, that's about a decade old at this point, right? Uh, yeah, we're that's... looking at about 2007. Uh, that came out before Iron... No, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that came out before Iron Man. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that would be great. He definitely needs that kind of resurgence role. And I don't know if this would be, I, I feel like this would be big enough, right? They'd really promote this. They'd probably re-release the movie well, look, on Disney yeah. Plus. Look at how much it. money Disney, Pl uh, Disney Plus is putting into The Mandalorian. I, I'm not saying that they're going to give it Mandalorian budget, but I think that they're going to put a lot of money into it, man. 
Yeah, I mean, my only concern is like the Mandalorian is Star Wars and the very first Star Wars TV show, and there's like that looming over it. Like, are they going to give Willow the same care? I mean, it's been a, a franchise and an IP that hasn't been touched in 20 plus years. Uh, I think they got to fight for that budget. You know, Kasdan and Ron Howard got to fight for that budget. You know, that'll be one of the things that they discuss is like how much money they're going to put into this. They might go the Game of Thrones route, Jake, where they don't give it that big budget for the first season. And then if the first season is successful, then they're like, okay, now we're gonna, now, now we're going to, we're gonna, we're gonna budget a little bit more. We're gonna give you a little bit more money for the second season if it does well. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. That's a great point. I could also see just Disney Plus wanting everything on their streaming service to have at least a certain quality of look too. Sure. You know? And not really being too many low budget programs in the first place on this on the service. So. Yeah, I would hope that they were want that they would want to go with a lot of uh, practical effects and things like that for for. Uh, I know that there was a little bit of CG used in the in the original film, but it didn't look good by today's standards, and it was mostly like just like stop motion stuff, right? Yeah. 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 Oh. Yeah, plenty of that. I just think I just blew my own mind here. You know, um, uh, uh, Sorsha, the the lady that is like the evil knight that Mad Martigan falls in love with. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. She is Sister Maggie in Daredevil, so I think that's Daredevil series three. Oh wow! Yeah, that, well, that's that's <laughs> that's, that's Matt. That's Matt Murdock's mom. Yeah, I yeah. know. That's completely blue. Oh my god! Wow, that's crazy. Uh, well, but yeah, I, no, I'm glad that she's still working and that would mean that she could come back, which is what I was thinking. I love those kind of romances that we got back in the day, that kind of like Sam and Diane romance. And like even in Willow, it was just like they were so opposite and hmm. just fighting each other. But there was still like this sexual tension between Mad Martigan and Sorsha that I yeah. that, that I loved. I, I love that. You know, you don't see a yeah, lot of that. They had days. great like on screen chemistry as well. Yeah. Like they both played the shit out of those roles. It and, was yeah, it's brilliant. And that's like kind of like the, what we're getting with uh, Glow. I love Glow on oh, yeah. that's amazing. And Mar- what is it, Mark Marin? And what's the what's the name of that actress? Um, Allison Brie. Allison Brie. I love their chemistry on that show. Like they are kind of like leaning a little bit towards that there could be a romance between those two characters, and I love that they're just not giving it to us outright. Like we're having to. I love that kind of shit. I, I think it's great. Like, and I, I don't know. I, I'm gonna shut up. I, I'm now. I'm gonna start getting into like uh, Niles and Daphne. I just all the <laughs> all the different relationships that I've loved. Ross and was it Ross and uh, what's her face? Rachel. Ross and Rachel. Is that right? Is that the right one? Yeah, that's right. That sounds right, oh, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. My friend's trivia is not good. Oh, no, friends. Jeez. We're never going to get a friend's reunion, are we? No, thank God. Shut the fuck up. I would love, <laughs> I would love to see, I would love to see them come back and do something. Oh my God. You got to be kidding me. I think it, I think it will happen. I hope so. They, 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 they've been so dead set against it, Jake. It's, it's crazy. I don't think like all the cast is dead set against it. I feel like the creators are dead set against it. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's probably true. I, I think eventually money will talk. God, I hope happen. Netflix just fucking like breaks the bank or this new Warner Brothers 
this new Warner Brothers service that's going to get the rights to all that shit. I hope this new Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Media service fucking breaks the bank and uh, gets this Friends cast reunited and a new Friends, like, you know, series or something. I would, I would lose my shit. Yeah. As far as I know, aren't they, aren't the cast, like, they weren't on very good terms towards the end because certain people were making, like, a lot more money than others and people were getting kind of a bit jaded. Hmm. I thought that happened at, like, the second to last season. So I, like I said, I don't know my trivia too well. I thought by the last season, everyone was getting paid the same. That was well, the controversy, and then they fixed it. Yeah, fingers crossed. I just remember, oh, God, it was this was years ago, man. It was probably about 13 or 14. I remember watching this, like, exclusive interview between, like, all of the cast of Friends. And like, they had them, like, on one at a time. They did about kind of half an hour with each of them. And I remember Matthew Perry running in when Matt LeBlanc was having his interview. And he threw a fully loaded ashtray in his face like all of the the butts and all of the ash just like all over him and it was like i'm sure he thought it was hilarious but everyone that was like the guy that was doing the interview and matt leblanc were like disgusted and it was oh god so fucking awkward mm. so i just hope that stuff like that doesn't like they don't sort of you know still have bad blood about things like that you know i'm re i'm reading about that now dan and yeah um after season nine everyone got evened out and they all made a million per episode okay a million per episode jesus look at the look at the big bang theory cast like all them are making like insane money per episode up until this last season yeah, yeah and look, last season is fucking terrible oh my god (laughs) there was so much to live up to yeah, I mean, like you know, the first few they were pretty, de- they were pretty good, I thought. But my god, yeah, I mean, it's I, just like nothing happens in that show anymore. I'm just watching mm-hmm. it out of habit now. Yeah, I, it seems like a self parody of itself, from what I see in the commercials. I used to, yeah. I used to watch that show too, Dan. And I actually, I've watched every season just like out of habit because, like, I'd watch like, I, I just wanted to see where I haven't watched. I've watched two or three episodes of this final season. It's it's one of those things that I just haven't. I'm gonna watch it just because I want to see how it all ends. But goddamn, it's 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 been a chore the last few seasons, man. Yeah, it's really bad. And I mean, like I sort of I DVR it so I get to skip through all the adverts and stuff. So it's like 22 minutes of footage, and I am just bored to tears half the time. What's this new <laughs> What's this new thing that Jim Parsons is involved in that I saw that looked really fucking good? It's either a movie uh, or a new show. The last thing that I saw that he had done is he is in the new Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie. That's right. Yeah, that yeah. that just premiered on Netflix. I have not had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah, we don't actually get that on Netflix over here, which is really fucked up because you guys get it. And because I, I saw the advert for it, like on a tweet or something. And I, I was like, I'm going to watch that. And I was said to Kat, I was like, we'll watch that tonight and then I can review it. Dan, and you're, you're on pop culture leftovers. I can make this happen for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I promise, yeah, I promise you. I promise you right now. Dan, what's your Twitter? Uh, it's BFIDND. BFIDND on Twitter. Guys, uh, if you can get Dan access to watch this new Zach Efron, what's it called? Wicked something? Yeah, it's like, uh, God, wicked, vile, something or other. Yeah, I forget. It's the new, you know, do some, do some research. It's the new Zach Efron, Ted Bundy thing. If you can get Dan access to watch this movie, send him a tweet at, uh, B-F-I-D-N-D, right? 
Yeah, D A N D D. Yeah, there you go. And uh, Dan, I probably I'll find somebody to get you a way to watch this. Thanks, man. But it was like I saw it. I was like, I was, I'll review it like tonight. And then I was looking through Netflix, nothing. And then I found out that Netflix obviously bought the rights, but over here, Sky bought the rights, which is you know like a huge kind of like satellite TV thing. Yeah. So and you have to pay a certain amount of a subscription, which I do have Sky, but I don't have the movie pass on there because it's so damn expensive. So I, and I, I was like, well, I'll rent it then. You can't fucking rent it. You have to pay the subscription to see it. So fucking yeah, that looked that looked great. Disney bought Sky. That was really? yeah. That was part of the fucking Fox deal. Oh shit! Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> how I wonder how oh. that's all going to shake out. Probably bad. Oh man, <laughs> it might give you more content in the long run, potentially, right? Because instead of getting it slower, maybe you like wouldn't they want to release it on the same schedule? That'll be interesting to see what they do. Because like you guys don't have Hulu over there, I wonder if they could like integrate some of the Hulu programming into Sky. Yeah, that'd be great. But like I said, there's there's like tiers of how much you pay. So you have like just your basic package, which is like however much it is a month. And then if you want to add movies, it's like another kind of like fifteen dollars, eighteen dollars, depending yeah. on the conversion. And then sports and music and and all the rest of it. So you know you can end up paying a shitload of money if you want to get everything. I know Disney really wanted Sky because it was one of those things where like that was kind of like one of the hangups at first with this whole Disney deal was like, like, like I think it was, uh, Comcast was really going after Sky Network and, uh, that, that fell through for Comcast. Disney got the deal, but anyway, hey, I got news from Screen Rant. This is a new Fred Savage series. Fred Savage has not had the best of luck the past few years. He did a show called The Grinder with Rob Lowe, which was on Fox, got canceled after one season. Uh, they played brothers on that show. It was actually pretty funny. And then, uh, he did two seasons of, uh, Friends from College, uh, with Keegan Michael Key. That show was pretty funny. That got canceled on Netflix. Now he's got a new show called What Just Happened. Guys, I am – this show sounds incredible. It's created by Savage along with Dave Jesser and Matt Silverstein. The series intended to be a spoof on the overabundance of TV after shows like Talking Dead, Hacking Robot, After Trek, Beyond Stranger Things, and more. And from the sound of it, what just happened with Fred Savage is prepared to go the extra mile in order to make the fictional fandom around its fictional show as real as possible. Um, so they go on to say, check out a synopsis for the flair below. So the flair is the show. And the, the what just happened is Fred Savage's uh, after show for this fictional show called The Flare. And they have a synopsis for the actual show, The Flare. The Flare is based on fictional author TJ Whitford's sci-fi book series, The Moon is the Sun at Night, which has been a favorite of Savage's since childhood. The book revolves around a solar event and its effects on Earth, specifically the small blue collar town of Milford, Illinois, and slowly unfolds into a post-apocalyptic battle for human survival. The after 
after show will feature multiple segments, including authentic sit-down celebrity interviews, set visits to the flair, and interviews with the cast, as well as discussions with fans and more. This is going to premiere June 30th on Fox, and I think this is, sounds like uh, – this sounds brilliant. I fucking love it. I don't know if this show is going to catch fire, but man, I am there June 30th to watch this. Yeah, I love the concept of this show. I, I love how meta it is. I love the idea of like being like the show is completely fully formed and exists, but you're only learning of it through this after show spoof and like just like the little clips and interviews from the actors are just all you're going to get. Like it'll be interesting to see kind of where the comedy comes from in this show and, and what they're actually going to do with it. If yeah. there's going to be any kind of running plot lines or, or what I, I'm very fascinated by this. I think that they'll take kind of like a walking dead approach to it. Uh, talking dead, excuse me, where like they have like three different guests on each week. So he'll probably get like, you know, like one week they'll have Kumail Nanjiani, Kevin Smith and you know, uh, Brian Posehn on is like guests talking about the new episode of the flare so each episode they could have different guests uh talking about uh, uh what happened in this episode on a fictional show with and and have actors from this fictional show come on and talk about their death on the show or whatever i i think this this sounds great i love this yeah. idea this is this is insane it's like it's going to be like this crazy puzzle that we're all going to be like putting together to like figure out what the hell they're actually talking about right. and different plot points yeah. in this picture. This, that's a really smart idea. I what, love this idea. Dan, is it fucked up that like, what if this show is a huge hit? Would they even consider <laughs> turning? I know what you're going to say. Would they even consider turning the flair into a real show? <laughs> I reckon they would. I mean, we live in fucking clown world now, so I reckon that could actually happen. I would, I would hope they, I would hope they wouldn't, but agree with Dan, they probably would. I think the show almost works better the more popular you can make the fictional flair show, right? Like to, you know, show the emotions of what happens to people during the premieres and finales, and even the series finale, just through the lens of this show. I think it's just brilliant, and they, they should not like ever show that mirror i don't think into would the actual they, show. jake would they do things like an actor like they've been going like okay halfway through the season and we we've we've learned about this actor on this show and the, you know they've done interviews with this actor and then all of a sudden this actor this fictional actor is involved in a scandal oh god Oh yeah, stuff like that would be great. I was thinking other, I love that storyline. I was kind of trying to think outside the box stuff like that too. And like, what if one of the actors accidentally spoils what happens on the series finale live on the after talk show? Oh yeah. Or something like that. I was thinking. And just, there's just so many different ideas you can come up with that like both reach into the show you don't ever get to see and reach into kind of the real world you don't ever get to see but you just have to get it all through this this talk show it'll be interesting i wonder if they'll do things like run people's fake tweets about the episode at like the bottom of the screen and yeah. like do fake social media for it as well i really think they should go all in with this uh, have a like a like a on the talking dead they have a like a an abbreviated q a section where they may have like one or two people from the crowd say something you know so ask a question to somebody on the panel yeah i I, i'm excited to see this of all the shows he's done uh, you know the last three or four this is the one that definitely seems like it has the most promise and is not the most like kind of cliched i think that i think that both of those previous series like the grinder and especially like friends from college had like their had their fans like 
you know, I, I thought the the grinder was a was a funny show. I thought you know Rob Lowe's good at comedy, and like Friends from College had like a pretty solid following. So, but we've seen Netflix canceled some shows that we thought were pretty damn popular, uh, mainly like the Marvel stuff, and then most recently One Day at a Time and uh, Santa Clarita Diet and. Uh, I mean, if you're not Stranger Things or uh, Orange is the New Black, I mean, your days are fucking numbered on Netflix, it feels like. Yeah, I agree. It's it's a tough world out there. And, and shit, I think it's even tougher on fucking Fox Network than it is Netflix. So I don't know if this yeah. is true, but you know that 13 Reasons Why? I can give you 13 Reasons Why to cancel that fucking show. But anyway, another thing. <laughs> Hold on. Did you see the article? And I don't know if it's true or not, but that – Suicide rates between teens went up after that show premiered. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised by that. I feel yeah, like I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of that show myself. Well, I feel like you know, like I, I, I did enjoy the first season, but like looking back on it, it, it did kind of like glamorize. Oh, I hate to say it, but like parts of it did feel like it glamorized suicide in ways. You know, I don't know. I don't know. No, that's 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 tough call, man. Yeah, because suicide rates in young people have been going up since about 2014. Sure. Yeah, yeah it's um, it's, it, it's something that I've looked into. It's um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, the people think it's to do with social media. Actually, they yeah. think that's the main reason. It's all, yeah. fu- it's all fucked up. We're all broken. Social media yeah. bullying and stuff like that, right? Yeah. What I was going to say on a lighter note is, wouldn't you love? Fred Savage to have Will Friedle on that show as a character. Oh God, Will Friedle and anything. Love Will Friedle. I love and, him too. Oh and to God. have him like on on a on a show would just be so good because that guy is fucking hilarious. He's I love great. Him. I, a Painters Guild has become like one of my favorite fucking shows, and I don't even paint miniatures, man. I like. Yeah, I I thought you would start after watching that show, but yeah, I know it's crazy. I need to start. Like I, Dan, I don't know. I'm just not motivated. People are lucky that they get this fucking show every week. Like it's it's a wonder I roll out of bed every fucking day. I'm not. I'm not. I'm fucking kidding you. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I would love, there's so many things that I would love to do. Seriously, like, this show is a fucking miracle. Like, this show is like, this is a, no, this show is a fucking Christmas miracle that you get this fucking thing. Like, there's so many things like, like, I've wanted to do in my life. Like, oh my gosh, I would love to do this. I would love to do that. But I wake up and I do the same monotonous bullshit every fucking day. You're lucky to get this goddamn show. I'm telling you, people. But yeah, uh, oh yeah. Ooh, Brian, Brian. Ooh, ooh, what a dream. Painting miniatures. Fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) So what? So what if there, so what if there's a part of me that wants to sit down with a fucking paintbrush and paint miniatures? It looks like a lot of fun. It looks very soothing, very relaxing. It's very Calgon take me away in the moment. You know what I mean? I would love to paint miniatures. It it does. It looks like, it, it looks like a lot of fun you can you can uh you can start with something that's a blank slate and maybe at the end of the day on your first miniature it'll look like shit and that's what that's you, you kind of see the journey of will friedle in that show um you always get his comedy his comedy's on point but you kind of see like his journey on that show how he starts off as a novice and like the more he dives into it the better he gets at painting these miniatures it's it's a, it's a pretty cool show it's painters guild it's on geek and sundry i believe you can watch it on the Verve app, if you have that, people. Yeah, I also think that they've started releasing the episodes of Painters Guild on YouTube for free really? as well, yeah. very recently. Oh, they did? Because, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure, man. Well, it might I've, be different, I've dude, because too. I know like YouTube over over where you guys are uh, in Great Britain, you guys got to watch the fucking Machinima Transformers shit on YouTube, and it was not available here. You had to go on the Go90 app. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, things are different. I mean, we didn't even fucking get YouTube Red until a few months ago. Right. Like, we didn't even we didn't even have it. Well, so shit, you guys I, still don't have fucking Hulu. No, no, we don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's that's terrible. Scary. Yeah, that's that's crazy, and that has to do with just the the media rights from the different companies over there, right? Not that Hulu doesn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, there's a lot of politics going on. I think it'll happen now with Disney owning 60% of Hulu, and it looks like they're trying to... There was rumors that they were going to buy out AT&T's 10% share. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it looks like the uh, they might go after Warner Brothers' 10% share, so then they would own 70%. I, I think you'll eventually get Hulu over there. That would be awesome. But yeah, I was going to say, like, the whole Painters Guild thing. You, you know, you're talking to the D&D guys, so yeah, do it. Do it. Get their miniatures and paint them up. God, Take some time. <laughs> get fucking get Will Friedle on this new fucking show. I love that idea, Dan. He is he is very funny, very funny, just naturally funny. Yeah, he's incredibly funny. There's, actually, there's a, um, an amazing interview with him on um, the Critical Role YouTube channel, which uh-huh. is it's called Between the Sheets, and it's uh, hosted by a guy called Brian W. Foster. And he interviews first the first series. He interviews all the cast of Critical Role, a D and D actual play podcast, and uh, live stream. And then they started getting other guests in from different areas of uh, you know like Hollywood and media and things like that. And Will Friedle is one of the one of the guests because he's part of the Critical cast yeah and his interview is absolutely brilliant um it he explains about how he quit acting because he started getting panic attacks and stuff that's true. and then what he did to you know overcome that and sort of get back out there and in, into yep. you know into jobs and things um yeah that was a super nice guy that was very hidden like that was not a story that was like open to the public um he was very recluse for a long time Yes, he was. He actually goes into that. He says that um, he got a role for a new TV show um, after doing the audition, and his man, his uh, agent rang him up and said, oh, you got it. And he just went, I, I can't. And mm-hmm. they were like, what are you talking about? And he goes, I'm going to Mexico. And he just hung up on his agent. And then he obviously didn't go to Mexico, but he just like disappeared for years and he just couldn't couldn't deal with it anymore yeah interesting story but like like i said lovely guy and i I wish that he would be on this new fred savage show it'd be so cool that'd be very cool i'd love to see him as a guest on that show i I hope fred savage plays it the way that he was kind of like in the uh pg-13 deadpool i don't want him to just try to be chris hardwick i want him to be fred savage right yeah Yeah. definitely yeah yeah He's a funny dude. News from Screen Rant. More news from Screen Evangeline Lilly has been tapped to star in and executive produce an eight-part sci-fi drama series called Albedo, set to launch on, drumroll, Voodoo. Whoa. This is going to be Voodoo's <laughs> first original series and Lilly's return to television after uh, – wasn't she in um, uh, Lost? 
Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, this show is going to be Albedo. It's set 150 years in the future. Follows Detective Vivian Coleman, who is launched into the solar system with the mission to investigate the death of a scientist who is aboard an isolated space station. As mysterious events begin to unravel, the detective finds herself surrounded by murder suspects and secrets, all while being cut off from any communication with Earth. Uh, parented by Walmart, Voodoo's platform will carry out the eight-episode murder mystery. Yeah, this is going to be Voodoo's first original series. All I'm going to say about this is like, wow, they got Evangeline Lilly. Uh, number two, wow, you guys are late to the fucking game. But on the flip side, Jake, a lot of people have Voodoo. Do you think this is going to stir up any interest? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, more interest than anyone's had in Voodoo, as far as I know, as of late. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't Voodoo owned by Walmart? As it well? is. It is. It's owned by Walmart. This started off as a like when you bought your movie, you could pre-order your Voodoo version of a movie from Walmart. There used to be. I don't know if they still do this, but I, I felt like I remember you could go to Walmart and uh, pull kind of like a paper slip. And uh, once the movie was released, you would instantly have a digital copy on Vudu after you purchased it there at Walmart. Yeah, wow. It sounds like from what it sounds like Vudu's doing all kinds of original programming. It said they just announced at a conference on which the digital content new front con- conference that they're going to launch twelve original movies and series starting later this year. What do you guys like? Is it too late in the game? I feel like, and uh, I feel like right now. We're looking at the streaming wars coming down to Netflix and Disney Plus. I, I, I don't think that the streaming wars, I mean, I feel like, and Hulu is going to be owned by, by Disney. So like, I think that they still will, will have a presence. And I think like the new 599 price point helps them, but I don't know about like, like, uh, and Jeff Bezos, I, I, Amazon. Voodoo's dead in the water, dude. You're 100% right. Yeah. Evangeline Lily's a big get, but honestly, it's not going to be enough. And unless you get a giant mammoth franchise that already has a, a built-in fan base to come over because they have to see the thing they love over yeah. here, yeah. Just, there's no way this is going to fucking work. I mean, YouTube Red is, like, struggling their asses off. And, they, and look at what they're... I mean, They're going free. They're going free, Jake. Yeah. Cobra Kai season three is going to be free. Yeah, to me, this is a last ditch attempt that will probably fail for Voodoo. Honestly, what about Warner Media? When Warner Media comes out with their streaming service, does Warner Media have enough? I feel like what's going to happen here, Jake, is the DC Universe app is going to be absorbed by the Warner Media. If they were smart, they would do that. I think they're diluting their subscriptions and audiences. I don't think. The Venn diagram like circles each other very much. I think a lot of the people won't need both. Like your DC streaming guy won't necessarily need the WB streaming and vice versa. And I mean, if the WB streaming can do some of the stuff you were talking about earlier this episode, like a friends reunion or potentially new episodes of the office, I think both of those are the kind of monster franchises I was just talking about. Well, I think what Warner's is going to want to do is like, as soon as like, 
we see the the user interface for Disney Plus. When you boot up Disney Plus on your Roku, on your Apple, on uh, your Google, uh, your your Google Cast or whatever the fuck those say, Chromecast. When you boot it up and you see the user interface and it's got the different options there and it says Disney, it has Pixar, it has Marvel. It has Star Wars. It has National Geographic. And when you can click on one of those and be taken to any one of those different, uh, you know, uh, 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 I don't even know what I'm trying to say here. Um, like different, it should feel like, yeah. a, like almost like Verve. Yes. Where it's like you're going to all these different yeah. subscription services for the six six bucks or whatever. If you're not familiar with Verve, it's a it's a it's it, instead of like spending uh, forty seven dollars for all these individual services like Crunchyroll, Shutter, Mondo, High Dive, Nick Splat, you can get them all bundled together for nine ninety nine a month, and you can watch them that way. That's what this should feel like. You're absolutely right, Jake. I love that analogy. That's great. Um, now. That's what I think Warner Media should do. Like Warner Media should have like when you log when you pop on, it's like boom, you've got like the Warner Brothers movies, Warner Brothers TV shows, and then boom, you've got the whole DC movies and DV, DC TV shows, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of like the way to like break that down. Just like have uh Warner Media absorb the DC universe stuff. It is yeah. tough, man, because I it- Honestly, I know we've spoken about like this, you know, the streaming wars before, but it really does seem like it's fucking over already, you know, because like people can't afford to have all these different, all of these different services, and like the, like the verb example that Jake brought up, fantastic. That is that's exactly what these people need to do, because if you're gonna try and beat out Netflix and Disney, you are. Oh man, that is an uphill fucking struggle because it's just, you're too damn late. You're not good. People aren't going to give you your money unless you have exclusives and a, a, and more importantly, a huge catalog of things to look at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like can can Jeff Bezos and Amazon do that with um, with what they're doing with like this Lord of the Rings series? I mean, you know, and it's like they've already got some and I, fuck. We can't like Hulu. It has like Hulu has the uh, the hand hands made tale, which is like the first like streaming television show to win an Emmy. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, like you said earlier, I don't I can't get Hulu. So yeah, I have no yeah. idea what the hell's on that channel. Sure. Yeah, that's that's yeah, understandable. But I mean, as far as Amazon goes, the only reason I have Prime is because I like getting my packages like straight like a day after I order it. That's the only reason I've got it. I literally use it for the you know the the, the free shipping uh, that happens yeah. the day later. That, I mean, and, that's great. But like a perk of that is like I also you also get to watch Goliath. You get to watch <laughs> you get to watch you get to watch Sneaky Pete. You get to watch. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of movies on there too, dude. I fucking I recently watched a movie I'd never seen before. I saw Danny DeVito was in a movie from 1977 called The Van, albeit the movie was fucking terrible. Uh, it, the movie is. I can't believe you watched that. Have you ever heard of it, Dan? I've never heard of it. It's 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 a movie. It's kind of like one of those like summer like teen movies where like everybody's trying to fuck each other, and so like yeah. this, this kid gets this 
pimped out van with a water bed in the back and all this shit. And like, he's asking girls if they want to smoke weed in the back of it. And then he tries to get laid. It's just a fucking terrible movie. But I was like, hey, you know, I've never seen it. It's got Danny DeVito. I've been on a big taxi kick lately. I'll try to watch this thing. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like Amazon has, it'll survive. But I think like the, the, the two heavyweights, if we're talking about heavyweights that are in the streaming wars are going to be Disney Plus and Netflix. And I think you guys agree. Yeah. yeah. I think if Netflix doesn't watch their shit and kind of tighten their bolts a little bit more though, Amazon could easily sneak in and become that from, be, from behind number two. Yeah. Uh, Jake. Amazon, Jake. Huh? I, I do. Got Amazon. Yeah. I mean, cause I've got it and, I mean, aside from like a few of the examples that Brian gave, I never fucking watch it. It's like most of the movies on there are totally out of date. And a lot of the originals I've tried watching just haven't been any good. And I, I just, I never ever go back to it. I'm never going on there searching for films because it, like most of the films that are on it are. Dan, you are, need are, to like, watch five. the van. You need I to, need to watch the van. <laughs> I do think, I mean, we've talked a lot about them dumping a lot of money into a lot of new original programming. And I don't think we've seen the first big wave of results of that yet. And I think that'll be a little bit of kind of an opening statement as to what might happen. But Jake, like Netflix has vowed and they are, they're dumping $15 billion into original content this year. Yeah, but I mean, it's not, it's pretty hit and miss, right? And they, Netflix seems to be pissing off fans and viewers left and right with these cancellations in the last yeah years. but i'm not canceling netflix because they canceled one day at a time or they're like oh no what we're, we're at last season of fuller house it's like I'm, fuck it i don't give a shit i'm gonna stick around like i understand yeah, what you, i know like the mar i think the marvel shit was the big like that was a big sticking point with fans like that like like that stuck in their craw like a lot of people i do think that they probably lost some subscriptions after that i do yeah, I, I agree. I yeah. agree. I, I agree that people are probably a lot all talk when it comes to like some of the other yeah. shows. But still, I mean, you lose kind of goodwill and good faith with people if you if you do that so much. If you introduce all these things and then cancel eighty percent of them, then you you kind of get you know that knee jerk reaction that why watch any of it if it has that high rate of just going away. Yeah, I, I mean, how, how far along are we with the whole Lord of the Rings series? Oh wow! Yeah, I, I mean, as far as I know, they, are they still in the fucking writers' room? We haven't got any casting no yet. We haven't got yeah, any casting. I'm just I saying we haven't heard anything. Yeah, we've got zero castings. As far as I know, last time that I talked about, they've been very uh, quiet on uh, what's going on in the writer's room. Like, the writer's room, they've got the windows blacked out. You have to have a fingerprint scan to get into the room. Um, like, these are real rumors that I'm hearing, guys. And uh, so, and I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. And there's been zero casting so far, so... Mm, I mean, as far as, as, know- far as Amazon goes, we've got, we've got the boys coming up. We also have the Lord of the Rings, which is in production, but that's not going to be around for well, got to be like at least a year and a half. Well, surely. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. You know, yes, yes, those yeah. cats. Yeah, oh, it's a great show. show. Great show. Yeah. We know they're doing Dark Tower. They're going to try to do that again. Yeah. Um, there's been lots of Wheel of Time rumors with Amazon floating around. And good omens in December. Good omens in December, and that looks fantastic. Woo. Yeah. 
I feel like the second half of 2019 and the first half of uh, 2020 are going to kind of be Amazon's big push to kind of either you know become part of the big two or part of the big three. Of the if you show giants. up, to, if you show up to any theater, Jake, before they start playing the movie, and you can probably vouch for this too. Before they start playing the movie, they have a whole segment called Newvie. And, like, you see a lot of Amazon Prime original series promoted during Newvie. Like, I, I remember seeing Sneaky Pete Season 2 being promoted heavily. Hannah, behind-the-scenes stuff being promoted heavily. Uh, and it, most recently, Good Omens being promoted very heavily before watching an AMC movie in the theater. Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, we know they have the money to advertise and promote. Yeah. And I think mm. once they have the bigger name franchises that people actually want to see and start hearing about that are coming, it, it very potentially could change the game. I see them moving the needle way more than fucking voodoo with their <laughs> Evangeline Lily sci-fi series. So. Hold on, hold on. Epics is going to change the game with the Alfred Pennyworth show. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think Shudder's going to come up here as number two. You know what? I think, like, the best way to – I think Shudder has some great original programming, and it's really cool that they get uh, – uh, they're getting the Creep Show, the new Creep Show. Jake, that's one of my most anticipated series of the year. I'm not even going to lie. The Greg Nicotero-directed Creep Show. Yeah, I, I, I will watch that. That's exciting. I think Shudder is a perfect example of one of these ones that needs to just partner up, though. Shudder is Sh- partnered up with Verve. Oh, they were on the Verve already. They're okay, on well, there Verve. You go. And Shudder is actually – Shudder is owned by AMC, not the theater chain, but the AMC, the TV, uh, the same uh, TV uh, channel that owns The Walking Dead. Isn't that just Turner? So Turner owns AMC? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah, that's yes, right. He, AMC, 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 American. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I did not know that. that sounds that like Turner. sounds like we are all excited to watch this new Evangeline Lily <laughs> Voodoo show. I mean, I don't. I'm not even trying to. Is it free? So much, but Jake. Is it going to be is, enough? I'm sorry, Jake. What, what were you saying? I'm saying I'm not even trying to critique the show. Like I think yeah. it's going to be shitty. Yeah. I just don't think it's going to be enough to save an already dying streaming platform that is not known for anything original. And up until now, it's just this other way you can watch the digital code movies that you get from the shit you buy. Uh, yeah, I, Jake, I'm right there. You know what I think this is going to be? I think this is going to be another Yahoo streaming service, man. <laughs> mm. Remember that? Remember Yahoo yeah. streaming service? Remember Yahoo's, what is their claim to fame? The community season five, right? Yeah. It's the only reason I know about this shit is right. it's where I had to go to see the end of Community, which was yeah. very terrible. Yeah, Yahoo streaming service. Yeah, it's dead. Anyway, uh, let's move on into uh, DC news. Is, is this an ep- is this episode crap? No. Yeah. What do you think of Dan? Crap? <laughs> I love that response. I don't think so. I think it's all right. I don't know, man. I think like we're talking about a bunch of stuff people don't care about. Like we're talking about, like we talked about Jake the Snake for like thirty fucking minutes. Well, fuck him. They can turn it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hit the thirty second forward button a lot, a lot. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. Got a rumor here from Dark Horizons. Uh, recently, a rumor popped up that the uh, new actor 
to take on the role of Bruce Wayne for the upcoming Matt Reeves directed the Batman film would be announced this week. Uh, two Collider and Variety reporters have shot down that report. The pair saying they've yet to hear a single name in any serious contention for the film. And there's a reason for that. According to the latter source, Reeves is still polishing the script. And there's a possibility that the production could start early next year rather than later this fall, as originally planned. Speculation about casting continues to be somewhat pointless, as we've still few ideas about what kind of incarnation of the character they are going for, though best bet is an actor aged 25 to 33 years old. Uh, the sources claim the script supposedly harkens back to detective-driven films and noirs like Chinatown, but Warners has reportedly asked Reeves to beef up the action in recent drafts. I don't know, guys. It, it's it's You hear stuff like this. I've also heard you know Daniel R.P.K., was hearing that they're down to two actors. He said Nicholas Holt and Aaron Taylor Johnson for the role. And then we get this, we get this news of like, no, they haven't, fuck, they haven't even finished the script, let alone are they, uh, they have anybody that they're looking at as far as an actor. So I, I, I don't know. I can't believe that they've not been looking. Yeah, I believe the latter more than the former, though. Like, I agree with you that there's a, it's, they're thinking of things, they're having ideas, they're probably having small talk. But I, I do think that just because of the history of the character and the reception of the last few Batman appearances, that they are, like, letting Reeves kind of take his time with this, you know? So, I don't know. I, I bet they're not very near casting right now. I, I believe that. I mean, do you like either of those two names that were mentioned? Can you see one of them being Batman? Mm, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't, none of them revolt me. I don't want, <laughs> I, do you really want Kick-Ass as Batman? I, Kick-Ass, Quicksilver, and now Batman? I, you can leave Aaron Taylor Johnson out of this conversation, in my opinion. I would, if I had to see one of these two, I would, I would pick Nicholas Holt. I would rather have Beast as Batman, I suppose. Yeah, between the two, he seems the better. I mean, it's it's interesting. I agree with the statement in the article or the report that you read that it it's kind of hard to cast because Batman kind of has so many different flavors as far as genre and style that you kind of need to know what they're kind of doing in the first place. Yeah, mm. Very fascinating that um, WB is trying to get Reeves to ramp up some action. I could see that, him doing just complete noir and WB saying, yo, we got to sell some Batman. Yeah, deals, but dude. like, look at the action that he gave us in like War for the Planet of the Apes. That was like insane, right? I mean, oh, yeah, exactly. WB's got to be just like, for, like really frustrated, I imagine, because they're like, yeah, Matt Reeves, we'll let you do the Batman. We'll give you complete creative control. We saw all the great action yeah. in all your other movies. Yeah. And then he completely goes off character and does this other thing. Like you could just see the executives' heads exploding from it. I like what I do. I want to see – like we've seen all the action and stuff from Batman. Like I'm not saying I don't want to see that, but like I would love to get just like the inner monologue of Batman and like how he views a crime scene and stuff like that. I think that that would be kind of a fascinating look at the character. Yep. Exactly, man. Give us fucking noir detective Batman for the first time ever. Just yeah. give it to us. We've been asking for it for fucking years. Give it to us. And yeah, this, I, yeah. I, my 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 only critique is I'm surprised it's Matt Reeves who they would choose to give us that that vision. And, like, agreed. Fuck. After looking at the action that he's given us in the Planet of the Apes movies, 
Yeah, why not get fucking at that point? Just get David Fincher to do Batman if you're trying right. to just the all out fucking film noir, you know, take on it. I feel like Fincher would do Batman if he had the opportunity. Honestly, I God damn it, I think they should get like Scott Snyder on as a consultant for this one too. I've never understood why Scott Snyder isn't tapped to help with Batman movie screenplays. Right. Like, since Batman number like five from yeah. you know, Scott Snyder, I've not understood why this guy wasn't being tapped. I mean, he's like one of the only writers creating interesting new villains and interesting new characters. And yeah, oh man, it's just crazy. And just such a different flavor where it's actually scary and threatening and Batman's doing reconnaissance and detective work. And yep, yep. Oh, I fuck. agree. I don't think that he should write the screenplay, but he should definitely be involved in the process. Oh, so dumb. Instead, Warner Brothers is always like, let's go talk to Jeff Johns. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Fuck me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there there are other names at DC, Warner Brothers, that you need to be talking to. Yeah. You'd think like by the seventh time they consulted Jeff Johns, they'd be like, damn, we should talk to another writer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't going so well. Yeah, I, I've never just maybe just something we don't know. Maybe Snyder has no interest in that side of the media, right? Because you feel like if he did, he'd be right in there. I don't. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I don't know, Jake. I I would love to think that he would want to be a part of like. If they took like anything from his Batman stories, I would want to think that he'd want to be a part of it. I, I don't know. I, it's weird. It is weird. Maybe they're scared of him because he has no experience. You know, it's one of those, you know, yeah. catch 22s where you can't get the job until you have experience. And so he'll never get the job. It just, I don't know. We'll see. Like, did, did, did Gotham even talk to him about the Court of Owls? I mean, like, that, that's something I can't answer. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, even in the animated cartoon, he really only just gets a nod, like a special thanks to. Yeah. Which, to me, leads me to believe that he didn't really do anything other than just agree they could use the things he did. Dan, who would you want as Batman if you could, if you could cast right now? Like, if you could, if you could magically just say, like, this is who I want to see as Batman. Honestly, dude, I have not got a clue. At the moment, I really don't. I mean, the same as you guys, I would rather have. Uh, fuck, what's his name? Beast. What's his name? Nicholas Holt. But that's not. Who, if, if I could snap my fingers and like, if I could rub that magic genie lamp and Will Smith popped down and said, "Who do you want to play Batman?" <laughs> that's not who I would pick. I would not pick Nicholas Holt. Like, if gun to the head, if it was between Nicholas Holt and Aaron Taylor Johnson, I'm picking Nicholas Holt. But like. Jake, do you have anybody that you would consider? Like, think of young actors that you like that you want to give an opportunity to. Like, you're not you're not saying like they're going to be the perfect Batman, but like this is a young actor that you like and you want to give this opportunity to to prove himself. Yeah, uh, it's just so tough to cast Batman, right? It's uh, I'm having a hard time just on the spot thinking of someone. I'm saying for me, I'm going, and people are going to think I'm crazy. I'm going Alden Ehrenreich, the same guy that played Han Solo. In uh, in solo, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Alden Ehrenreich. That would be my yeah. that would be my Batman. I think he'd be a, a fantastic Bruce Wayne, and that's kind of the thing I always think of when I'm trying to catch Batman. Is is I almost think of the alternate ego more than I think of Batman. You know? Yeah. So you don't have to agree with me, people. That's just me, and you can even tell me I'm wrong, and that's fine. 
whatever. No, that's not terrible shit. casting. He he by far isn't the problem in Solo. Yeah, agreed. Uh, got news here from THR. James Gunn's The Suicide Squad cast Ant-Man actor David Dalsmalkian. Uh, this actor was uh, also in uh, Denny Villeneuve's uh, Prisoners and then Blade Runner 2049. I love this actor. I think that he, he has a unique look. He can play uh, – it was crazy because I've always thought of him as like kind of like a villainous-looking character. But then he plays such a, a fun character in Ant-Man. But uh, plot details are being kept secret. But the new – Characters include DC villains such as Ratcatcher, she controls rats, Peacemaker, he loves peace so much he will kill for it, uh, <laughs> King Shark, uh, who is a uh, human anthropomorphic shark man, and uh, last but certainly not least, Polka Dot Man, which is uh, who oh uh, actor David Dasmalkin is going to play. He debuted in 1962's Detective Comics number 300. Abner Krill was a low-level crook who tried to make a name for himself with spot-themed crimes. Spot-themed crimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. This sounds more of a trauma superhero film than Guardians did upon, you know, hearing about it. That's insane. I his, can't wait. His his gimmicks included uh, such as spots that transformed into buzz saws and flying saucers on command. Uh, Gunn has shown affinity for pretty obscure comic characters. Polka Dot Man has appeared less than a dozen times since his creation and the character is said, the character is said to lean into his embarrassment of his lame abilities um david uh, david dasmalkin his uh, first film role ever was in another dc film which was christopher nolan's the dark knight he played joker henchman thomas Schiff. um i i think david david dasmalkin is a great actor i i thought he was great a very memorable role in prisoners in my opinion i i really enjoyed him in prisoners uh, I think he's fine in Ant Man. Um, I, I he's, pa- he's Pena's criminal buddy in Ant Man. Is that who yeah, he is? One yeah, one of the one of the guys that are the founders of their security company, XCon. So okay, okay, I don't know who you're talking about. Yeah, but what do you guys? <laughs> Fucking polka dot man. <laughs> polka dot man, right? It almost seems like James Gunn has been brought over to DC by Marvel to fuck him up with this like strange casting. Not casting, sorry, the character. The casting's awesome. I but- I don't know, man. I, I think it just I, I think it just kind of mirrors like what he did at Marvel. Like a tree, a raccoon. Right? Yeah, it, no, just, like, it feels like it ranked up another level, though. I, I, I do agree with Dan a little. I don't. Well, I don't think he's there to sabotage them, but it does seem even more extreme than the Guardians of the Galaxy setup. Oh, it's nuts! I was just looking that's at the easy character's to, that's, history. It's easy to say now because we know what James Gunn did with a tree and a raccoon. Yeah, but even the tree and raccoon had more than twelve comic book. Oh man, I think like, he, I think he's got it easier with a polka dot man. <laughs> have you seen what the polka dot man looks like? No, I have not. Oh, please Google it, dude. It's fucking insane. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's got a disease. Jake, did you ever did you ever watch the child? The it was like the uh, children's show. It was from Canada. Did you ever watch the polka dot door? Oh, yeah, yeah. I could still sing the fucking song. The polka dot door. Yeah. The polka dot <laughs> door. Dot door. Yeah. Uh, it was a weird show. It was like on after like Mr. Rogers and after yeah. Sesame Street. And- yeah. I, 
I don't know. I think that was I loved that fucking show. It was one of my favorites, Jake. Yeah, I, I was glued to it too. It, hate, it was odd, but I definitely one thing watched that, it. One thing that pissed me off is like my babysitter would not would would always want to watch the Brady Bunch, and I was I would piss and moan because I wanted to watch the goddamn polka dot door. <laughs> and they always wanted to. I was not old enough. I was not old enough to understand the Brady Bunch. That was like I was not there yet, like mentally. I couldn't understand the Brady Bunch. Like I just wanted to see a bunch of stupid fucking dolls and a polka dot door. <laughs> I was a dumb kid. I was a stupid kid. Yeah, these characters are all so wild. Like none of them in Guardians, you have kind of have Star Lord, who's like the audience's proxy character, right? And there just doesn't feel like there's that here. Like obviously, Peacemaker isn't the audience's proxy character, and like uh, everything yeah. is just so extreme here. Like well, I really do think it's more of a trauma superhero movie than even what Guardians was. We do have Idris Elba's character, who's we don't know who he's going to play, right? And we also know that we're going to get. Um, Amanda Waller, uh, the actor that played Amanda Waller. Uh, Viola Davis. Viola Davis is coming back. Margot Robbie is said to be coming back, possibly. And then is, is Joel Kinnaman coming back as, as Rick Flagg or is it, um, I think I've heard no on that. Jai Courtney's coming back though, right? I've heard that he potentially is. There's been very different reports on this because every now and again i see just yeah. everything's gotten wiped and then you start seeing the hand-picked stuff and right i don't know i think we're just gonna have it's did it's you see secretive did you fucking see that um uh dwayne johnson asked uh kevin feige to call him oh i i did see something about that on twitter he posted something on instagram or something like where he's like kevin feige call me like this is a guy that's going to be playing black adam for dc and now he's interested in a role in Marvel. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard to even imagine what uh, what he would be asking. Or Probably. What would, want, like, right? would you think it'd be a voice role? Like, you know, because like I could see Vin Diesel doing a like a role for DC. Like Vin Diesel's doing um, the uh, the Valiant movie, Bloodshot, where he's going to be Vin Diesel, but he's still the voice of Groot. I just think it's kind of weird to think about an actor playing, like having, playing himself, like being himself live action in two different movies for two different comic book companies. Like I yeah, could see the is, rock. Is weird. I could see the rock doing voice acting for a character in Marvel, but I can't see the rock like, cause like we're getting him as black Adam in, in a, in a black Adam film and possibly a Shazam sequel. <laughs> Yeah, he's an actor you can recognize by silhouette, so it right. would be a little bit take you out of the fantasy to have him be a big character live action of both universes. I agree with that. Can I just yeah. say that fucking Bradley Cooper, his voice is unrecognizable as Rocket Raccoon. This guy just needs a standing yeah. ovation just for his voice work on Rocket Raccoon. It's incredible. I forget it's like Bradley Cooper all the time. And then if like you yeah. compare the Rocket Raccoon voice to the, you know, Star is Born, born yeah. Bradley Cooper voice, it's like night and fucking day. It is. It's unreal. This guy is just like, he's a fucking talent, isn't he, Dan? Oh, most definitely. He's, a, he's fucking amazing. But we were talking about the streaming wars earlier. Now we seem to be getting into the superhero movie wars because the way that everything is changing for the Suicide Squad it's just it, uh, 
uh, I don't know. I'm pretty, I'm sure it's going to get made, but all this like cast like leaving and being rumored and then being replaced, it just you know it's it's worrisome. You know, you don't really know what the hell's happening behind the scenes. It seems like everything's fucking up, basically. Uh, I, James I think Gunn is going to do this. He's going. I think he's going to pull this one out, man. Yeah, you know, I, think I hope because- so. Pin hasn't been pulled from paper yet, I think, is the big deal here. Like, I'd be more worried if, like, they started filming and then it's this guy leaves, that guy enters, that guy exits. Right. But the fact that it's still in pre-production, these kind of changes don't bother me. These kind of changes happen all the time. They're just not as newsworthy because they're not on such high-profile movies with high-profile directors that just got canned from high-profile gigs. Think about this, Dan. Think about this, Dan. Mm -hmm. There was a movie... Where they cast, and this is a huge movie, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna blow your dick off here. Uh, <laughs> there was a huge movie back in the day that came out, and they cast their main actor, and they were weeks into production, and they realized this is not working. The chemistry between our two main characters is not working. And Back they, to the Future, right? Boom! Exactly. Yeah. Back to the Future when they got rid of Eric Stoltz. As Marty McFly and brought in Michael J. Fox as Marty McFly. Like, like, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not saying that that's happening here, but like that was in production. Jake, you're absolutely right. Like these are, these are changes and tweaks that they're making before they've even started to film. They, they haven't even said action yet. Yeah, so I mean, and I, I get Dan's fear. It's a valid fear, but I, I think until they are, when this thing is happening during production is the time to be really scared. Right. You know, there's still time. There's still plenty of white out in the bottle and it's not going to hurt anything to use it at this stage of production. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that like when we were talking about Matt Reeves and Batman and everything, I'm glad that he's taking his time, like getting this thing, like writing this thing and getting it all together. Because, you know, if if sort of history is anything to show that when you do rush, these superhero films like especially in dc's case we only had like a like one solo film then a team up and then we had justice league and they didn't put the time in to build the characters up with these solo movies so i'm i'm really glad that matt reeves is just like taking his time and they might be trying to rush him but I, they don't need to because like we we could fucking wait we could wait for a good batman film and that's what we need you know yeah amen to all that dan yeah, I feel like their Warner Brothers isn't so much rushing him to write it as much as they're rushing him to ramp up the excitement, which is also just as alarming. Well, guys, like, think about this. Like, Warner Brothers has been very good as far as, like, I feel like letting their directors – well, maybe this will change when I think about some of these movies. But, like, Patty Jenkins, The Wonder Woman 1984 is was supposed to come out this year. It's not coming out this year. It's coming out next year, guys. So, I mean, it got it got pushed back, right? So, well, I hope that that's evidence that they've like learned their lesson and and listened to the fans. Like, you know, I know like most of us have always said, like, you know, we're Marvel people, but we're DC readers as well, and we just as much as the rest of the fan base, we want these films to be as good as they can be. And I've seen mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, saying like online, like 
don't rush it. You know, like don't try and force this. Like build up the universe, build up the characters first. Mm-hmm. And fingers crossed, just like the people who made Sonic, they might actually be listening. You know, like if Patty Jenkins turned around and said, yeah. "We're going to need more time on this." Then they 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 called their boots. They realized if they push her, they're going to fuck it all up. And they're like, "Okay, cool. We'll let you do your thing." That's what we need. I, Dan, honestly, I, I love what you're saying. I think that DC should not be about building up the universe. I think DC should be about building up IPs. And you know what I mean? Like different, like just do a good Suicide Squad movie. Don't worry about how it works into the whole fucking universe. Like, yeah, nothing has to all be interconnected. I mean, this new Joker film, yeah. which looks amazing like by the trailer, if that's just like a standalone and, and Walking yeah. Phoenix isn't going to return anything else, if this movie is great, it, it's just another fucking like like bullet on their ammo belt that they can go. Yeah, well, this is fucking shit hot. And that's what that's what we need, man. Like, it, we're never gonna. I don't think we're ever gonna get what Marvel has done. No, ever again. We're no. never gonna get twenty two fucking movies all interconnected. It's never gonna happen. Kevin Feige's so, do not grow on trees, man. No, exactly. And like you said, like they they need to stop looking at that model and come up with their own and come up with these like really good. Solo films. Did I lose you? No, I'm still here. Oh, okay. yeah, I still hear everyone. Okay, it's just like it's like you said something, and like it abruptly stopped. Oh, yeah. It was weird. <laughs> leaving leaving a space for someone else to come in. It was weird. No, I was like, I, I was picturing in my head, like you just said something, you stopped, and now like you're drooling profusely. <laughs> like, it's like, wow, I just dude. had a stroke. Dude, yeah, oh my god, Dan just had a brain aneurysm. What's going on? <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, it's late for Dan. There's going to be a bit of drool. It's early for Dan. Yeah, now. true. Uh, <laughs> Variety reports that Portuguese actor Daniela Melchior is the latest addition to the Suicide Squad cast and that she'll play a gender-bent version of Otis Flanagan, a.k.a. Rat catchers. So we've got, uh, she's basically, she's a virtually an unknown. She's only appeared in Portuguese TV shows and movies. This is her first major role. Um, so this is basically an unknown actor that we're getting here, uh, in the role of rat catcher. I still, and I'm excited to see what she can bring to the character. Hopefully they give her a lot more to do than Katana in the original fucking one. Cause as cool as Katana looked, she didn't do shit in the fucking movie. Um, and I'm also going <laughs> to throw this out there. I hope John Cena gets the role that was rumored that everybody was talking about that John Cena was going to be playing this uh, what was it, Peacemaker guy. I, I hope John Cena is cast as Peacemaker in this movie. That will be fucking hilarious if that's what it is. Yeah. Because, you know, we've seen him in do comedies before. And that guy's got it. You know, he's got the timing. He's got the delivery down. So, if, and from knowing anything about the character that he kills people for peace, that that could be really fucking funny and interesting. Place your yeah. bets. Is Michael Rooker getting a role in this movie? Yes. Yep. One hundred percent. Have you seen pictures of Ratcatcher before? No. Are you looking? At, does he look like the Rat King from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? <laughs> he does not. I'm not going to lie. That was my exact same thought when you said the name of the character too. Yeah. But he he kind of looks a lot like the Golden Age Sandman. Really? Except yeah, except like with holding a rat, like the same kind of facial mask with the with the, it's like a 
Sandman mask with Doctor Doom eyes. It looks pretty wild. Ratcatcher. I'll have to Google this thing. <laughs> pretty crazy. Uh, guys, you know what? We'll skip Star Wars news this week. We're going to take a quick break here. I, Dan, I know you're on this episode. I've got a lot of stuff that contains spoilers for Star Wars. And That's know, fine. And I know I'll, I'll skip it this week, okay? Okay, man. I'll do that for you. Cause like this, like this is like, I got spoilers here for making starwars.net and they talk about the final moments of the fucking movie. Yeah, I'm, I don't really mind talking about Star Wars spoilers for this one. Nah, we'll, we'll just, we'll go on to Marvel news. We'll do that. How does that sound? We'll take a quick break and then we'll do Marvel news and wrap this bitch up. Okay. We've talked, Sounds uh, good. you know what I mean? Like we've gone on way too fucking long, in my opinion. We wasted all our Star Wars time on Jake the Snake. We talked <laughs> all the time, Jake. All the time that I allotted for Star Wars news, we talked about Jake the Snake. <laughs> uh, just like that snake bit Macho Man's arm. <laughs> you, you ever? Yeah, did you ever? You remember watching like uh, David Letterman, Jay Leno, Johnny Carson back in the day, and you were and they were talking about like a, a comedian that they were going to come on and do like a quick five, uh, mi- a quick five, piss me off, a quick five minute set. You were looking forward to seeing this comedian, right? Like, hold on, like maybe it was I don't know, maybe Kevin Meany. Remember Kevin Meany? Maybe they're going to have yeah. Kevin Meany on or Drew Carey or something like that. And they got bumped right at the end, right? They got bumped because they didn't have enough time. Because they spent too much time talking about Jake the fucking snake. Yeah, it'd be exactly that type of shit. Yeah. I'd see, I remember sometimes people would get bumped like like for the whole fucking week. It'd be like right. the next week they'd be back on. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, that, that shit's crazy. So it's like, okay, we're supposed to have Kevin Meany on. Or we're having Drew Carey come on. Or <laughs> the Kevin Meany references are killing me. Kevin Meany. <laughs> fucking Kevin Meany. The fucking fake ass Uncle Buck. <laughs> Kevin Meany. Oh my gosh. What, what, what was, what was his big, he would, he would always talk like this, right? <laughs> Remember Kevin Meany when he would, he would always talk like his mother-in-law. Was it his mother? I'll never forgive you for making me remember Kevin Meany. Ke- oh, remember, do you remember Kevin Meany from his like cameo in Big when he was one of the one of the toy executives? Holy shit, Kevin Meany's dead? Yeah, he died, dude. <laughs> what a fucking loving tribute. Hold on, hold on, Jake, 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 Jake. What do you mean he's dead? Oh, God. Oh, I about choked on my own tongue laughing there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Meany died, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, we need to break. Uh, all right all right guys we will be back with marvel news listen group it's simple if you want to help the pop culture leftovers go to the popcultureleftovers.com and do all your shopping from the amazon link i am good it doesn't cost you extra and it helps the leftovers got it i am good yeah people can buy hats at amazon are you still hung up on that hats thing? I am Groot. Yeah, okay, I got it. You don't have to buy your hats there. I am Groot. You're impossible. 
For anyone else who doesn't have a strange or borderline psychotic hatred for hats, please head over to popcultureleftovers.com and use the Amazon link already. I am grooved. And now you're wearing a hat. Not freaking give up. Attention, the following is an important consumer warning. Listening to PCO might be harmful to your health. I'm Eden Palm. You might know me as Sturdy, but after years of listening to PCO, I might have developed a multiple personality syndrome. At first, I didn't quite buy into it until... <laughs> the cynical laughter of the Joker popped into my head, but things got really weird when my wife found me in the dark closet saying, The power of the darkness. And I will let nothing stand in our way. At which point I jumped up and said to her, Well there, honey, I didn't know you were sitting there watching me. Then it dawned on me, I don't even have a wife. It was Ollie Williams with the Blackie Report. It's gonna rain! Get your umbrella! All in all, the condition isn't that bad, because I have the PCL. Ohana means family. For more of my voices, search me on social media, Y-E-A-D-O-N, Paul Vio. All right, hey, we are back. Jake, that was, uh... I've recovered. That was quite a memoriam that we had for Kevin Meany there, wasn't it? I know. Much more touching than our talks of uh, Peter Mayhew. <laughs> I God. Uh, let's see here. Jumping into Marvel news. Yeah, we're going to get a Ghost Rider TV show. It looks like uh, Gabriel Luna is going to come back, reprise the role of the character. It's going to be on Hulu, though. And uh, they might also. It looks like they're going to be doing a Ghost Rider and Hellstrom series. And there's going to be, quote, will be a completely new iteration of the character in no way connected to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. storyline. So they're ditching that continuity so new newcomers can jump right in on this new storyline. That's smart. You don't want people to feel like they have to be tied to five, six seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be able to watch this brand new Ghost Rider show. Uh, he was only involved in like one season, if I'm correct. I, I, right? I mean, like, was it half of the season? I believe. I don't know. I mean, I, I think it was, uh, I think it was one whole series he was in there for. Yeah. I, okay. I think, I can't remember if he came back in another one or not. That right. story's slightly kind of disjointed. It jumps all over the place. Are you, either of you familiar with Hellstrom? I'm not, I'm not a Hellstrom. I, I, I have no knowledge really of Hellstrom other than what I've looked up for this episode. Yeah, not do Ghost Rider's kind of a little bit of a blank spot for me for most of it. Well, Hellstrom, Hellstrom follows Damon and Stana Hellstrom, siblings and offspring of a mysterious and powerful serial killer. Uh, they have a complicated uh, dynamic as they track down the worst of humanity, each with their attitude and skills. Ingrid Escayada will serve as showrunner on Ghost Rider, while Paul Zabuski will do the same on Hellstrom. I... I, these are going to be on uh, Hulu. Neither series has a set date, but yeah, we're going to get a Hellstrom series, uh, and uh, we're going to get a uh, Ghost Rider series with Gabriel Luna. Gabriel Luna going to be the villain in uh, the new Terminator Dark Fate movie. So hopefully uh, that'll be a big showing for him, and hopefully uh, a lot of people will uh, jump onto Hulu and watch his Ghost Rider series because I, I haven't watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes with him, but that seems to be a big positive from people that were fans of uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They did love his representation of uh, Ghost Rider from what I hear. Yeah, yeah got, got a lot awesome. of buzz. 
Yeah, he was awesome, man. He's uh, Robbie Reyes in that one, that, that iteration of Ghost Rider, and he's brilliant like throughout the whole damn thing. Yeah. Really good. Yeah, he's going to return as Robbie Reyes in this one, so it'll be Ghost Rider with the car and all that shit. So I remember that from the comic books. And when it was announced, I was like, that's silly. Hee hee, how you doing, buddy? My cat is rubbing his fucking head <laughs> on everything right now. He is rubbing his head on the computer, on the microphone. And uh, he's basically telling me, hey, could you wrap this up? And uh, <laughs> Hey, Dan, did they show Ghost Rider's origin in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. already, though? Um, what, the Robbie Reyes one? Yeah. Oh, God, man, it's been a while since I've watched it. Um, not like, not how it is in the comics, I don't think. But I mean, they they don't show, an, they can show an origin again and it's not going to seem redundant, I guess is my question. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because I mean, it, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of an interesting sort of origin story, isn't it, for Ghost Rider? It doesn't matter what iteration you look at, it's always kind of strange making a deal with the devil or uh, taking on the spirit of vengeance. So yeah, I hope they do show it. It'll be cool. That's interesting. I just wonder how they're going to do that. If they're, if a soft reboot means they're going to completely change continuity or if they're, you're going to be able to watch this without watching the shield, but they're not going to detract from anything, you know? Yeah, I get that, man. Yeah. No, I mean, you've, you've got to have him sort of, you know, flaming on for the first time. It'll be, it'll be fucking awesome. But again, I'm pissed off because it'll be on Hulu and I'm not going to be able to watch it. Mm, yeah. Good point. Well, hopefully they'll move it over to Disney plus for you guys over there. Fingers crossed. Uh, saw this uh, article on inverse.com and I sent it to you guys uh, it was titled Avengers Endgame Cameo teases a huge Spider-Man Far From Home twist apparently we're getting a new Spider-Man Far From Home trailer debuting on Monday and Tom Holland is going to actually issue a spoiler uh, spoiler ah, I can't say it spoiler warning at the beginning of the trailer because it will Jake this is one of the things that we talked about is like how are they going to be able to market this movie after uh Endgame comes out without spoiling plot points from Endgame and apparently this new trailer they're going to be dropping on Monday is going to be accompanied by a message from Tom Holland basically issuing a spoiler warning at the beginning that uh, if you haven't seen Endgame that this might uh Reveal elements from that film. Yeah, I think that's pretty funny. I've heard that in the uh, trailer for the trailer, Tom Holland himself is kind of cheeky about how he is bad at spoilers. So, oh yeah, it's, it's an interesting way to do it. Of course, they're going to play that up. But uh, this is uh, this this comes from an article from Inverse in this uh, Endgame cameo. I haven't seen. I, I've seen the the picture, but I haven't watched the movie again to verify. They're saying that, guys, spoilers here from here on out for Endgame if you haven't seen it. But at the end of Endgame, you get the the scene of Ned and Peter reunited again, and they hug in the high school. But after both being uh, part of the uh, decimation, they both were snapped, and they're reunited now. So they're hugging each other because neither one of them knew if they were going to, you know. Like, for all we knew, we could have had a, a five-year-old, uh, five-years-older Ned but, uh, of course, that's not the case. But um, behind them, they're saying that Ben Mendelsohn from Captain Marvel, who was a scroll, is in the hallway there. Did you guys see that picture? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're saying he's the character that was like doing the fist bumps to people and stuff. Is did it look like Ben Mendelsohn to you guys? I mean, I did not think it did. No, to not, not to me. You. Not to me. Yeah, it, so, I don't know. It looks like some random guy in a suit. Yeah, so everybody's saying like that could be a like a, a Talos kind of tease, and uh, that this <laughs> could be setting up more scroll stuff. And I don't know. I. We'll see. It's kind of weird. I mean, it's cool to think that if they bring in Secret Invasion, that would be great. But it just doesn't. It just doesn't look like him. Yeah. I think it's. I think they're reaching a little bit on that one. Yeah, I, I kind of find it. I don't think they would set that, that big of a seed in the Spider-Man movie either, right? I, Marvel's got to be a little bit greedy. In that seed is not. Well, the seed was actually planted in. Uh... Endgame, does it necessarily have to... Have, oh, in the endgame scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't necessarily yeah. have to play out in the Spider-Man movie. I think that that's going to be still, like, Mysterio-based. Yeah, that's true. But it's like, how do you call back to that scene? Like, to, for that to be Ben Mendelsohn, that would mean later we'd have to go, aha! And yeah. Like, it just seems like such a... Like, where do we go back and aha that scene for? I don't know. That's weird. Like... Yeah, as you know, could Ben Mendelsohn be like, you know, we saw, was it Hannibal Buress and, uh, yeah, was it Martin Starr playing like teachers and stuff? Like, could Ben Mendelsohn be like a new administrator or a teacher at the, at his, at his school or something five years later? Hmm. That'd be cool. I like the idea of that character just living his life on, on Earth as just a teacher or whatever and still doing whatever, you know? Yeah, but That's like, interesting. at the end of Captain Marvel, it felt like they were going out to find, like, a new home. Like, it wasn't like they were going to live on Earth. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, that was in the 90s, and I, I guess plenty could have happened since then, and maybe they failed on that mission, or maybe something bad happened. It's yeah. interesting. Uh, the Russos uh, talked to Chinese-language site QQ, and they answered, answered several questions related to Avengers Endgame. Uh, there was a Redditor that uh, translated all the questions and answers. Some of the things that I want to talk about are some of the things that we talked about on the last episode. Question uh, that was asked to them. Peggy Carter was probably already married and in her mid-40s in 1970. In that case, what year was it that Captain America went back to dance with her? And they said, we can't answer it for now. This is a story that happened in an alternate reality. Maybe it will be revealed in the future. Does that sound like a Disney Plus series to you guys, if it is going to be answered? Hmm. I mean, it doesn't sound like a very exciting Disney Plus series. Well, like they that. already did Agent Carter. Could this be like a follow-up to Agent Carter? I mean, I don't know. I am. I don't know. Yeah, I could see them mining that material for that. I mean, it definitely would have its fan base, I think. I think people would, would want to see that, I guess. Like, are you excited for that that kind of show, though? So here's the I mean, thing. Here's the thing about like, okay, at the end of Endgame, and this is what kind of like I've been able to pull from this is the we get Captain America, old man Cap. I, I called him Captain Liver Spots in our episode, but, <laughs> but old man Cap shows up at the end of that movie, and this is kind of like like from this interview, this is kind of like what I've gotten out of that. So. Captain America went back into the past, but he went back into a different reality and lived out his life in a different reality. So when he came back to the prime universe, he came back from a different reality into our prime universe. Yeah. 
I think that's right. Hmm. Okay. And, and all that's based on the fact that he wouldn't have been yeah. able to marry the Peggy from the prime timeline because she would have already been married and yeah. missed that opportunity. Right, right. Well, I mean, anytime you go back into the past, you go into a different reality is what I've kind of gathered. Okay. Anytime you go back into the past, you go back into a different reality. That's like, that, that, that's all, that's like kind of like what I've been hearing. So, and time travel, it's all wonky, like the way that the Russos have kind of set this up. And like, that's where a lot of the confusion is, 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 is this time travel? It's, it, it kind of breaks the rules of conventional time travel that we've seen in other movies. Cause like, what you do in the past does not affect the future. Like, that future, like, has like in the prime universe whatever's happened has already happened yeah you gave you gave endgame spoilers didn't you at the beginning of this yeah yeah i told yeah I said so it. so when past nebula gets killed that's why our nebula doesn't suddenly vanish out of you know thin air because it doesn't matter if she killed that one because her she would still be alive because what you do in the past doesn't affect your current timeline right it only affects that one timeline yeah, and then it like goes off on a different direction because it was like that. Um, the Q and A, like when they're talking about Captain America. I'm gonna read that question like going back. I'll, I'll read that question next. Here's the question. Here. Okay, cool. Did Captain America's action at the end affect the timeline? Does that mean that there was a time where two Captain Americas existed in the same universe? And the answer was, to me, Captain America's action in the end wasn't the fact he wanted to change anything. It's more like me he has made a choice he chose to go back to pat to the past and lived with the one he loved for the rest of his life the time travel in this movie created an alternate reality he lived a completely different life in that world we don't know how exactly his life turned out but i'd like to believe he still helped many others when they were needed in that world yes there were two captain americas in that reality it's just like what the Hulk said. What happened in the past has already happened. If you go back to the past, you simply created a new reality. The characters in this movie created new timeline when they went back to the past, but it had no effect to the Prime Universe. What happened in the past 22 movies was still canon. Okay. And that, that makes sense to me. I, and that why there would be two Captain Americas is because the other one's there but it's not the prime because every time you go back, you're going back into a different universe because you can't affect the things that have already happened in your universe. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I think some of the problem that people have with the end of the film is they didn't know how cap traveled back to the future and then end up on that bench because the, the machine that he was going back to was the one that was like right in front of, um, you know, uh, Bucky and Sam. So like he should have, teleported to that device not ended up on a bench you know like 20 meters away mm-hmm. so lots of people had a bit of a problem with that from what i from what i read yeah so he had to travel from that reality back to our prime universe is what happened but who, yeah how, how he did that we don't know yeah because it's like you know it would because i thought oh yeah he probably just waited and then he knew where he had to be at a particular time, so he kind of just got there like on his own. But then, if he had done that, then that wouldn't that he wouldn't have appeared in the prime universe. So he actually had to travel back in time to get there, which is why it's a bit of a bit of a big plot hole. My biggest thing was like, like I 
the way that the ancient one talked about the flow of time and how like if you remove one of the stones and that flow splits and the different realities, how it might benefit your reality, but her reality was kind of screwed and how like if you didn't return the stone, the forces of darkness and you know they'll overrun her world and millions would suffer. It felt like she was kind of like quoting prophecy, like the forces of darkness. And I felt like if you just got that stone back into where into the into the same place where that stone had been removed, if you put it back in that exact same time, it puts a cap on it. So we're like this whatever these forces of darkness are uh, would not be able to 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 run rampant in her reality. And yeah, because you think that in the time that she spoke to Hulk, you know, Stephen Strange wasn't anywhere near being Doctor Strange. He wasn't even aware of it. So they had to get the time stone back because she would. Ha- well, Stephen Strange would obviously have to eventually. Use well, it, any stone, and stuff. Well, so maybe ju- that was the darkness she was talking about. Just in her reality, like any any stone being removed. It's not even just the time stone. It feels like any stone being removed from that reality. So, like when Loki removed the space stone from that reality, which happened in that scene. Yeah, I feel like that's setting up the Loki series. It just felt like to me, like she was just like the stones are essential to the flow of time. If you get the stones back into place. Like that will that will keep everything from from being overrun by the forces of darkness. And yeah, I was confused by the same thing because they like they give the visual explanation where you actually you yeah. see the line appear and then disappear that you kind of thought maybe symbolized that was, you know the timeline. And that was my biggest like contention as far as like returning Mjolnir to that timeline. It felt like like it did like yes like. First off, I, I you it felt like to me like you had to get the stone back there, but in in the prime universe, it didn't matter if you returned Mjolnir. Like no. what whatever happens to that other reality, whether they return Mjolnir or not, they've gotta work that out. Like it feels like it's basically like if you return Mjolnir to that other reality, you're just helping that reality, but it will not affect the prime reality at all. That was like my whole point. Does, yeah. that, does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you, bo- you both said, and I agreed with you, that whatever you do in the past, just like Hulk said, doesn't right. affect the prime universe at all. But if you take something out, uh, and I know she says about the stones, but from the way that I was sort of like watching the film, I thought, well, we're going to need Thornies to get his hammer back, and then we're also going to get another timeline where Gamora, Nebula, and Thanos aren't there anymore. And that that seemed like too much of a huge change for me to not think about the other, you know, the other timelines and what, well, the what, thing what that, how much you would have to change for the, it to cause a new timeline. There's another quote in Ant Man where, like, you you or yeah, it's Ant Man where Hank Pym says, like, as long as I'm alive, no one will get the formula for Pym particles, and like here we have. Captain America. All over the place. Exactly. Yeah. Here we have Captain America like stealing Pim cart particles from 1970. And like that's something else that's been removed from that timeline. It just feels like no matter how the Russo's worded this, how the ancient one worded this, that like people have changed and altered time 
for different yeah. realities and opened up new timelines. Yeah, and, and like I said right at the beginning of the Endgame episode, when you start dealing with time travel, things start getting all kinds of fucked up. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It's like, but the, the way the ancient one said it, and like that's how the the way the ancient she only said the stones and the the. The, the the flow of time with the stones and even the movie kind of addresses this because like it's like Thanos at one time says like the stones you know I did I destroyed the stones but then 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 he goes into talking about how like they were reduced to like atoms so they're not actually destroyed they're just like molecular now so they still kind of like exist <laughs> and finding out what what happened was like the Russo brothers when making this movie realized that that would that would be a plot hole so they had to they had to word it that way so that they weren't uh, actually destroyed from existence that they were uh, kind of like sm- like broken down into like a particle molecular level or something so yeah. yeah, I feel like they also made it more absolute, so you couldn't just say, "Well, why didn't? Why don't they just make Iron Man back?" or and that kind of stuff too, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bring Iron Man back with like the Time Stone and. Yeah, yeah. You kind of just had to like. That's why we had to ditch like Illuminati or giving the stones to different characters and kind of where we went the way we we went is you had to tie the knot and make it so you couldn't just wonder why the next movie all these people weren't back. Hmm. Yeah, and it's tough as well because I think one of the big problems they faced when writing Endgame is they had to figure out a way for them to do the time travel stuff where Gamora dying for the Soul Stone isn't going to affect, you know, the Prime Universe, if you know what I mean. So if they go back and stop that from happening, they were like, oh shit, but that will change the future. So they went with the Many Worlds theory instead of like the Time Loop one. So I think that kind of... I would say that that, that uh, decision that was made in Infinity War was what kind of guided them to this this idea that what you do in the past doesn't affect the future. And that again, that's why a lot of people are saying, you know, why can't they just go back and say Black Widow? Because if they wanted to, they could time travel back to where she was going to sacrifice herself, grab her, bring her back, and it wouldn't matter. Because what they've done, what when they get it back it won't affect the prime universe at all yeah yeah that is a plot hole it's one of the things that did bother me about the black widow death the more i started thinking about it and realizing how it all worked was like it makes it even more of of or even less of an impact because it really doesn't make any sense if they can do it for gamora why can't they do it for black widow well they they were asked they were asked the question can you can you get the soul you sacrificed for the soul stone back when you return it and they said, no, the process is irreversible. Even if you have returned it to its original location, you wouldn't be able to get the person back. In fact, it's not really returning the stone, more like put it back properly. The tribute soul for the soul stone will forever be sealed in that place. Therefore, Black Widow is gone forever. But you're making sense. That's not the question. Exactly. No, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I know where you're going. That's the thing. It's because the, it's the exact same thing happened with Gamora. They pulled Gamora from a different reality. And we got a different Gamora from a, like a different reality a a reality where gamora didn't uh wasn't a part of the guardians of the galaxy didn't do all the stuff didn't fall in love with peter quill didn't die i mean they i I think that they could still bring her back but it wouldn't be the black widow that we know it'd be 
But I just don't understand. The plot hole is why couldn't it be? Like yeah. you could just basically do a perfect surgical precision move here and just get her right before she traps her soul in the thing. Mm-hmm. It, we know it won't change the prime universe. We know it won't change the outcomes. And she'll basically have – all the exact memories, but well, yeah, and that was my whole th- that was my whole thing for like last week and saying like they don't have to return Mjolnir, like it, they don't. Yeah, like, they could like that's kind of where I was. It doesn't too, aff- like cause it, yeah, it doesn't affect the Prime Universe. Like, so what if that other fucking uh, <laughs> Thor doesn't have Mjolnir? He can work something out. He can fucking he can have Stormbreaker made, or he can do something to defeat the Dark Elves. And I was my whole thing was I was hoping that Mjolnir would finally end up in the hands of Valkyrie. If she's going to be the leader of Asgard, I was hoping that she would have a weapon worthy of a king and that she would be able to be able to wield Mjolnir, that Mjolnir that they that they brought back from the past. But that's apparently you got to return the fucking thing. So I you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, again, time travel, man. <laughs> Fuck everything up. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Interesting. I, I wonder. I wonder. Sorry, I was going to say, which do you think is the real science? Like, if we actually invented the time machine, is uh, it everything you, you fuck with changes everything when you come back, or is it? No, if you if you travel back in time, everything explodes. You can't okay. travel back. You can't travel back in time. It's impossible. All right. Well, there you go. Option, <laughs> option, option C. So it was. Uh, it was something that Einstein said that time travel into the future is he theorized that time travel into the future was possible but he was 100 percent sure that you can't go back in time i I, travel into the future that's called naps i think like (laughs) i think that i think that you i i i agree with that like i'm i'm by no means a scientist but i feel like the past leaves an imprint on everything and that we would be able to witness we would be able to find uh, witness the past through through things we would not be able to affect the past like we would be able to witness the past like if you were to, able to Scrooge logic yeah like uh you would be able to travel to the future like what, what's dan saying but like if you went into like an old building or or something like that that like you know sound and 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 memories are like stored within that room you'd be able to witness you'd be able to go in the past and like view them they're like a viewfinder, you know, however that technology would work, but you wouldn't be able to interact with that world, right? Kind of like when Harry Potter, uh, goes back into like those memories, you know, that, uh, what's, what's that thing that, that fucking the Dumbledore? Yeah, the Pensieve that Dumbledore does that you'd be able to just like, you wouldn't be able to affect those, you'd be able to see what's happening, but you wouldn't be able to affect those moments and change the outcome. Yeah. I was thinking it's just straight up Dickens' Ghost of Future Past is kind of what you were describing too, yeah. honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know, man. This yeah, it'll be it's interesting cool to, to see how uh, all this Endgame stuff kind of affects the future movies because I, I really do think that it is going to have a lasting effect on the Marvel universe. Do you think? Yeah. You know, I- Oh, I think they're going to play with time travel a bunch more anytime soon. I feel like that's a dangerous game to play, and they'll probably kind of shut that door for a while. I think after the next phase kind of like ends, or they get into the second, uh, uh, you know, maybe into like uh, a few chapters down on the next phase when they want to introduce the X Men and when they want to introduce characters that are involved in time travel, that it may come up again. Guys, do you think that Josh Brolin is still going to be playing Cable going forward? Now you know what I mean. Does that? 
right? I mean, he did. Mm, Is that happening? Probably not. I mean, you could recast and it doesn't change much. I, as much as I love Brolin, I still don't really think he brought anything to the table in that role. I was not a fan of Brolin Cable either. Yeah, and I was excited for it, even more so after Infinity War. It was mm-hmm. kind of alarming as to just how blasé that ended up being. Oh, he was, he's so good as Thanos. I think like we need to like, you know, as far as like the Mount Rushmore of, uh, cinematic villains go, I think he's up there, man. I think we're looking at, uh, Heath Ledger's up there, right? As the Joker, right? Oh, yeah. sure. H- hard to argue that. Heath Ledger's Joker. No, I'm talking MC, like comic book villains. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I thought you meant all movie history. No, I'm talking about that comic book villains. Like, you got Heath Ledger up there on the Mount Rushmore of villains. Yeah, I think you got Josh Brolin up there. Who else would you throw up on the Mount Rushmore? We got two more. Gene Hackman? Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor? I don't know. I would say Tom Hiddleston as Loki. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, even though it's not really a villain by the end of it all. Yeah, he's kind of uh, yeah, a tweener. A tweener. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God, was, can we can we just get a moment of silence for Kevin Meany right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I was trying to think of some serious nerd shit here. That's very distracting. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite questions on that Q and A is uh, how did Thanos bring his army to the future? And their answer yeah. was. There's a guy called Moore in his army, and he is a great wizard. Thanos himself was a brilliant genius as well. Those two easily reverse-engineered and mass-produced Pym particles. That was it. They're like, they did it. Well, (laughs) hold on. I I even said in the episode that Rocket, our episode for Endgame, I said Rocket said that you're, to Stark, like you're only a genius on Earth. Yeah. And that they're, I mean, think about, look at their ship. I mean, look at the technology that they have on that fucking thing. Like they would, I don't know. You just, suspension of disbelief, right? I mean. Yeah, exactly, man. That's what, so. you've got, that's what you got to do. you got to do it. If that's what you're worried about it. after seeing Endgame, like that's, that's pretty crazy. Like it's, there's, there's so much crazy stuff going on. They got through. That's all that you need to know, right? Check, <laughs> check out this email that I got, and it's from uh, an emailer. Uh, he goes by – he or she goes by Tarky, and they say, hey, guys, I'm new to PCL, and so far loving your podcast. I, I was just listening to your Endgame one and watching the movie last night. In the podcast, you discuss why Peggy didn't see Cap. Um, well, I think she did. And I wanted your opinion as you guys have seen it multiple times. When the Avengers return after their time traveling trip, um, if you take a look at Cap's left cheek, it looks like he has lipstick mark. By all means, it could be a bruise, but from the glimpse I had, I'm sure it was lipstick. Would love to see if you guys can think about the above. So basically, he is implying that uh, it was some, it was some off-screen stuff. That, uh, she did eventually see him. He has a talk with her and she kisses him on the cheek. And that talk might be like, Hey, when I wrap this stuff up, I plan on coming back, uh, to see you. And, um, they plan their future together. Like I, I haven't noticed this in the movie. I do need to go back to the theater and watch it for a uh, fifth time. Um, I, I plan on watching it a, maybe two or three more times in the theater, but um, I, I didn't notice that. Uh, have you guys heard about this online, or, or, or did you nope. think you've seen something? Like no, that? that's interesting, though. I, I I have not noticed that either, 
Um, but yeah, it's the kind of thing where if it is true, you would want it to be so subtle that most people didn't notice or it really would telegraph the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. If it's the big red fucking Rolling Stones lipstick on his cheek, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as far as that goes, how how does she recognize him? Because he was wearing a hat. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. Yeah, um- I mean that's that's a really nice thought, but also in that that's in the seventies, isn't it? So wouldn't she already be married well, and stuff? Yeah, it, this well, um, it's a kiss on the cheek. Oh no, it's not that. It's just like I Did, don't know whether or not that's the kind of guy that would go up and say that sort of stuff, especially if he was going to go back to earlier, and it wouldn't even matter in that timeline when she's not going to be the same mm. Peggy. What was weird about that is like when we first meet her, it's like in the forties, right? Like, and this was in the seventies. Did she look like she was 50 in that scene? She looked older. What? In that scene? Yeah. She didn't look like she was in her thirties. She didn't look like she was in her fifties, dude. She should have been in her fifties, man. Yeah. Dude, it's 1970, man. We met her in the fucking, she was already like 20 something in the forties, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. here we are, like twenty five plus years later. She should have been like late forties, early fifties, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Did she look like she was fucking fifty? <laughs> she looked good for fifty, man. You know, look at. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I maybe not fifty, but fuck no, she didn't look like she was no fucking fifty. <laughs> do, do you think that's just an oversight, or do you think we're meant to do that? Dude, I, I have no clue. She did. That. She looked straight up like she looked like she was in her thirties, man. I feel like they meant to do it because no one loves aging and de aging more than fucking Marvel Studios, or they would have just nailed it, right? Like, what's the purpose of that? That's weird. It, it's, I don't know. Maybe I'm. There's got to be an explanation to that. That's just weird because, like, but, hmm, that makes me want to see it again. Did you okay when she's when she's in that office did you know did you guys like pick up on what she said No she's talking about she's talking about an agent not checking in and she talks about Braddock not checking in Well Braddock Oh shit really Yeah so Braddock in the Marvel and I don't know if she's talking about Brian Braddock or not she could be talking about like his father or something or grandfather or something, but Braddock in the Marvel Universe is Brian Braddock, which is Captain Britain. Yeah. So um, is this setting up a Disney Plus show? I, I mean, I don't know if they're going to do a cat. I don't know if they're doing a Captain Britain movie, but they could well, be. Do, do-, you mem- do you remember that uh, there was a costume designer that tweeted out probably about a year ago or something uh-huh. uh, kind of. Like a mock-up of a Captain Britain outfit. Really? No, yeah. no, no, no. I remember there was a rumor that me and Jake reported uh, less than a year ago about a Captain Britain movie, but it didn't have yeah. a lot of steam behind it, and it was only a couple outlets that were reporting it. But no, I never saw a concept. Uh, it wasn't. No, you're talking about a physical costume. No, it was like an like an artist mock-up. Oh, an artist mock-up. Okay. Yeah. No, I hadn't Just seen it. I'll, I'll try and find it, but yeah. Like some boss logic shit? No, it was from like a costume designer on Twitter. Oh, okay. I think you guys shared it, actually. 
I think that's where I found out about it. Maybe I did. I, I, I share so much shit, dude. I don't know. You do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Mm. But yeah, no, that well, that's cool. That's awesome to hear that name. That, yeah. that makes me excited. I think that maybe it's setting up a Disney Plus series. You know, Brian Braddock, who was, you know, he had the choice to choose between, uh, what was it, the, the Amulet of Right or the Sword of Might. And he chose the Amulet of of right and became Captain Britain. And, um, it'll be, I mean, I, uh, I was a big, Jake, did you read a lot of Excalibur? I read some issues here and there, man. Yeah, I did. I, and I even read the, um, later on the, uh, Captain Britain and M13 12 issue maxi series they did, which I, which featured Black Knight really heavily in it that I quite liked a lot. Oh, Black Knight. Yes. Oh my god! Yeah, I, I do. You see this as a uh, movie or as a Disney Plus tease? Disney Plus. I series don't know. Tease? I, I, I wish. To, I honestly would prefer they just give it the movie treatment. I, I, I would like to see the introduction. I, I would like to almost see more characters introduced in the movies than in TV shows in general, and have the TV shows be more of an extension or a continuation. Damn! What are your thoughts? Movie or TV? Uh, I think that they will go TV. I don't think they'll go movie. I would love a movie, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I don't think that they'll they'll put the the money into a, a film. I don't think it would do as well as Captain America because I mean, whether you're you know American or not, everyone fucking knows who Captain America is, and some comic book fans don't even know who Captain Britain is. So <laughs> it was the it would be kind of a weird thing to pin a lot of a lot of cash to. Mm-hmm. What, what did they call the Avengers over there, man? Because it wasn't the Avengers, because you guys already have Avengers. What was it called over there? Uh, what, the film? Yeah, yeah, the film. It was called something. It was called, uh, like... Royale with cheese. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's Paris. That's France. I'm oh, sorry. I think it was called Avengers Assemble. Oh, okay, yeah. Oh, but yeah. they just had the assemble because of the um, like the British spy show. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Did you ever watch that? The like, not the TV show, Jake, but the 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 movie with Uma Thurman. I did. It was not good. Yeah, it was called it was called Marvel Avengers Assemble. You know so what? They I, actually, it in the title. Yeah, I, I knew I knew it had a different title. Uh, I remember seeing the poster where it says Avengers Assemble and wondering what mm. the fuck was up with that. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite title change that we've ever had is uh, uh, California Man, which is you guys would know as Encino, Encino Man. Man. Oh my god, awesome. <laughs> California Man! California Man. Because <laughs> <laughs> we wouldn't have any fucking clue what Encino is. <laughs> Jake, you want to know what one of my other favorite uh, Uma Thurman movies is? Mm. What, what is that? The Adventures of Baron von Munchausen. Oh, I love that! Movie. God, I love I mean, that movie. Yeah, that's fantastic. One of Terry Gilliam's. Yes. Oh my God, I love that movie. Robin Williams in that movie is fantastic. Yeah, that's that's a great movie. That's exactly what I mean when I'm talking about kids movies that don't talk down to kids. And yeah. Stuff like that. Oh God, I love that movie. And like the the the, the Monty Python, like that. I honestly, Jake, because I watched that movie before I had ever seen any Monty Python. Actually, same. Yeah, and then like that's kind of like what got me into Monty Python. Flipping through channels is like, oh my gosh, I recognize, like you know, uh, uh, was it Eric Eric Idle? Yeah, 
Yeah. 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 I was like, oh my God, I recognize this guy. And that's what got me into watching Monty Python. I was oddly enough, a big fan of a fish called Wanda as, as a kid. Okay. And that, and that was a big one too. Like just seeing John Cleese in that and really thinking he was funny in that and wanting to see more of him and then finding Holy Grail and freaking the fuck out. Dan, were you a big fan of the adventures of Baron von Munchausen? I have never seen that. Oh my God. I just scared the shit out of my cat. Dan, <laughs> I'm sorry. There's no, I, there's no Vaughn either. That, that's like some uh, Mandela effect you're having. Oh, is it, is this just Baron Munchausen? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm having Mandela effect. That's pretty fucking cool. Maybe it's also the seven beers I'm into. I used to call the actor from kickboxer, Jean-Claude von Baron Munchausen for years. <laughs> so you know what? Hey, do you, good. do you know what Jean-Claude Van Damme's real name is? I do not. Uh, Jean-Claude Varenberg. Is that, that's legit? Varenberg? I'm pretty sure you can Google it if you want to. I'm going based off of like something that I've known. Like I'm just going based off of something that I read years ago. It's, his last name is Varenberg. It's not Van Damme. He thought Damme sounded cool. I think it's Jean-Claude Van Varenberg. It's got a, he's got a huge Jean-Claude Camille Francois Van Varenberg. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Told you it was Varenberg. There you go. I see why you changed it. Van Damme is way more badass. It's way more badass. <laughs> what was? Yeah, I know. I've never seen it. It's on Netflix. That film, do you know? It's on Netflix. No, I'm asking. He's asking know, if it is. What the fuck do I look like, Dan? Google. Sorry. I'm just fucking with you. I haven't seen it in years. I love the movie. Oh, I'm gonna go. Hello, people. I'm going to go to the Just Watch app. Just Watch is a fantastic app. Download it to your phone. It's called Just Watch, and you can do a search for any movie or TV show, and it will show you where that movie or TV show is streaming, if anywhere. And if it's not streaming anywhere, it'll show you where you can buy it or rent it to watch. Adventures. It's going to pull up Adventures in Babysitting. I know you are, you son of a bitch. I know you are. <laughs> Adventures of Milo and Otis. Of Baron. Here we go. Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Uh, yeah, it's not streaming anywhere. You can rent it on Amazon for two ninety nine if you want to. Okay. Because I've seen, obviously, I've seen all the Monty Python stuff and my yeah. favorite Terry Gillingham movie, Time Bandits. Um, but, yeah, I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jake. When uh, fucking Uma Thurman pops out of that fucking uh, pearl, that that uh, oyster, yeah, I thought she was like the most beautiful woman alive when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, Dan, yeah, you should definitely see this movie if you've seen everything. But I, if I, to me, it's like my third favorite Gillian movie, right behind Time Bandits oh, in Brazil. Time Bandits is amazing, and I love Brazil, but Time Bandits. When I was a kid, Time Bandits was like where it was at. Yeah, it's just so dark, and the ending is so fucking dark. It just, as a kid, it blew my mind. I think it was, I think it was the first piece of fiction as a child I saw that didn't have the neat, happy ending, mm-hmm. and I just was completely won over by it. Well, a lot of the actors in Time Bandits uh, showed up in Willow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good point. 
Yeah, oh, God, that, that ending, man. <laughs> Mum, Dad, it's evil. Don't touch it. <laughs> I <laughs> blew my fucking mind. <laughs> I was like, I was conditioned to think that that kind of thing could not happen in movies. And then it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so fucking good. I know that film so damn well. Did you know that when they wrote it, they when they wrote the part of um uh, Sean Connery's character, like the fucking you know, like the Greek um emperor guy, mm-hmm. they literally said in this in the script it says like um an actor of the equivalent renown of Sean Connery. That's what it says like in brackets next to his name, and then they actually got him to play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They they had they just like couldn't believe that he actually wanted to do it. Hey Jake, you know like Baron Munchausen, he gets a gang back together to do this one final job, and it reminds me of Avengers Endgame on how these characters change. Like, you had, like, Eric Idle's character who used to be fast and, like, is slow as fuck now. Yeah, that's a good point. It is, yeah. like, everyone's a, for, you know, former of their glory or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. That's interesting. I, I need to watch. I don't think I've seen Munchausen in 15, 20 years. Oh, my God. It's at least been... I haven't seen it in like the last decade. I, it's one of those movies when I, I watched it as a kid probably like 20 times. It was like always on HBO or something when I was a kid and I would watch I it. I was going to really say the same thing. Right? It was on a lot. A lot. I loved that fucking movie when I was a kid. Fucking Robin Williams is so good in that movie as like that celestial floating head in space. Yeah, right. It's kind of the first time you really saw that kind of Robin Williams used in that way. I, I, yeah. In a way that kind of becomes hackneyed in later movies, like right. say like an AI or something. Uh, well, going back to um, Batman, do you remember the rumors of Robin Williams playing the Riddler? Would you guys have rather have seen Robin Williams as the Riddler or Jim Carrey for Batman Forever? Uh, Robin Williams. I would definitely stick with Jim Carrey so Robin Williams didn't ruin his career by being in that film. <laughs> yeah, I, in my hyper-reality, it's a different film that Robin Williams would get a B in. Uh, he would have done an amazing job in the role for definite, but that wouldn't have improved the rest of that film. So it wouldn't have been Schumacher. It would have been like Tim Burton under Robin Williams. Yeah, right. I mean, or just seeing like... Overseeing Robin Williams, sorry. One-hour photo and insomnia yeah. and... And, like, the stuff he did in those movies like that, like, oh, man, I, I think he could have nailed that character. Oh, God, Death of Smoochie. Where is that streaming? I got to watch that fucking thing oh, again. That film is fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah, speaking so of black good. comedies, that one is so good. Oh, my. No shit. <laughs> fucking Edward Norton, Robin Williams. DeVito, too. DeVito, yeah. 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 Oh, my God. Guys, watch The Van. <laughs> It is terrible. It is horrible. Watch Death to Smoochie. If you've never heard of it, watch that film. It's fucking amazing. Guess what? Death to Smoochie, you can watch it for free on Voodoo right now with ads. Oh, wow. Totally worth it. Thank you, Walmart. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, guys, we are done. That's the episode. Any final thoughts? Oh, I got Hold on. I want to thank Michael Cannon. We do Michael Cannon mashups every week. Michael Cannon sent me something in the mail. Uh, Michael Cannon, who is, uh, we do the Michael Cannon mashups. He is Art Till Dawn on Instagram. So you can follow him there. He is awesome. It's convention season for him right now. So he's doing commissions and things like that. But he sent me something in the mail. I'm opening it up right now. 
And I want to reveal what he sent me. What do we have here? All right, let's see here. I am opening this up. It looks like it's some original art. Let me pull this out. Ugh. Wow. This looks like a lot. Oh, my God. What have you... Holy shit. He sent me... Oh, my God. He sent me uh, Perfectly Balanced, which was the uh, the Thanos holding the two cats. Perfectly oh, Balanced. Oh, that's fucking awesome. He sent me that. Oh, my God. Thank you. That is amazing. What else do we have in here? Sent me a ton of stuff. I'll I'll take some pictures of this and throwing throw it up on our Facebook page. Oh my! He sent me another perfectly balanced. Um, this is something, Michael. Um, I think he sent me a message if I remember correctly, saying that, um, hey, one of the uh, one of the ideas that you gave me for a Michael Cannon mashup is a print that I'm actually selling at conventions now, and I think it's the perfectly balanced. Oh my gosh. What is, what is That's this? awesome that we were able to help him sell some prints. That's fucking great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm going to have to take a look through all of this. Michael, thank you so much. What is, he's got to, <laughs> what is this? Um, oh, is it, oh, it's, it's the, it's the, the T-Rex that eats Mary Poppins and then shits her. Oh, <laughs> remember when we talked about that? Was that a thing we talked about, Jake? I think so. Yeah, I can't remember the um, the pony mashup that we gave it. Oh my god, he sent me all of the original Michael Cannon mashups. Oh, that's awesome! Oh my god, these are incredible. The uh, Calvin and Hobbes and Shaw. I got it. <laughs> oh, that one was amazing. I got a tr- I got a tribe called Johnny Quest. Oh my god, Michael. Oh, oh yeah, I love the tribe called Johnny Quest one. Remember Deborah Ann Deborah Ann Wall, where I'd said yeah. Deborah Ann Swall, and I and yeah. she, and oh, she, I love that one. And she's flexing. <laughs> I've got it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh my god, these are amazing. Thank you. Oh my god, I'm gonna get these all framed and like put up. These are amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's awesome. That's some great original artwork. I mean, you inspired it yourself, too, so that makes it even cooler. Some of these I did. Some of these are inspired by some of our uh, guests. You know, like the I've got the uh, Dr. Woe, which is uh, Keanu Reeves as uh, Ted Theodore Logan from Wild Stallions in the TARDIS. And that was inspired by Aaron Claude Miller of the Nerds podcast. And I have that one here. And it's Ted Theodore Logan wearing a Pop Culture Leftovers t-shirt with a scarf around his neck. Very Doctor Who-like in a TARDIS. Oh, my gosh. And he's, remember to wind your watch. Who the fuck winds a watch anymore, Jake? Do you remember that? I, I, oh, yeah. Synchronize your watches. Remember to wind your watch. Remember to wind, dude. I I don't even remember what winding your watch entails anymore. Isn't that how they operated? Like it was, it like helped the battery or something. It's clockwork. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, well, it's it, guys. How? When's the last time you wound a goddamn watch? I I never have. I'm a Casio kid. <laughs> yeah, same. I'm same as Dan. I watches actually irritate my skin. I've got one of those uh, one of those uh, Seiko watches where like as long as you're moving it it runs it never has to require a battery it just as long as you wear it and you move it 
It's not solar or anything. It's what is it, kinetic watches was what I think they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Kinetic. I've got a BK Kids Club solar solar powered watch. There you go. BK Kids Club solar power. Jake is a man. <laughs> Jake is a man. Yeah. That's a man's watch. Grown ass man. I got, I'm a grown ass man wearing a BK Kids watch. <laughs> Fuck you. I know what time it is. It's time for the BK Kids Club and a Whopper. It's Except when the sun goes down, I have no fucking idea what the time is then. That's true. <laughs> You're lost in the dark then. All right, guys. Hey, Dan, I want to thank you again. Dan, how can people uh, follow you and what you're doing? Uh, if they're fans of Dungeons and Dragons, I do a Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast called Brute Force and Ignorance, and we're on Facebook. So give us a search there, or just check us out on iTunes and oh god, everywhere at the moment, except for Spotify because you have to pay for that shit, and I didn't want to. Yeah, <laughs> it depends. On, it depends on who you're, uh, who hosts your. Uh, your files, who hosts your audio files. Ah, uh, okay. But yeah, we have uh, Jacob Harmon, who's our DM, and he's amazing. We have Jai Rivero, Eric Marable, Matt Kirby, myself, and Frank Hammer also plays with us. So yeah, we have a lot of fun. We have a few drinks, and we play Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, you guys do have a blast, and it's a fun. It's a fun to listen to. I've listened to uh, almost every episode. I'm I'm a few behind, but it is fantastic. Yeah, new episode should be out, well, today. There you go. It's popping up today. All right, guys, Brute Force and Ignorance. Jake, where can people find Who gives a shit? You're on here every week. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we'll worry about some plug next week. Yada, yada. (laughs) What's your favorite plug, Jake? Anal anal plugs? What's your favorite plug? (laughs) I don't know. I'd have to think about that. Hair hair plugs? Anal plugs? Favorite plug? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, not coming to me. I don't think I have one. You know what? It's a dumb question, isn't it? Yeah, very dumb. I was trying to humor it, but <laughs> yeah. it seriously. But... It's a dumb question. Like that. Seriously, uh, like, anybody asks you that question, you should like run in the opposite direction. Correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe that my life has brought me to the moment where I've got this jackass over here asking me what my favorite plug is. <laughs> I just figured out what my favorite plug is, though. What is your favorite plug? Uh, unplugging from this conversation. Yeah. Oh! 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 oh, man. Hey, if we were playing Dungeons and Dragons, I'm going to give you, like, plus three for wittiness. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. Do I throw, can I roll and maybe boost that stat? You can. You might be able to get plus six. You might be able to double it. So go ahead and roll for wittiness. <laughs> we get over to the dice. Uh, we're, uh, well, let's do a wit check. We're going to do a wit check. <laughs> I got an 11. <laughs> uh, what did you roll? A d20. Oh my god! Okay, this episode's stupid. Um, <laughs> Dan, I want to thank you again. Love having you on. It's always good to have you on. Yeah, it's great to be back on, man. Thank you so much. We'll have you back on again. Um, tell Frank I'm going to get a hold of him soon. We need. I need to get together with him. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, it's, uh, things have been crazy the last few weeks, and uh, I need to work schedules out. I need to meet up with him. But... Uh, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thanks for listening. 
We will see you next week with episode 283. We are inching closer and closer to 300, gentlemen. Fucking insane. Shit. I love you 300, right? I love you 3,000. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine what we're going to sound like on episode 3,000, Jake? Oh, shit. Robots. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Jake Jake will sound like he did earlier in the episode. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, whatever you were saying, you were all a about it dude and like i know that's annoying i was like oh my god yeah dude you were all about it you were like i'm talking i'm important saying important (laughs) things i'm jake i'm saying important shit right now everybody should hear what i'm saying and like me and dan are on the other end and we're just hearing like i know i've been self-conscious since that moment every time i say something and there's any kind of a pause i'm like oh great (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, got, we, got, we got fucking robot man over here. <laughs> I'm ahead, just like the word out show, man. I'm ahead of ahead of the time. Ahead of your time. You are a man out of time. You are your future man. Future man. This episode's stupid. Hey, we will see you next week. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. We love you all. You're all wonderful. We'll see you next week. Some of you are shit. All right. We'll see you next. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm uh, unplugging. All right. Well, <laughs> all right. We'll, we'll see you next week. Later. Love, love, love. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. By the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Could it toss it? Could it taste it? Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Clean it, race it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and the shaft the crap, even though it is shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture push over, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it, clean it, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers.
love it. Hey, let's face it. Can't embrace it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. I'm cool, kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Leftovers.